Hello, everybody, and welcome to the season finale of season eight of Sequelizers. I mentioned last week that it's a big one, and I wasn't joking. I am still your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, it's Mast Ogden. That's not how sequels work! <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. And joining Matthew and I for this epic bumper season finale episode, it's Tim Matum. We've decoded the intel from the First Order spy and it confirms the worst. Somehow, Matt Stogden returned. <laughs> <laughs> In Fortnite, for some reason, it was really weird. One odd choice for you, Matt. I don't ah, know yeah, yeah. Just all showed up there. the sequelizers. <laughs> that was going to be my guess. That was oh, going to really? be my guess for your oh, intro. Is, I am all of the sequelizers. Was going to oh. be my guess. So, yeah. Uh, if you haven't already guessed, listeners, we're doing some fucking Star Wars. And I know we've kind of already done Star Wars because we did Solo in Prequelizers, but this is the Skywalker Saga proper Star Wars edition. And you know it's not Prequelizers, so it's not going to be the prequels. We are in fact fixing Episode 9, Rise of Skywalker. I assume some people will be angry. Some people will be very happy, <laughs> and we'll get to all of that and the discussion of a grander Star Wars universe and all that kind of stuff after we say thank you to our lovely patrons on patreon.com slash sequelizers. If you want to get early access to these episodes the Friday before they come out on the Tuesday, if you want to not hear us do ads, if you want to get exclusive merch and discounts, and be able to vote on episodes and pick your own episodes if you go up to the highest tiers, Join us on patreon.com slash sequelizers. Just like these fine folks who are known as the executive producers have done. I don't know your name. Finn, what's yours? Jonathan Firth Clark. Ray! Josh Miles. I'm just here to get Ray. Andy Steen. Come on, Ray! 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 I don't... No, no, no. Ray! Josh van der Sloos. You are... Ray! Finn. Mike Salvia. Ray, I never told you Ray! And our latest executive producer, Michael Belcher. Ray! And Xenos. No! Perhaps the most Star Wars-y name of all of them. <laughs> Thank you for your support for the entire season, you lovely executive producers, and thank you to all of our patrons who have supported us throughout season eight. Don't worry, there'll be some patron picks coming up and some things to vote on and to discuss and all that kind of stuff in the interseason episodes. There's going to be more patron picks coming up in season nine as well. The ball keeps rolling for sequelizers. Just because it's the end of a season doesn't mean we're slowing down, folks. So even though <laughs> this may be... The last pitch of ours you hear for a while. You'll there's need a fucking plenty, rest. <laughs> there's plenty of, of fantastic content coming up on the end of season, and it all kicks off next week. I'm excited for a, a few of the episodes specifically, and I, I'm very, very excited to get into some, some discussion that isn't bad sequels. So if, if you are new to the show, the end season stuff, we go a bit more off topic. Some of the patrons pick stuff, and uh, yeah, it, it's an all-round good time of us discussing some good movies, including... 
actual full bonus episodes for people on Patreon as well. So yeah, if you want to go and check that out, you can check out all of the outtakes for previous seasons and all the bonus episodes for the previous inter-seasons as well. You can go to patreon.com slash sequelizers. And without further ado, cue the, the crawl of the text and the trumpets and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> because it's time to talk about Star Wars. Finally. Matt, what's your history with the Star Wars franchise? One of the few <laughs> franchises we have that is actually somehow older than you. <laughs> As with most things this episode, I will try and keep this concise. And I'm, good, I'm, good I don't want to retread ground. <laughs> Yeah, I don't retread ground um, that we've gone over in Solo. But you know what? People might have heard that episode, people watching this one, etc. So might as well go for it. And also, that was a year ago. Things might have changed. My introduction was, like I'd say, a lot of people in the 80s and 90s, where they didn't see it in the cinema. It wasn't available. It was just on TV and on video. And it was watched endlessly to death at times. And then there were toys and tons of merchandise. And then when I became a sort of young teenager, they did the special editions, which gave me a chance to see it in the cinema. That was very fun. Then the prequels came out. They were not very fun. There was a lot of derision and hatred. Um, I was happily part of that. I didn't give a shit. And then we had <laughs> re-releases of things. And that was all fine. Tons of supporting video games and board games. And again, uh, merchandise, figures, expanded of, of which we talk about in the outtakes canon. by the way we we discuss some of our favorite we board do. games and video games in the outtakes for this episode so if you do want recommendations go and check out the outtakes after listening to the episode mm, exactly and then there was announcement that there'd be new sequels new mainline sequels and i was very hyped for that i, I really look forward to it after what was jj uh, prince initially did with the first um star trek film really enjoyed the first one and we'll come into more detail about you know uh, last jedi and rise of skywalker later and and I'm now here uh, watching things like Mandalorian and other bits of expanded universe stuff. Looking forward to an Obi Wan series. And I think that's true of a lot of people. It just it's just a thing that's there. It's Star Wars. It's unavoidable. It's an Somebody in your life shows kind it of to you. Thing in pop culture, isn't it? It feels like it has been for yeah. so long. Precisely. And the truth is, the older I get, the more frustrated I get with Star Wars, because it's a very simple, nice little thing. And it opens up a realm of, in the same way like Lord of the Rings is a big fantasy thing, it's, it's, it's a realm of possibility and, and really sparks a lot of people's imagination. In a way that they want to live there, even though it sounds like the worst fucking place to live. Unless you're one of one or, you know, six very specific individual people who have all the powers. But, but it's, it's a broken sort of society, but people want to live in it because of the idea that it's so fantastical and so amazing. And then, of course, um, as I mentioned in my, in my late teen years, learning a lot about um, how it was inspired by Japanese cinema and Kurosawa specifically, and thinking, oh, that's fantastic, that's very cool. So it appeals to me in a lot of ways, but having said that, Star Wars is remarkably toxic as a franchise and a property. And I have been able to distance myself from that, so I can enjoy things just on surface level. I, I get angry about a lot of stuff, obviously, because I feel like it's a wasted opportunity at times. I'm like, oh, it's really annoying, or the technology wasn't utilised, or performances were dry, or what the fuck ever. But the point is, I have managed to separate myself from the cliche that I was at one time, and a lot of people still are, unfortunately, of Star Wars is my life. It's really important that Han Solo shot first. It's like, there's no shooting first. Han Solo shot Greedo. 
there was no second there's, there's no second shot it's just han solo shot there's no first it's just happened <laughs> but that's kind of the point all these minutiae all the details all the sort of obsessive fanaticisms i was equally like that's the most important thing it can't just be endor it's the forest moon of endor and then i realized very quickly that i'm actually ruining the property by <laughs> stressing so much about this because i can i just i can't in the way that i now actually can't enjoy force awakens because i know the setups are going arguably nowhere and i'm like oh and so I, it, it's hard for me to i mean for example someone can say well you know you can enjoy temple of doom knowing it comes technically before raiders of the lost ark it's like yeah i know i can but this is not how star wars works um and i get invested i still i still like the 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 uh coming to the universe a new property a new thing a new series a new comic i think it's great it's fun a new video game but I will always have that hesitance. I will always have that. Mm, I've been burned a lot by you, and I don't really think I should just give you my allegiance. I feel like you need to earn this back. And Force Awakens earned a lot back. Um, again, like again, the nine. I can't. I cannot express to people now how the late nineties, with the, the just the hint of a new Star Wars coming out with um, Phantom Menace, how big that was as an impact of like, oh, this is our Star Wars. Not, not you know, the older generation, your older brother, sister, your father, Star Wars. This was, you know, this is ours. Um, so yeah, I'm, I, I think in an all-encompassing way, Star Wars is really fun and has the capacity to be really fun, but Star Wars is very problematic. And for me, I will always see it as something I really love and enjoy. I have like literally models to my left of like an AT-80 walker in the, the <laughs> Lambda shuttle. I know these fucking words. I know some of it, so much canon and deep shit that I don't really need to care about. So I am invested. But if somebody says, are you a big Star Wars fan? I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm, Star, Wars, Star Wars is good. That will be my reaction, which is, is a strange, it's a strange, um, almost apologetic fandom for me at this point. Um, <laughs> good thing I'm not fixing this one. Uh, Tim, what about you? How's your, uh, uh, how's your Star Wars history? uh similar um didn't really didn't watch it growing up uh it, until the re-releases um i think i've mentioned before like my family do not care about films particularly um and so uh it wasn't like we had like vhs copies of star wars like taped off the telly kind of thing and i was very aware of star wars because you can't grow up in uh, even connected to pop culture and not be aware of Star Wars. Mm. Um, but I never saw the films until the re-releases came out in 1997. Um, and then was like, oh, wow, this is, I was 11 at the time, thought it was absolutely fantastic, got really into it, you know, for, for a bit. Not like maniacally. Um, I've never been a huge expanded universe person. Like I've read a couple of the novels and stuff like that, but not not a huge, like, it wasn't i really enjoyed it and i really like i had the cutaway books and the visual dictionaries and stuff like that and those really interested me the the depth of the world building and stuff like that and the the level of production design that was put in and thought mm. um but wasn't kind of fanatical and and didn't like read all of it never read like the thrawn trilogy and stuff like that despite like hearing they were good had a, some of the other like sh kind of I'm not even sure what the proper term. I think they were pre-re-release, so they were kind of shittier, but like encyclopedias of like characters, and so learned oh, yeah. some of that stuff. Kind of was aware of like, oh yeah, I know Thrawn's a big deal because he's like studies their 
art and stuff like that and that's how he conquers people and and that that kind of stuff but never actually read the books then the prequels came out was 13 and so kind of went to see them and was like i I, darth Maul was cool and like (laughs) yeah i like the film i think and then the debates obviously started of like no this is this was bad and and I think by the time that Attack of the Clones came out, even though I went to the cinema to see it, obviously, I was aware of the quality gap between the prequels and the and the original trilogy. And then Star Wars was just kind of a background thing, you know, that I enjoyed, but not wasn't crazy about. Um, and then obviously this new sequel trilogy came out, was very excited when it was first announced. I can remember watching the trailer Force Awakens uh in the in the office that I was at at the time someone had a projector so we projected it up on the wall and watched it that way yeah. and stuff oh, like that. Oh that's so um, cool. So yeah so I was very excited enjoyed Force Awakens like as much as it is a retread in a lot of ways of of the classic it was like okay no but they're bringing in you know it's it's a way of transitioning from the old Star Wars that people are used to to this new trilogy they've got some new interesting characters okay I'm I'm totally here for it. Liked Last Jedi, and then obviously Rise of Skywalker came along, and was was bad. Uh, and I had a very unique uh, experience of going to watch Rise of Skywalker because I went to see it and I was running late, uh, and I went by myself. I can't remember quite what the the circumstances were around it, but anyway, I was running late, got my ticket, okay, rah, 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 right, ran into the cinema. And it was already playing. And I was like, oh, okay, I must have, I'm later than I thought. Um, went in, sat, found a seat, sat down. There was like a big battle going on. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, cold open kind of thing. You know, the, the way Star Wars starts. I've just missed, you know, the opening crawl or whatever. And then I was sat there and I was like, this, this feels like it's further into the film than just the beginning. Unless they've done a real, like, just dump you in at the, 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 the deep end. And then... I mean, obviously, spoilers for Rise of Skywalker. We'll get into the the uh, like synopsis so and stuff later. To do. But we're going to shred without this shit in a second. I know it's <laughs> yeah. I know it's a new movie, even by our standards. But when you come to sequelizers, prepare to get spoiled for the thing we're fixing because that's how it's going to work. <laughs> it turned out I hadn't gone into the the screen that I was meant to go in, and I had come in at the end of another showing of Rise of Skywalker. And so I found out that that uh, Rey is Palpatine's granddaughter. Um, it was in that scene. It was in like the final battle kind of scene. And I was like, oh, I'm definitely in the wrong place. And also, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> and so then I had oh to like get, get all my stuff together, trot embarrassed slightly out of the cinema of people who'd obviously like watched me come in. Yeah. See like that one right at the end of this nope. film, sit down for like four minutes and then get up and get out. Yeah. <laughs> Went to the actual screen, double check my ticket. Oh, it was like screen six, not nine or whatever. Um, go into the actual screen, sit down and then watch the film from the beginning, knowing that big turd was coming <laughs> and just being like, I can't fucking believe this shit. Um, so, yeah. So that was my interesting viewing of Rise of Skywalker. Uh, and uh, and I uh, and my relationship with star wars i haven't like i watched the first season of mandalorian didn't watch the second again like matt said i've been burned by this franchise it was never something that i held like super close to my heart in the way certain other franchises have been as much as i enjoy individual parts of it 
it's not something that I'm like fanatical about, but equally like it's a Rise of Skywalker is so bad that it makes me angry both as a person who likes Star Wars in general, even if I'm not fanatical about it, but also just as a cinema fan of just like, this is how you choose to end your trilogy. Like what the fuck? Mm. End your trilogy, end your nine saga run, yeah. and spend this much money making a movie. And this is the thing I mentioned them previously in the series that one like one film made me very angry, but not as much as another film. Card. I may sound like I'm being lethargic, where I'm like describing my history of Star Wars. This film we're fixing makes me angrier than most films we fixed. In a way, <laughs> it makes me more angry than Son of the Mask. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because yeah. it's such a waste of opportunity. But it's, but it's yeah, yeah, it's a waste of money. It's a wasted opportunity. Absolutely. Mm. It's it's more of an egregious mistake because Son of the Mask is like it's a sequel to the Mask. It's an abomination. Yeah. <laughs> it's an abomination. Who fucking cares? But who fucking cares? This yeah. is, as you said correctly, Matt. This is the end of the Star Wars saga. This is supposedly the final of the nine films we're supposed to be getting, not including all the spin-offs and the Star Wars story stuff that we're now getting. Yeah. But it's supposed to be a big fucking deal. And I'll get into my history in a minute. The fact that they went into this trilogy (laughs) where they were just like, I don't know, we'll just wing it and just give it to different people randomly without having seen each other's scripts and just hope for the best, I guess. I was like, so, do you want do you want to like plan it out or anything? I'm like, nah, we'll be fine. It's what not could a twenty movie wrong? arc. It's We're three movies. We're We're Disney. We're fucking Star Wars. What could, everybody wants more Star Wars. Uh, we'll get to that. My history with the franchise is a long one. Uh, funnily enough, I know I, I mentioned the opposite of Tim. My parents introduced me to a lot of films when I was younger. My dad is a huge sort of sci-fi and westerns kind of guy. My mum is the crime and drama kind of person, and I've had influence of both throughout the years, as you can imagine. However, and I mentioned this on a previous episode way back when we fixed Star Trek, uh, the fifth one, Star Trek V, not the ninth one. Um, My dad is a huge Trekkie, and therefore he is not a Star Wars fan. And Mm -hmm. I was basically like blaspheming in my father's house by trying to watch Star Wars. <laughs> I want I want proper You bring science this filth and, into my yeah, house. It's it's basically fantasy. It's barely science fiction. Get wizards. this rubbish. Yeah. They're basically Princesses. wizards. What where's all the politics? It's like just you wait, Dad. There's plenty of politics coming. <laughs> It'll ruin it soon Be enough. Careful hey, what you hey, wish for. Do you like do you like trade disputes <laughs> do you want a blockade because no neither do i um yeah so i grew up watching the original trilogy as you said like vhs and stuff like that um and then obviously i was nine when episode one came out so i was like oh my god new star wars nine-year-old jack happiest day on earth and i liked episode one when i was nine yeah, I can imagine you would target demographic. Yeah, sure, yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, great. No no issues here. Loads of cool new aliens. There's a pod racing thing. Try as, Tim, as Tim correctly said, Darth Maul is cool. I stand by the fact that Jewel of the Fates is one of the best like pieces of music in the entire saga. And I agree. still one of my favorite pieces of music that I will just listen to outside of, you know, every, yeah. in everyday life. Because that's it a fucking, fucking slaps. masterpiece. <laughs> Absolutely slaps. <laughs> I may or may know... May or may not know the words to Jewel of the Fates, because I'm a fucking loser. Um, 
it's a diddler. Yeah, So yeah, liked episode one. I was like, yeah, cool, brilliant. What could possibly go wrong? Star Wars is back, everybody. And then episode two happened. And I saw that as an 11-year-old or 10-year-old or whenever it came out. And I was like, well, that was a thing. I don't think I like Star Wars anymore. What happened? (laughs) Was episode one good? I can't remember. Let me revisit that on this newfangled device called a digital versatile disc. (laughs) Hmm. That's a stinking pile of poop as well. (laughs) Maybe Star Wars isn't good after all. And essentially, that's where the trajectory of my Star Wars fandom went. It was like, oh God, the prequels have ruined it for me. What's happened? Thankfully, the opposite of Tim, I read a bunch of novels and kind of grasped at straws. I was like, no, no, no. It's it's Homer Simpson with the flying pig. Like, it's still good. It's still good. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a little airborne. It's still good. It's still good. Um, so I'd, I went and it's I just read a little the- clony. Exactly. It's only full of a few clones. Uh, I read novels. I read comics. I played video games, all that kind of stuff. And basically immersed myself in the stuff that was away from the prequels as much as I could and escaped the central, what we now know as the Skywalker versus Palpatine saga, apparently. Um, Yeah. I escaped all of that and got immersed in the extended universe. Got really, really hyped for Force Awakens when it came out. I really enjoyed Force Awakens. I was like, fuck yes, I did it again. Now I'm a 15-year-old, now I'm a 25-year-old instead of a 9-year-old. Like, yeah, Star Wars is back. (laughs) Everything's fine. And they burnt me again. Because I, and this is, I know this is fairly controversial on this show, but not necessarily controversial in some of the big... Unfortunately, sure. I'm in very bad company with this opinion because it's full of assholes and incels and diehard Star Wars nerds that are terrible, <laughs> terrible people. I don't like The Last Jedi either, and I really, really don't like Rise of Skywalker. So I'm one of those weird people because you find a lot of the like diehard, incel-y kind of Star Warsy fans I don't like The Last Jedi because it's so different from Star Wars, but then they do like Rise of Skywalker because, oh, it's, just, it's a bit of fun. It's Jedi and Sith yeah, and all that kind of yeah, stuff, yeah. isn't it? I hate them both. So I'm in this weird in-between people that like Last Jedi but don't like Rise of Skywalker. Mm. I don't like any of the fucking thing. I just like mm. Force Awakens. I would argue there are more bad Star Wars films than there are good Star Wars films. There's more bad Star Wars content. Even in canon now, there is still more bad Star Wars than there is good Star Wars. I I actually wholly agree. I I would say there are, to my mind, four and a half good (laughs) films. Is that half of Return of the Jedi? Is it the last half of Return of the Jedi? (laughs) Fuck the opening half of Return of the Jedi. Um, We may actually come back to that and fix Return of the Jedi at some point as well, but that's not the point. Um... Yeah, I, I, I and I'm, again, I know people get very precious about this and say like, well, actually, if you think about it, it's like, no, 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 no. In terms of a constructive narrative film, for the most part, there are four and a half good films. The prequels <laughs> are not good. They have not become retroactively better. Um, there are moments where you're like, ah, the, the, the fact that the first one, The Phantom Menace, has been, you know, mostly done in practical effects makes it a stronger release and age is better. That's fair enough. Um, Revenge of the Sith becomes more of an entertaining action-based kind of thing that people were expecting. Sure, sure, I can I can see all those arguments. Um, 
but no, there's only there's only four and a half out of nine, <laughs> and they are there somehow the with nine films. They are half and half. <laughs> yeah, um, mm. yeah. But I really love the Mandalorian. I love Rogue One. I think Rogue One is a fantastic movie. I know some people. Are I not just Rogue One, but Rogue I think it's still very fun. I, I I like revisiting Rogue One. I think it's good, and yet I have problems yeah. with it. It's it's a really contentious one for me. But yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I find it very interesting that you like Rogue One so much, but don't like Last Jedi. Because for me, the, the they couldn't be more main... different in my brain, Tim. They couldn't I, be more different. No, I don't know. I can, I see. Think I see. Good Tim's going with us. See, for me, the 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 thing that Last Jedi does, and aside putting aside all the incelly type stuff that, that a lot of people have, problems <laughs> it's hard with. to do that sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. To me, the the thing that it seems like, and and obviously Jack is more than able to refute this if if it's not. Okay. Everyone has their it seems, everyone has their opinion in Star Wars. Yeah. It seems like a lot of people dislike it because it's moving Forward. Star Wars away from mm-hmm. the Skywalkers and it's opening up and saying like actually anybody can be a Jedi. Rey comes from nothing. Like that is the that is what is so good about her story. And then obviously Rise of Skywalker turns around and retcons a bunch of that and says like, <sighs> oh no, actually she's a palpatine. Um to me, like opening up that Star Wars, the Star Wars universe, and saying it doesn't have to just be the story about these this family line, essentially, is kind of similar to Rogue One because it's saying like there are more stories out there to follow. Like I feel like almost like the weakest parts of Rogue One are the bits where it ties back into the central trilogy. Oh, I, like, I agree about that. Be, yeah, but you, you get the fucking. You're not welcome here. My friend doesn't like you, Doctor of Orient. Just happens to walk <laughs> yeah. past past camera. Like, yeah. hold on a minute. He's supposed to be in the next half film. Half an hour in like time. Five he's supposed to be next getting his arm But like, cut off. yeah, he's halfway across the fucking universe. Yeah, How is yeah. this? Yeah, yeah. I would, I would um, add to what Tim is saying there. That, and again, I'm going to say a lot of things that are going to cause a lot of <laughs> ire. I don't care, everybody. It's all right. We're we're all friends here. The Last Jedi. And Rogue One are the most warlike of the Star Wars films. Yeah. Everything well, else is fantasy mm, stuff. These are yeah. the most war films. In the sense that if you think about two ships on the sea escaping each other and just throwing volleys and just trying to keep away from them, that's like an old master and commander style fucking story. That's Last Jedi. And they're just like sneaking off on little rowboats to islands and things like that. It's not maybe the best story at the best time. But it's different and it's war-based and it's trying to push it forward and push it away from what we expect Star Wars to be. That rhyming that you get from Star Wars, because George Lucas insists on, on the concept of rhyming, i.e. bringing shit back people will recognise. And that's mm. fine unless it's used very badly, which he does a lot. Whereas, and Rogue One does the same. <laughs> it's fine in principle. He yeah. is not a, the best executor yeah. of it. And I'm always amazed at people yeah. are like, oh, Canto bites a bullshit scene. It's like, explain to me Saw Guerrera. No, 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 no. That's fine. I'm okay with Saw <laughs> Guerrera. Him, both his appearances are fine. It's like, right. And, and that's not, uh, again, a jab. That's me. I'm saying just... I'm one of those people. I'm one of those people. Yeah. That, again, I, I am not here to defend something I didn't make. I'm here to explain my critical analysis as a, as a critic of the film. Can I defend Saw Guerrera, please? Because. I, I I liked him from uh, the Clone Wars, so he's a he's a Clone Wars character <laughs> God, that, is, that is introduced in in Rogue One, and I was like, oh, you're cool. saying you like him because he's familiar? That's the most Star Wars no, thing to no, say. No, no. <laughs> he's an interesting. He's a fucking. Oh, I've nutter. heard he's a very interesting character. That's true. He's that's a very true. interesting, he's like in, complex um, character. He is Fallen Order as well. Yes, he he is like 
the extremists that the, the the imperials think that claim like through propaganda and stuff we're getting way off topic i know but Weird. this is what the empire portray the rebels as these mad extremists that bomb places and go nuts and like yeah you have a thing called a rebellion and you're calling yourself rebels you're gonna breed extremists and that's a really interesting way of exploring quote unquote the good side of everything i agree agree. yeah some people and they do this in rebels quite a lot as well like some of the planets are actually much better and safer under imperial rule than they were as free Mm -hmm. like fucking outlaw run by a space mafia fucking bullshit. Actually, no, they brought in, you know, peace order. and law and order and stuff. And I don't use, mean mm. to use the law and order heated phrase, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, no. Well, it's, 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 for me, it's a Green Lantern thing. It's like, sometimes you are a protector, sometimes you're a police force that they don't want, sometimes you're an opposing yeah. force and an invasion yeah. force. Sometimes you're protecting people from crime syndicates. And that's Star Wars yeah. world building, great. But it's not in the nine films. <laughs> yeah. To, to, to finalise my thoughts on the, 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 the saga. Sure, without- sure. Again, me getting off into rants and huge things because I could be, be, be here all day. Yeah, we're going to be, be here all day. Prepare for a long episode, everybody. Also, I'm editing, so it's going to be a long one because that's how I edit. <laughs> um, I, as much as I don't like Rise of Skywalker, don't like Rise of Skywalker, and I don't like Last Jedi. When I saw the Last Jedi, I came out of it and thought, I have loads of problems with this film, but I hope to God that they actually commit to this change. Sure, sure. And I was, I was one of those people. I felt like I had hit the middle ground in my brain of like, I'm not one of the nutter diehards that's like, oh no, they need to take it back to what Star Wars was and what Star Wars really is because fuck it, Star Wars can be anything. It doesn't matter. It's set in that universe. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, it's Star Wars, basically. If they consider it canon, the creators and the writers and the producers and the editors and the like special effects people and the actors and all this kind of stuff, Fuck you, it's Star Wars. It, you don't decide what defines a Star Wars movie. Until sequelizers and we fix until, it. Until until we come up and fix it. That's what <laughs> we're right, here right. for. Yes, yes. Um and I was like, as much as I don't like that, it's a really interesting direction to take it in. And I have like take Canterbite, for example. I fucking hate that. But yeah. there's some really, really interesting ideas that Johnson and his team talking about Ryan Johnson, who directed um mm. The Last Jedi and, and co wrote it and all this kind of stuff. Um his influence on that thing, and I really like Ryan Jensen, Johnson as a filmmaker as well. He brings such unique, interesting, weird twists to things that are usually so black and white. They're so easily like, oh, it's good, it's evil. There's going to be the big bad guy who's in a big black robe. Is like, Snoke's dead. You're like, whoa, you just <laughs> killed the big bad guy. And you can pivot like that once in a trilogy. You can do the big twist and like, Abrams, as we know, and as we'll fucking get into when we talk about Rise of Skywalker in more detail, he does the mystery box bullshit where he comes up with an idea, quote unquote, writes a movie or a TV show, and then it's just like, there you go. Hold up, no, no, JJ, you need to, you need to actually write. I'm on the next project now. Bye. Oh, bye. (laughs) I'm off. I'm off doing something else now. Like, wait, were you just doing Star Trek? No, I'm doing Star Wars now. Like, wait, what? What do you mean? No, I'm doing a TV show. I'm writing a book. No, you need to finish your thought. Uh, so Ray has some pair. The JJ, you need to you need to <laughs> either either say something or don't say something. Like no, 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 it's fine. I'll worry about it later. You're not directing any of the other movies, JJ. You need to have an answer or at least give a hint at something that the other people can work with and let them work with anything. And if you all. don't, you can't complain when they do and something if, different. And <laughs> if you do, exactly right, Matthew. If you don't, then fuck you. You can't come back and be like, oh, you ruined my mystery box. It's like, 
Well, you didn't put any fucking protection around the fucking mystery box, JJ. You left it, and then Ryan Johnson was like, I fucking hate mystery boxes. That's not how you tell a good story. And he's right, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> like, fuck it. Bin all this stuff. Raise a nobody. That's way more interesting. Blah, 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 blah. Like, cool. Okay. I want to see the adventures of Mott Boy and Ray the Nobody. Let's go. <laughs> I want to see what's going on. Who? You know, the guy from last... The, the, the final shot of the previous movie that's the <laughs> fucking kid who's basically... Hint- oh, he's the next generation of Jedi. Who? Abrams, there's a little kid who's supposed to be every child who's ever had a broom and held who? it up and gone, ooh, a lightsaber. Who? That's the audience. That's who? a surrogate. No, no, who? no, no, no. Fuck that shit. Chewie's getting a medal. Oh, fucking, yeah. The fact that Abrams just ignores, he essentially does a bad sequel to Force Awakens. And it's like, for fuck's sake, there's so much stuff has happened. An entire, like, characters have died. And people have died. Carrie Fisher is dead in real life, you maniac. <laughs> Do something about that. Tell an interesting story. Put weight to your and commit to your fucking ideas. And they were like, let's get Colin Trevorrow in. Like, brilliant. Okay, sure. No issues with that. Oh, wait. Loads of issues. Oh, shit. Get him out. He's a nutter and and arguably a terrible filmmaker from what I've watched of his movies. And it's like, okay, cool. Who are you going to get to do it? Is it going to be somebody... Are you bringing back Johnson? There was rumors they're going to bring back Johnson. He's going to get his own trilogy and all this cool stuff. And like, oh, wow, yeah. Maybe we'll get, like, I don't know, a female director or a person of color or something and bring a unique voice and something interesting. We're bringing back Abrams. No! Why are you bringing back Abrams? <laughs> of all the people to, to close off the trilogy and close off the nine films. You get the guy who's very clearly going to be annoyed by the things that happened in the previous film. He'll be be joined by Chris Terrio, who wrote Batman v Superman. What could possibly go wrong by bringing Chris Terrio onto a project? Fucking hell. My rant is over. Tim, you have the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think no matter what your opinions on The Last Jedi are, (laughs) um, it it comes down to this. Like, people could... You can not like The Last Jedi and you can dislike where it takes the, the, the Star Wars saga, but you have to, if you're a reasonable person, <laughs> you have to admit that, generally speaking, it is a well-made film that has things to say, mm. whereas Rise of Skywalker is a badly made film and the only thing J.J. Abrams has to say is, I sure do like Star Wars. <laughs> Agreed. I- I, yeah, I think, and this is a key point here. I know, I know, we've been working our new format this entire season, where we've been introducing the synopses, and that becomes very long. We keep forgetting to do it. We say, "We'll get back to that in a second. We'll, we'll get stronger with it the more we do it." And we know it's very helpful for you guys. It's very unlikely anyone needs to have the synopses for the Star Wars films, but I want to cut in now and just say we should probably cover them now because we go, we're going to get very deep very quickly, basically. And it's it, with Star Wars, it's almost impossible with anyone who has even a surface level understanding to start discussing a problem or to start discussing where things might be going awry or where there might be issues. You go really deep into things that may seem completely inconsequential. So there will be lots of rants. We're going to get really threaded with this, and we, we, I, I'm always going to apologise in advance, even though I know that's why you're here. That's what you want, people. But um, <laughs> we should we should give you a, a bit of an overview of what the Star Wars story for the Skywalker saga is. I believe I believe Tim has taken the floor for this one. Hello. 
<laughs> a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Episode one, The Phantom Menace. <laughs> Turmoil has engulfed the Galactic Republic. The taxation of trade routes to outlying star systems is in dispute. Hoping to resolve the matter with a blockade of deadly battleships, the Greedy Trade Federation has stopped all shipping to the small planet of Naboo. While the Congress of the Republic endlessly debates this alarming chain of, chain of events, the Supreme Chancellor has secretly dispatched two Jedi Knights, the Guardians of Peace and Justice in the Galaxy, to settle the conflict. Then, things happen. <laughs> Episode 2, Attack yes. of the Clones. Yes. There is unrest in the Galactic Senate. Several thousand solar systems have declared their intentions to leave the Republic. This separatist movement, under the leadership of the mysterious Count Dooku, has made it difficult for the limited number of Jedi Knights to maintain peace and order in the galaxy. Senator Amidala, the former Queen of Naboo, is returning to the Galactic Senate to vote on the critical issue of creating an army of the Republic to assist the overwhelmed Jedi. Sounds fucking then, compelling. <laughs> things happen. It's like a PS1 video game. <laughs> a bad one. Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. War! What is what it is good for? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. The Republic is crumbling under attacks by the ruthless Sith Lord, Count Dooku. There are heroes on both sides. Really? Heroes on both whoa, sides? Whoa, whoa, Trump, what the fuck All is right, that Donald shit? Trump, calm down. Evil is everywhere. <laughs> heroes on both sides, but evil is everywhere. Yeah. In a stunning move, the fiendish droid leader, General Grievous, has swept into the Republic capital and kidnapped Chancellor Palpatine, leader of the Galactic Senate. But he sounds important. He does. As the Separatist droid army attempts to flee the besieged capital with their valuable hostage, two Jedi Knights lead a desperate mission to rescue the captive Chancellor. Then, things happen. <laughs> Cut to 20 years later slash earlier. <laughs> Episode 4, A New Hope It is a period of civil war Rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base Have won their first victory against the evil galactic empire During the battle, rebel spies managed to steal secret plans To the empire's ultimate weapon, the Death Star An armoured space station, not a space station It's a spaceship that's just round yep. With enough power to destroy an entire planet Pursued by the empire's sinister agents Princess Leia races home aboard her starship custodian of the stolen plans that could save her people and restore freedom to the galaxy. Then, things happen. <laughs> the Empire strikes back. It is a dark time for the Rebellion. Although the Death Star has been destroyed, Imperial troops have driven the Rebel forces from their hidden base and pursued them across the galaxy. Evading the dreaded Imperial Starfleet, a group of freedom fighters led by Luke Skywalker has established a new secret base on the remote ice world of Hoth. The evil lord Darth Vader, obsessed with finding young Skywalker, has dispatched thousands of remote probes into the far reaches of space. Then, things happen, and it's the best one. Agreed. Episode 6, Return of the Jedi. Luke Skywalker has returned to his home planet of Tatooine in an attempt to rescue his friend Han Solo from the clutches of the vile gangster Jabba the Hutt. Piece of shit. Little does, <laughs> little does Luke know that the Galactic Empire has secretly begun construction on a new armoured space station, not a space station, even more powerful than the first <laughs> dreaded Death Star. 
When completed, this ultimate weapon will spell certain doom for the small band of rebels struggling to restore freedom to the galaxy. I know the second Death Star's bigger, but it just shoots some ships. I don't think it actually kills the planet. Is it, it's quite shit, uh, isn't it? Is the second one a space station? No. We don't see, we don't see, the, sec we don't see the second one move. Whereas now we know that the first one has like warp engines and stuff, so sure. It's mm, a ship, like maybe. you said to. But then also because it wasn't finished, it would move after it was done. True. Fully armed and operational, but not done. Anyway, 20 years later slash 40 years later. <laughs> Episode 7, The Force Awakens. Luke Skywalker has vanished. In his absence, the sinister First Order has risen from the ashes of the Empire and will not rest until Skywalker, the last Jedi, has been destroyed. With the support of the Republic, General Leia Organa leads a brave resistance. She is desperate to find her brother Luke and gain his help in restoring peace and justice to the galaxy. Leia has sent her most daring pilot on a secret mission to Jakku, where an old ally has discovered a clue to Luke's whereabouts. Then, things happen. <laughs> Episode 8, The Last Jedi. The First Order reigns. Having decimated the peaceful Republic, Supreme Leader Snoke now deploys his merciless legions to seize military control in the galaxy. Only General Leia Organa's only General Leia Organa's band of resistance fighters stand against the rising tyranny, certain that Jedi Master Luke Skywalker will return and restore a spark of hope to the fight. But the resistance has been exposed. As the First Order speeds towards the rebel base, the brave heroes mount a desperate escape. Then things happen. Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> the dead speak. Fuck off. <laughs> In Fortnite. Via Fortnite, yeah. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> the galaxy has heard a mysterious broadcast if they were logged into Fortnite. A threat of revenge in the sinister voice of the late Emperor Palpatine. For those of you who don't know, it genuinely was exclusively broadcast in the video game Fortnite. Palpatine's like, I am back from the dead and I will reclaim the galaxy. All that bullshit. That is pretty fucking important to episode nine. And kind of the dead speak kind of defines the whole thing. That's a great opening sentence. It's bold. For some, for some yeah. real bullshit that <laughs> happened in fucking Fortnite. And everyone would be like... <laughs> had to go and find it on YouTube like three days later when somebody managed to extract an audio file. To this day, Fuck I still sake. haven't seen that clip. No, I haven't I still either. Know what he says. He could have said, you can buy my Krispy Kreme donuts and get an Auntie Annie's pretzel at the same time and I'm back. Unlimited I know what pretzel! <laughs> exactly. General Leia Organa dispatches secret agents to gather intelligence, while Rey, the last hope of the Jedi, trains for battle against the diabolical First Order. I thought it was Meanwhile, Mob Boy. <laughs> Meanwhile, Supreme Leader Kylo Ren rages in search of the Phantom Emperor, determined to destroy any threat to his power. Then, things happen, and they're bad. They're all bad. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this out here. It's... What I think is a very controversial statement because the more I drill down to it, I keep thinking that can't be right, that can't be right, but I'm going to say it, okay? And people might say, no, no, of course it is, but I don't think there is a single good scene 
in The Rise of Skywalker. I think it is constructed well because you've got tons of money. You've got really good visual effects. You've got uh, production designs off the fucking chain. Acting is doing what they can with it. But if I break down every single scene, and I know this because I watched it two or three fucking hours ago. I, I was about to say the exact same thing. Yeah. I remember like, I enjoyed a couple of those bits. Like, you know, Adam Driver's good at it because he's, well, the, yeah, he's, he's the best thing Driver, about yeah. this trilogy by a million fucking yeah. miles. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I remember like enjoying a couple of bits. And I rewatched it for the first time since watching it in the cinema. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'd previously seen it in December of 2019. And at the time of recording, this is the end of June 2020. So it's been about 2021. Sorry. So it's it's been oh, about 18 months feels, since I watched it. It feels like it film. should have been so much longer. Yeah. Than that. It feels like <laughs> yeah. five years ago, doesn't it? It's, it's mad. Um, so, yeah, 18 months between watching this. And I, I was like. Yeah, I remember there's a couple of good bits. I remember like there's the um there's that there's the bit with um Oh no wait, none of it's good. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Matt was right all along. Oh no. <laughs> I hate this film even more than I thought I did. And granted, I wa- so I watched back to back, essentially, yes. all three movies Oh, interesting, of, interesting. of the of the sequel trilogy, I stand by Force Awakens being a lot of fun. I only skipped one scene. Of Force Awakens, but I fantastic. Yeah, I, I is it the fucking Wrath Tars, Matthew? Because it better be the fucking Wrath Tars. Yeah. That makes Pointless. no sense. Um, I have a lot of problems with Last Jedi, but as you said, Tim, well-made film, all that kind of stuff. Good Lord, Rise of Skywalker. It might be the messiest, clumsiest made film I can think of. In terms of like big mainstream, oh, I don't know, a budget of around $300 million. <laughs> Maybe the biggest waste of $300 million you could fucking think of. And I know people say, oh, it's fun though, isn't it? Like, like isolated, Ow. like if you, if you enjoy things just going pop, whiz and bang in front of your face. Go and watch some fucking fireworks. Don't spend $300 million on a thing that, again, not to hype this all up and stuff, this is the closing <laughs> chapter of one of the most influential and important like stories in pop culture over the last 50 years, maybe ever since the invention of cinema and screens. Star Wars is fucking massive whether you like it or not it is hugely influential whether you like it or not and the fact that they close it out with just i don't know i guess that looks cool why is he doing that because it looks cool right but why he puts his mask back on he just took his mask off what the fuck he now he looks cooler with the mask on there and he's gonna have a little red bit we can sell more toys. Oh, sorry, sorry, I misunderstood. I didn't realize we could make more toys out of it, says the Disney executive. Carry on, my son. Keep on going. <laughs> Fuck off with that shit. I think for the purposes of just sanity, we're probably going to avoid talking about the prequels and the original trilogy too much. We're just going to focus on the sequel trilogy for now. So if we really hone in for a minute on The Force Awakens specifically, Abrams has a lot of faults to him. Uh, in terms of a director, but he does a lot of things well. He does spectacle very well. He does mystery and intrigue rather well. So, <laughs> for example, with The Force Awakens, and, and I'm sure you guys are the same, we all saw the, those early trailers and thought, 
fuck me, this looks amazing. I, I teased it earlier, the, mm. there has been an awakening. Yeah. Have you felt it? I was like, oh, this is exciting. Yeah. Oh, something's <laughs> happening in the force. Ooh. Yeah, using like Leia's theme and seeing the, the just just seeing a very dynamic shot of the Millennium Falcon. There's one thing like I that. like. There's one thing I like about Rise of Skywalker. Oh, it's the score, because <laughs> John Williams is still yeah, Williams always, He's always. I mean, he, uh, yeah, he's always fine. And, <laughs> and to be fair, as you said, it's basically just referencing all of. Oh, there's the Force theme. Oh, there's Leia's theme. Oh, there's the love theme and yeah. all the. Yeah, any of you diehard Star Wars fans and who know the music and stuff Done will know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. The fact that they just reuse all of this shit. All of the time because it makes yeah. sense. Light motifs are a thing. It totally makes sense. It's calling yeah. back to westerns and, and classic sci-fi stuff from back mm -hmm. in the day, mm -hmm. which is very clearly the influence yeah. on all this kind of stuff in Star Wars. But for fuck's sake, everything else about this film. Sorry, well, so, sorry, no, sorry, Force Awakens. So, so Force Awakens is, in my opinion, myself. yeah. We, 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 because the thing is, I'm I'm doing this more for me than Jack, as it were. Because I'm like, I know what I'll do. I am tr I'm sitting on a ball of fucking Celtic fury here. I'm ready just to tear into this fucking movie. <laughs> Title and say of your memoir. How much I fucking despise Rise of Skywalker, but I'm trying to play it cool before I literally obliterate it. No, so The Force Awakens, in my opinion, is a very fun movie. It's problematic, and it's like, oh, where did you get this lightsaber? Uh, an interesting story for another time. Now, for those who don't know, Maz Kanata, a character who owns a kind of safe haven for. Um, oddballs and criminals and outcasts. That's cool. That's a nice setting. She happens to have Luke Skywalker's lightsaber, which was originally lost in Bespin in in the in the uh, Empire Strikes Back. Mm. Cool. Now the truth is, whatever story, whatever mystery box, how she got that, which just that tantalizes. That's that's pure fucking sexual fondant for fans. That's shit that like, oh, give me that cream. I want to lick that right off. Where did she get it? How did she find it? Oh, it was lost and broken and Spespin's all sky. How did you do it? It's going to be boring. Whatever the actual answer is, is going to be boring. Somebody traded it to her. She found it. Somebody felt a presence. Who the fuck knows? But the fact that it could be something. This is the J.J. Abrams mystery box thing. The fact that we don't know and it's in a box, as he describes it, you know, it's like, oh, it's a thing in a box, is tantalizing. But on Christmas morning, you are more excited before you open your presents than after them because the sh almost Schrodinger <laughs> mindset of it could be anything to it is quantifiably this thing. Someone will go, that is the best answer ever. I'm so fucking happy. And a lot of people will say, that is shit. Now, in The Force Awakens, there's few things where that comes to fruition. There's very few things where you go, here's the setup, here's the end. And everything that mirrors the stuff from... Uh, a new hope and you know the original Star Wars movie works because it's familiar and it, and I do give as much credence and credit as I do flack because Star Wars needed a just a fresh reminder of why it can be fun and why it can be good. Oh, it's retreads the ground of the of the first one. Who gives a fuck? The first one's fun. The first one is most people's favorite Star Wars film and most people's favorite fucking movie. Just do that again. Have fun with it and set up some new things. Great, really enigmatic cast fun dynamic more toys yeah fucking love it great you have really set this off and you've got enough nostalgia enough heartstrings being pulled the score is great in places that i didn't appreciate too much of the time but the kylo ren and the ray themes are subtle they're not as they don't stand out as much as like a jewel of the fates or something big but they're working the way they do it's fun now fuck off abrams you're done here <laughs> you've done what you, you've done something spectacular you made star wars cool again get the fuck out. What about you guys? <laughs> I think it's really notable that in terms of like long 
form storytelling, whether that be a story told over multiple movies or a TV series. J.J. Abrams has only ever finished two projects. Mm. He has finished, he has come back and finished Star Wars, Ugh. and he has finished Felicity, the uh, teen drama yeah. thing that he made that was basically his first thing. Started off lost, didn't finish it. Started off the new Star Trek, was out of there after the second film. Didn't Dabbled finish it, it, messed it up, yeah. Yeah, after he, after he fucked it up uh, with more mystery box bullshit. Into and Darkness is on the list, folks, yeah, don't literally, worry. Yeah, literally in a sort of like, oh, this will be, and this is the kind of thing with Abrams, this will be a cool visual. Did you think through the ramifications of what you've just done? No, 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 that'd be a cool visual. I didn't understand how it works. Like, you've just made someone teleport from planet to planet. Yeah, so it's cool. Yeah. It could escape request. You've well, literally done away with starship travel. Starships. And you've also yep. cured death. You fucking clown. Sorry, Tim, do carry on. Created Alias, didn't finish that. Co-created Fringe, didn't finish that. I would argue, weirdly enough, that his best things are his self-contained things, where he oh, knows that he is not setting up a longer story. Mission Impossible 3, obviously mm, it's part mm. of a series, but each of those films is more or less self-contained until yeah, yeah. like they've they've until started recently. getting a little bit more, you know, in, into things. But his his Mission Impossible, pretty much self-contained. A good story. It's my one of my favorite Mission Impossible films. Sure, sure. Super eight. One and done. The 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 um the marketing was very mystery box y, where yes. it was just like, oh, what is it even? Um Spielberg movie. The film, yeah, it's a Spielberg <laughs> movie. The film itself is very simple and very straightforward. I like it. Yeah, I think it's a good film. I haven't gone back and watched it in a while, but I'm in my memory, it's a it's a fine film. It's you know, it's Stranger Things, but a bit earlier and not quite as steeped in the nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, true. When he tries, like we said, his mystery box story saying, and for those who aren't familiar, it comes from a, I believe it was a TED talk he did yes. where he talked about. Uh, it was a present that he got or something that was sold at like a local magic shop where it was this this box that was just called the mystery box and you bought it and then there was stuff inside it. But the idea of the mystery in the box was so tantalizing to him and he loves setting up these mysteries but so clearly doesn't have any idea where they're going to end. And so there's some interesting stuff set up in The Force Awakens. And like Matt says, I think it's a really solid start. It keys into why people loved Star Wars, especially the first one in, in the first place, which after the sequel trilogy, people needed. People needed something to come along that was simple. Like, because the the the, the prequel trilogy is so convoluted and so messy and doesn't, even though it's Lucas still doing it, it moves away from that simple fantasy storytelling that the first ones are rooted in. You know, the, the, like we said, the first one is all about wizards and princesses and a bad, an evil space castle yeah. and a dark lord who rules it. You know, it's very much, <laughs> even though it's a, a science fiction kind of trappings, it's rooted in fantasy. It's, it's Hero's Journey 101 shit, isn't it? Exactly, it. yeah. And... Yeah. I think Force Awakens goes back to that. Obviously, it has all the trappings of the existing Star Wars universe in it now, but it goes back to stuff that's that's relatively simple and clean, and it tells a very straightforward story, but 
J.J. Abrams in there planting all these things of like, mm, who were Ray's parents? Mm, where did this lightsaber come from? Mm, who are the Knights of Ren? Mm, all this kind of stuff. And, and he doesn't have any answers. The, that's the problem. That's the thing. He has he no idea what the answers are. He is more interested in setting up the questions. And, oh, yeah. Anyway, Jack, Force Awakens, thoughts, feelings. What I really like it make your mood ring. I really like the, the Force Awakens. And I thought you said, Matt, I think the important thing is it made Star Wars cool again. It not quite redeemed it, but we didn't get prequel bullshit. It was fun. There were new, it was a new diverse cast of characters. The fact that we have, you know, John Boyega playing Finn is interesting because he's a British black guy. It was like, oh, and he's not. Mm -hmm. And there were lots of fan theories about this. Not related to the other two black guys in this entire <laughs> fucking franchise, because there is a dangerous habit of, and as we'll talk about in Rise of Skywalker, everyone being related to everyone. So therefore, all the black people are related to all the black people, and you very quickly close off an entire race of people to like this yep. this one family, and you get some real problematic shit from that. John Boyega is fantastic in Force Awakens. Daisy Ridley, who had essentially been in nothing before being in Force Awakens, mm. she'd done like stage stuff and a couple of short films mm. and a couple of bits and pieces, came out of nowhere and is great in that first film. Even Harrison Ford actually puts some effort into playing Han Solo. And that's saying a lot. Granted, he does finally... Uh, basically, I think it's because he finally gets to kill Han Solo, a thing he's been trying to do for about 40 years. the acting years. in that scene, he acts. And that's he acts. He acts his, his fucking ass off. Better than he has done yeah. in anything else in the last 30 years, arguably. And like the moment where he shouts Ben and Kylo freezes on the arbitrarily incredibly dangerous walkway that should no railings <laughs> no railings star, star wars Six has no wide. occupational health or yeah. like safety there's no health and safety yeah. regulations exactly but yeah setting kylo ren on that journey of like the the polar opposite of darth vader essentially and having him be like almost the reflection of his grandfather all this kind of stuff as annoying as Abrams is, he does set up a load of interesting things and interesting themes to explore and some really cool and interesting characters. The central trio of Rey, Finn, and Kylo Ren could be such interesting, complex characters, the likes of which we haven't seen in Star Wars, and they could use them to tell really interesting stories. And without getting to the other films, they didn't. <laughs> but yeah, I really like what Force Awakens sets up. I had a lot of fun with it. And I was like, yes, I like Star Wars again. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think we all felt that big push of like, oh, thank God, this is back. This is something I can I'm not yeah. ashamed to have my fucking taking Star it Wars seriously merchandise again. and t-shirts yeah. again. I'm like, yes, this is cool again. Yeah. So we all agree. Still fun, still entertaining. Yep. But except for the fact that as I say, I have problems watching it now because I'm like, oh, I know where these answers are going. Nowhere. Mm. Yeah. Let's it's it's not a perfect film, no. but it is no, good no, enough and it's so much better than the prequel trilogy. Yeah, yeah, entirely, entirely. Anybody who's now sort of like, oh, prequels are much better and you, they, they just show how great they were. It's like, you need to shut the fuck up. Um, I'm going to give you uh, a little thing, boys. I'm going to give you the end of my review, if you don't mind. Please do. Mm. I'll ju I'm just going to give you just the in a few words sort of summary, which I used to, to uh, not sum up the whole thing, but... Um, the, the closing statement of the review was, 
In summary, The Force Awakens is a great film and a nice reintroduction to a world full of potential and wonder. With a whole raft of sequels and spin-offs planned, the future of the Star Wars universe has kicked off to a spectacular start, and unless it completely falls on its face at the next hurdle, should inspire countless children and adults to run around the garden making whooshing noises <laughs> with sticks or piloting spacecraft from the safety of a cardboard box. And if that isn't the objective of blockbuster cinema, it bloody well should be. I stand by that statement from 2015. Yep. 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 Okay. So let's bring ourselves to, I think, not necessarily an argument between us, but definitely a disagreement. Mm-hmm. The Last Jedi. So The Last Jedi is very tricky um, because I think it's one of the best Star Wars films because it's bold, bombastic, tries new things, pushes the story forward. I like that it doesn't do the rhyming in the way you expect it to do the rhyming. I, like, I, I think it's arrogant entirely arrogant and unfair to fans. I think what it does is, in a way, remarkably cruel. But I also think that cruelty is a necessity at times. So, (laughs) for example, The Last Jedi is constructed very well. But for everything I love about that movie, and I think there are so many things I don't skip, I'm like, "This this is great, this is good. The Canto Bite stuff, for example, works for me for two reasons. In the same way that Jack earlier mentioned about the whole, ah, but I recognize this character from this thing. And it's like, I recognize that shot from Wings from 1927. <laughs> I can see what Johnson's doing here. He's making an homage to a silent film and I love it. And it's like, I know what you're... Yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's the whole... The references you couldn't go further over my head if it tried. Yeah, the references are there for, the, for almost like a different audience. Completely and, different audience, yeah. yeah. For the Ryan Johnson who is like a mega cinema nerd, who yes. is like a diehard, really intense intelligent filmmaker compared to fucking mystery box jj over there he's like he crafts things that are like you said references to stuff that is actually about the history of cinema and all this kind of thing yeah Yeah. entirely and and so so for example you know how does jj abrams try and replicate the 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 canteen scene or cantina scene i should say he does another cantina basically but it's in a you know on a desert planet so it's like a thing it's like oh no no this one is in a jungle planet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whereas the casino is a way of saying like this, this world that you're seeing, you want more world building. There are people funding these wars. There are people profiting from these wars. And you never, you never really see that in star Wars. Now again, was again, exploring well, that moral better. gray area that I think is really interesting. Entirely. I totally agree. Yeah. Having said that, Benicio Latore doing his very interesting accent. It's like, that needs to, that can get right in I don't. I, him signing people up for highest bidder, I'm okay with that. But yep. the presentation of it doesn't work for me. So 100%. every time there's something good, there's a caveat. I love the idea, the militaristic mindset of like, we'll just follow them. We can track them through space. Oh God, we're in real trouble now. We need to make these genuine huge sacrifices. This is a war film. War doesn't stop and move on. So you can have a little side story in a fucking space lizard in an asteroid or whatever. It, it just keeps going. The threat is always there. And Rogue One does that really well, That that constant tension. That's great. Having said that, Johnson is doing something that I think is both thematically and narratively good, but as I said, remarkably fucking cruel. In the same way that you can say, listen, I want you to be able to survive in this world. It is cruel and dark and people are awful. So I'm going to give you a terrible fucking time and you will thank me for it later. Like some sort of parents. Other parents be just supportive and loving and nurturing. And you can be both you know, in a certain way, but some people say like, yeah, but now you are strong. It's like, yeah, I'm strong and I hate you. So Ryan Johnson's like, the experience of 
the middle film in 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 let's face it the best trilogy being the original trilogy is going to be the idea that the empire strikes back has to be dark it does the rhyming the main character goes off and meets a creepy hermit who teaches them but reluctantly and then berates them the whole fucking time and then just shows them up and says don't do this because if you do i'll have to show you up and it's like no fuck it i'm young and brash and impulsive because that's how i am Woof. and again am i describing uh ray and luke or am i describing luke and yoda it's it's the same bullshit um hmm. confusing cryptic caves slash trees slash whatever it is at the same time you have a story of you my friends are in trouble and then i need to get them now they're under threat now because of the nature of this world the politics of this world the, the the you know the the idea of Cantabite and Benicio del Toro's character the same thing as Bespin and and Lando Calrissian that it's there but most importantly what people remember Empire for other than Hoth because it's a fucking awesome sequence what people remember it for is the no I am your father and the reaction people say it now like oh best moment of Star Wars oh it's great fuck you when that film was released <laughs> no but well a lot of people did not like that. A lot of people did not want that. That was too complicated, too dark, and too difficult. That's why they sort of hid it as like the whole, no, Obi-Wan killed your father. That's not possible. That was original record. Like, it was only a few people who knew what was actually being said. And there were so many people like writing into newspapers in the day, back in the day. And there's like evidence of like these, these articles, people saying like, no, he, he can't be his father because he's the dark force. Blah, blah, blah. The idea that this maleficent sort of like malevolent sorry malevolent source of evil cannot be luke's father luke's father was a pilot he was a good guy it's like you can't challenge that because this is a fantasy for children all this kind of bullshit it's like well okay and so everyone's now grown up with that everyone is now used to that kind of revelation everyone now craves that revelation and ryan johnson's like well yeah that's easy who's your father snoke's your father oh no palpatine's your father oh no Obi-Wan's your father. Oh, oh, he's dead. Oh no. What the fuck ever. But that's not what Empire did. Empire hurt you. Empire said, everyone is gone. Han has been captured. Luke has to realize that his father is the man he may have to kill. He's lost he's had his had a own fucking hand. hand cut off. Yeah. yeah. It's a dour, sad movie that ends on a cliffhanger of misery. And it's the best one. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, it can't exist in the vacuum. You have to have the first one as well, but you know what I mean? Yeah. So Johnson's like, what would hurt this fan base? Oh, I know. Everything they want, I won't give them. I will take <laughs> it from them. I will give them spectacle. I will give them drama. I will give them darkness and I will give them everything. But the thing they want, I will give them in a way they don't expect it. I want Luke, Cyborg, Luke Skywalker to turn up and, with his lightsaber and defeat the bad guys. Okay, I will. There'll be a price to pay for it. You might yeah. not like it. It won't be the way you... And again, I'll put it in the trailers. This isn't going to go the way you think. Um, what would hurt the audience? Ray has no fucking lineage. She's nobody. No, that, no, that, that's not right. Because everyone has a no. And also, you have to have one hand cut off. Because in the second film, everyone gets the hand cut off. <laughs> I know what you think. I'm not going to do it because that's not what a story is. That's beautiful. That's storytelling. That's challenging. And I will be completely fair. That's unreasonable. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is that what that's what makes it a very good movie, basically. Yeah, I think I, I, I'd let Jack kind of yeah, sorry, do his yeah. reply properly, but I do want to say, like, the other thing is, is that the Ray has no lineage stuff is also the worst, it's the worst fear of the character as well as That's the fan true. base. That's true. Absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah. When, when Luke finds out that Vader is his father, it's, it's crushing the, the fantasy that he's grown up with. 
um and the the hope that he comes from like oh that I, I like my dad was important i can be important too like i'm gonna be this big thing it's like no fuck you your dad's the worst monster in history yeah deal yeah. with that ray's fantasy is like oh like my family's out there somewhere they left me for a reason it's like they're coming back for me the the my fundamentally my family cares about me still and there's a reason that i've gone through the shit that i've gone through and her answer is no your family's nobody and they left you there because they don't care about you yeah you're nobody yeah like it's it's the worst possible answer for those characters which is why it has to be the answer that they find in the lowest point of their you know of their story yeah it's 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 storytelling at the end of the day and yeah. more importantly it will then give her a strong base to say well then i need to create something i need to be yes. something i need to pull myself up i need to make these friends around me and protect them like the idea of like who's my new surrogate father i guess it's han solo oh he's dead too fuck 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 it's mm. the idea that you are going to lose everyone if you don't form these attachments rather than waiting on something that may not be real. So anyway, all this shit is cool, but some people would argue isn't Star Wars in better commas, even though, fuck you, have you seen fucking Empire Strikes Back? But again, <laughs> very divisive. So so Jack, yes, Jack, yeah. what, Hello. what is yours? Because I know, I know you are not a fan. I am not a fan. Appreciate, Correct. but not a fan. And that's fair. Yep, so, yep, yeah, absolutely. Let's see your side. Um, there are, I think you nailed it very briefly there, Matt, when you said everything I enjoy about this film comes with a negative and i and eventually the negatives outweigh the positives for me in this film i was like okay cool there's there's some interesting like you said the fact that um dj which is uh benicia del toro's character yeah yeah. yeah, fucking terrible name but it's star wars is full of terrible names doesn't matter um he says i don't care who wins the war whether it's the empire or it's the rebels it's the resistance or the first order it's all the same to me and i get paid as I touched on earlier, there are people that are affected in different ways, and it's not just oh, the rebels are the good guys, and they're fighting for freedom, and as as the crawls uh, keep saying, peace and justice <laughs> across the galaxy is the Jedi yeah. Knights are fighting for. Mm. There's a big argument that the Jedi are kind of like weird, creepy monks that force their religion on children <laughs> for no reason and just ab- essentially abduct them, and then they're like, oh, but the First Order abduct children. And you're like, so do you, motherfucker. That's exactly what they did to Anakin, and he was too old, and he was like nine. Attack of the Clones was the idea that he couldn't have a girlfriend, and then he went crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just let, let him fuck. Yeah, celibacy has never turned anyone crazy and forced like <laughs> horrible, terrible things to happen in the name of religion and celibacy oh, and stuff. Right? Exactly. Um, but yeah, everything is like, okay, cool, that's a really interesting thing. And he does that fucking voice, and the whole thing about Cantabite being like, cool, Okay, we're on we're on a casino planet or a casino part of the planet. Cool, and they do this really cheesy like, but don't forget about the animals and like, right? <laughs> You've got bigger fish to fry than fucking animals. Like, no, no, no. We could all get caught, and the mission could be a failure, and that's basically the end of the galaxy because we're we're on this incredibly Im- secret important mission to find this tracking device. But don't forget about the weird faced horses. Uh, it feels like pandering childish bollocks, and sure, sure. as as much as I like, again, I hate that I have to lump myself in with all the fucking sexist and incels and stuff. I really like Kelly Marie Tran's portrayal of Rose. Rose's character makes no fucking sense half the time, and I find mm. her 
just annoying in that she's just like, oh, but I saved you from this thing. It's like, you don't know that you saved him from the thing. Why are you bothering saving these horses? Maybe save human fucking lives and alien sentient species lives. Prioritize that over a couple of fucking space horses. And she does the whole like flies into the thing to knock uh, Finn out of the way and all this kind of yeah. stuff. I was like, sure. Finn might have just sacrificed himself for no reason. And that's a totally valid argument and all that kind of stuff. Maybe it would have worked. You don't know. He's like, oh, but I've seen this thing before where have you seen this thing before (laughs) Star Wars is full of these little sentences that just like explain stuff away and the whole like oh my god Holdo's doing this super secret powerful maneuver thing (laughs) and that shot and that moment the shot of the the Imperial the the first order Mm. thing being cut in half and the silence that happens sound design that's amazing Fucking immaculate. That is what I'm talking about, that this is a competently made, well-executed mm. film. It's moments like that. Holdo makes no fucking sense. She just ignores the fact that Poe Dameron is incredibly experienced and knows a bunch of stuff and has more experience like fighting the First Order than basically anyone else in that room. And then she's like, yeah, but I'm not going to tell you anything. I'm going to withhold a bunch of information from you to keep the plot moving. Like, just explain stuff to him. Why don't you trust him? Because he's hot-headed? There's, again, there's bigger fucking fish to fry than your fucking personal vendettas with each other. Put all this stuff aside and maybe, I don't know, act like a fucking vice admiral, which is an incredibly high-ranking position, and be like, hey, maybe take command and and like work with the people you're supposed to be working with. Now we'll just cruise along on low fuel and have an incredibly boring space ship chase and like <laughs> nothing's going to happen. Oh no, the ship we never talked about just got killed. There goes another one. Mm. Cool. I don't know who any of those people are on that ship. There are no stakes here. I don't skeleton give a shit. Skeleton crew doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. just yeah. skeleton crew bullshit. It's like cool. None of them none of them matter. Like, oh no, but I need to stay on the ship to pilot it myself. It's like you don't like Poe Dameron. Get Poe Dameron to do it. I, I, <laughs> He's I a great I pilot. <laughs> I find this interesting. And it's not me to, to attack you, Jack. It's me to ask questions because I'm curious. Because I, I thoroughly disagree. But <laughs> there's, there's a, have you guys seen Blood Diamond? Uh, the film, uh, Ed's Wick film with Leonardo oh, the DiCaprio. Leo DiCaprio. Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a line there I really like where uh, Jennifer Connelly's character is... Uh, she obviously she's a journalist. She's trying to get involved with the story, and she's trying to work her through. And at one point, um, I'm saying Denny Archer, uh, the name of uh, DiCaprio's character, he's saying like, "Well, we should we should be helping this guy." And he's doing it for not altruistic means. He's doing it because he can make some money off this massive, massive diamond. And Maddie says in this this very heat of the moment thing, "This entire country is at war. Why should I help one person?" And then she pauses, and DiCaprio just raises his eyebrows, and she says, "I can't believe I just said that." That to me is Rose. It's that she is. A very idealistic, I need to help what's the one person in front of me, even if it's the wrong thing to do. And I'm not saying it's the right thing. I think it's that, yeah, that nature of yeah. getting into a war. Mm. Now, I've seen, and this, I think this is where it comes back to the whole like classic cinema thing. And this isn't me justifying it. It's me, I think, hopefully trying to explain a, a perspective of it so I can get your side of it as well. So to me, it feels like that classic war film stuff of there is somebody who's like, why are you doing this? Like, because we're at war. I need to save you. It's like, no, you don't. You need to win the war. We don't win the war if we lose everything. And I get that logic. 
I think it's better applied if it was actually developed more. I, I completely agree with that. The Holdo one is what fascinates me because you're right. We have grown up with Star Wars doing this thing of like, you know what? We need a brave, plucky couple of people to go off on their own. It's like, if this is a military, I give you an order. You follow that order. I don't explain myself to you. You don't deserve that because you're just doing so fucking told. And you're right. It would take just five seconds to say, I'm doing it for this reason. She shouldn't have to because she's in charge. And that's what's beautiful about it because I I, 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 I do I do agree and I totally yeah. see where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. But from a narrative, it's frustrating and it's supposed to be frustrating because we want to be in posed seats. Like, why won't you just tell me? It's like, no, but you're not supposed to, to dislike Holdo. No, because of the anything you respect her in the same way that Poe does. And then he starts with like, wait, I thought Poe I thought Holdo was a dude. I thought that's the Holdo who did this thing, who this this really well accomplished, amazing tactician. Mm. Yes. Well, fuck her. I don't I've got a better idea because I want to just fly at the problem. It's like you, yeah, you it, did, it, yeah, it's not like she doesn't have to explain herself, mm. but she doesn't explain her plan. She, she makes at more all. problems by not explaining herself. I, I yeah, agree with you. Yeah, that she makes yeah. way more problems. It's not that she should go, oh, sorry, Poe. Yes, I should defer to you. I, mm. I'm not saying that. I'm saying maybe she should go, okay, everybody, I'm, in, I'm fucking in charge here. You all know who I am. I am this legendary <laughs> vice admiral, former general Holdo. Yeah. I'm a fucking badass. Everybody listen up. This is my plan. This is what we're going to do. Poe, I'm going to use you in this way so you don't cause any more trouble. I'm going to use you in this way. You go and do this thing. Sure. And then we'll work it out. Instead, she tells like three people completely separate pieces of information and then the rest are just supposed to just sit around and eventually die. You're like, what? Explain your plan. Yeah. Usually from a narrative, this is the thing I'm saying, like, and I don't always agree with this thing, but from from a narrative perspective, we're used to being in the room as the audience. And we're no longer in the room and we are frustrated, like Poe. Mm. So it puts you in his... Or a film like trying to take so long to make you feel like a character is unsaid, you already know because you're already there. You're already frustrated. It's like, yeah, Poe's right. Fuck this fucking idiot. Mutiny, motherfucker. I, you have no idea what you're doing. I have no idea who you are as a character. I've never seen you before in my fucking... I've been a Star Wars. I do this thing every day. I don't know who a holo is, you purple-haired fucking weirdo. <laughs> your bag of ferrets. <laughs> but then it turns by the end of the film, Poe and everyone else like saying, shit, she's a fucking genius. It's one of the coolest moments in the whole fucking film. But it's not a good plan. <laughs> they still they still lose like loads of people and all of their ships. It's True, not a the, good plan. Well, no, because it was it, again. That's the nature of the war thing. Is like the plan is just to survive as long as possible to get to this this outpost. The the unfortunate part of the plan that doesn't work is that nobody picks up the phone. <laughs> they send well, out yeah. this call to the rest of the galaxy. No, the galaxy but they says, do in Rise of Skywalker nah, arbitrarily. Don't, 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 don't uh, we'll get to that in there. We're going to get there. No, again, I apologize for like jumping on Danny's throat with Jack because I'm not like saying you're wrong, Jack. It's like saying that's how I perceive it because of the whole like I can see these other military films. I can see, you know, yeah. I, I also see, like, you know, like mutiny on the bounty kind of shit going yeah. on as well. Yeah. I think, I think the problem with Holdo is it doesn't do a good enough job of selling her as someone who is mm, like, mm. I have a rigid belief in the chain of command. I don't need to tell you what I do because like, and this not to like, uh, say like, Oh, women can't be in, you know, command of a, a too emotional, <laughs> but like, she's kind of dressed. She's almost dressed in like an evening gown and like the yeah, pink hair yeah. and stuff like that. And she comes across as someone who is just like, Oh, this is one of Leia's confidants who she's now like passing the thing on to. Sure. There's not enough, work put in to say like no she's this this woman is like a tactical genius who has commanded like starships and there's a reason that she's and even as it might be frustrating to both poe and to the audience and have her as a a slightly antagonistic figure who comes along and so it's like you don't need to know this i'm not going to tell you it like i'm not going to explain my plan to you your job is to follow my plan like 
if she'd have been a bit sterner and a bit more if if we'd have had more signifiers to say like mm. this person is a military person who is this way for a reason i think that sequence would have worked better i i actually i, I agree entirely I, I think it's 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 again i can see why it's been done in the same way it's like well you know you can fix this put her in an admiral's uniform and it's like mm. why leia doesn't wear a uniform that means, if anything, she's as important as Leia is. And it's like, you, you have these visual cues. Well, it's basically again, the only other examples you can think of of mm. females in that position of power, especially in the Rebellion, is Mon Leia Mothma. and Mon Mothma. Yeah, and yeah. Mon Mothma is not a military leader. She is a no. diplomat and an ambassador yeah. and a politician. Big floaty yeah. coat. <laughs> and, and Leia and, and... is also an ambassador and a diplomat and a princess, essentially, and a mm. politician. Yeah. She is not a military... Ignoring the fact that none of these fuckers should be made general like, at all. General Obi-Wan Kenobi general should not fucking... be a fucking general. Yeah. Let alone Lando yeah. Calrissian. <clears throat> let alone Han Solo. Let alone Leia Organa. None of these yeah. fuckers should be generals. You don't arbitrarily become a general from literally no military experience to like, oh yeah, uh, Lando can fly a ship real good. General. Like, what the fuck are you talking yeah. about? It's, no, it's the idea of like that, that, that again. That's trying to subvert that thing. It's the World War One mindset of like we'll just make all our friends, all the poshos, generals. It's like, do they have any military experience? Have they been in the field? No, 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 no. We've been to school. We know this already. And then they're like, well, here's a big boardroom where we explain everything to everyone <laughs> in a big circle, and everyone has a big chip in, and they'll have things like, no, nah, that's not really how military works. And again, <laughs> it's the war part of Star Wars. But the problem is that as we've established, this. Is not really a war film. These are not war films. And in, in the same way that in, in Rogue One, you have lots of chain of command stuff. Whatever uh, Cassian Andor says, fucking goes. And that's the end of it. Well, I think I think almost it's a problem of linguistics. Mm. Because they call it they call them all general and stuff like that. And that that puts you in a military mindset. <laughs> whereas I it feels like what they should really be calling them is like Sir Han Solo. Because it's oh, that nice kind of promotion. Yeah goes back to the more fantasy kind yes, of yeah. they're literally yeah, the knighted stuff. with the medals and stuff like you could <laughs> yeah, take it exactly. as that yeah and it's you know if this was still a fantasy it would be like yeah han solo came in and did this amazing thing in a battle so we gave him a land some some land and a castle yes, and now he's yes. sir han solo and like it's not that he's qualified for this thing it's just that there's a there's chivalry and nobility and, and these kind of things yep. mm -hmm. like that is what it should be but they use the language of general because that makes it feel like a war film but then it confuses the idea because you're yeah, like well yeah. if he's a general shouldn't he know anything about the military beyond running away from it in his weed <laughs> truck like <laughs> pretty much yeah yeah, yeah. uh yeah I agree, I agree actually i think i think you've nailed there, there tim it's a, it's it, it's the constant conflict of fantasy versus military in this mm. in this whole saga if, if i may i'd like to read you the final paragraph of my last jedi review I, I I just want to. Oh, is it not ready? Yeah, we haven't had Tim. Jack, we'll cut that bit out. Yeah, I'm, I'm really rude. I cut in yeah. too early. You so. are incredibly rude, man. Well, Jack, did you have any more to say? Because I I have plenty more to say, but this is not the film we're fixing. Let's move on. Yeah, to you. Sorry, I I I haven't rewatched Last Jedi since I saw it in the cinema. Oh, interesting. Um, I really I I mm. want to go back and rewatch it because I feel like I'd probably have slightly different opinions. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, the thing, and I agree that that like because I think the the clever thing that because i don't think ryan johnson is just being like haha i'm a film nerd who has seen more things than you like he has said that his initial i think he's a little bit <laughs> i mean he is a little bit but you know his initial idea is to rather than taking his inspiration from star wars 
he is looking back at the things that inspired George Lucas when sure, he was sure. coming up with Star Wars. Yep. So there's a there's influence from like Akira Kurosawa, like samurai films, and there's yeah. from stuff like Wings that that George Lucas like saw and enjoyed. And you know, uh, in the opening sequence, we have a lot more. It's a lot more like war film. We have that bomber sequence with Rose uh, Tico's sister. Yes. Um, and stuff like that that's that's much more rooted in the kind of like, oh, it's a, like a submarine or like a, you know, a, a, a B-2 bomber drama where mm-hmm. you've just got that kind of, uh, you're all contained on that and everything's very claustrophobic. Yeah. So I think there's I think there's a smart approach there because it en- enables him to draw from a wider pool of influences and also not be so slavish. Not just, in if Force Awakens has a weakness, it's that it's it's not, really drawing on anything other than star wars the the root word is derivative yes (laughs) uh whereas last jedi has a broader spectrum of things that it's drawing on yeah um i do think certain parts are weaker like the canto bite sequence i don't think it's terrible but i also think it goes on too long and i think it's a little bit muddled i think the stuff with holdo and the general like chase stuff is not as well thought out as it could be um (laughs) And you know it's the thing of like, well, if she can fly into them at hyperspace, why don't why is that not just the accepted tactic? You know, and and all those kind of stuff. And and you know, there's probably if you'd have gone through, if there'd have been more time, and they'd have gone through another round of the the draft on the screenplay, you could kind of hammer out a few of those details. Mm. I think the thing that works best is all the stuff with Ray, um, and the stuff with Luke, and I think that works really well. I don't, I fundamentally don't understand people. Who are like, well, Luke should just be this shining hero and come back. It's like, <laughs> what? I hundred percent agree, Tim. The first, you know, the original trilogy. Like, what makes you think that he's still going to be like that? It, like, it's their like fantasized version, infantasized, if you will, version mm-hmm. of Luke Skywalker, where, like you said, he's this knight in shining armor type thing. He's yeah. never that. He almost turns to the dark side, and oh. <laughs> The chosen one is fucking Darth Vader, his dad. He's the guy yeah. that defeats the Emperor, not Luke Skywalker. Yeah, yeah. it's like Luke starts out that way. Yeah. He starts out with this very boyish view of like, what going? I'm going to go on an adventure. I'm going to join the Empire and become a pilot. It's like, oh, there's these rebel people. They seem even cooler. I'm going to join them. Like, oh, wow, a laser sword. <laughs> like, he, like, he goes through the ringer over the course of that trilogy. And of course he's going to come away. It's not going to go smoothly. And and the, and like you say, like you look at his relationship with Yoda, and the way that you know those the the two trilogies rhyme, and like that is that is what his proper he he had his model of what a Jedi Master looked like was fucking Obi Wan Kenobi. I'm gonna hang out in the desert and wear no trousers, <laughs> yes. um, and and not talk to anyone, and then lie to this teenager about his father and stuff like that and then yoda who is i'm gonna hang out in this swamp and not talk to anyone and lie to this teenager um and talk in riddles and stuff like that of course he's gonna grow up to be a crotchety old grumpy man who doesn't want anyone coming to visit especially when he's gone through this fundamental failure of like okay let's try and set up this new generation of the jedi oh that utterly failed and i fucked up dramatically um and I think his training of Je- uh, of Ray works really well. I th- I really like their dynamic. I think the whole stuff with like where she's like feeling the force and he's just got a bit of grass oh, yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> That's so good. Um, I yeah, I think there's that is where the the, the strength of the film lies. And 
yeah, and then uh, the, the 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 final fight with with Kylo and Rey. Oh man, there's elements yeah. of that fight that aren't great. Like there's a lot of the dudes in red like standing around in the background Waiting. just like waggling their swords <laughs> yeah, yeah, to yeah, look yeah, busy. Yeah, yeah. But also like the experience of watching that and the fucking soundtrack in the cinema mm, and how just mm. how well it's directed compared to some of the other stuff. It just when I watched it experientially, I was just like, holy shit, this is yeah. the best lightsaber fight ever. Yep. Um and yeah, I think her arc and Luke's arc is so strong. And the fact that he kind of says at the beginning, like, what do you think I was going to face down the entire like first order with a fucking lightsaber and defeat them and, and stuff. And then that does come true, but not in the way that yep. people think it's, it's going to be. And, yeah. and it, it's, it's, as you said, Tim, it stays true to like Luke Skywalker's character with, mm. he defeats the emperor by not fighting back. And how yes. does he beat Kylo Ren? He doesn't fight back. Mm. And yeah. that moment where you realize it's a force projection. And again, all of the nerds who freaked out about force projecting and stuff, Go read the comics and the novels and get back to <laughs> you motherfuckers. It's been around for like 20 years. Yeah. And that moment where you realize like he's not leaving footprints in the in the salt. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Oh, oh, that's very clever. And he's like tidied himself up a bit to make himself look more like how Kylo, how Ben Solo yeah. would remember him yeah. from when he last saw him. It's like, God, that's clever. That's such a fucking great moment. And like you said, he does face down. He takes on the whole blast of the fire everything and he just freaks out and yeah. just tries to destroy the guy who he thinks has ruined his life and he just dusts his shoulder off and it's like oh man luke yeah. skywalker is cool with pacifism <laughs> well that's that's, yeah. that's kind of the thing isn't it it's, it's the idea of what luke becomes is fascinating and this is the this is the kind of the frustration for people our age and younger um and people who are older who are getting more and more angry, it's like, you you do realize you have an exact example of this. We don't yet because of our age yet, but have you ever gone back and met someone you knew 25 fucking years ago? Mm. They're not going to be exact. And, and I don't mean literally, li not even just physically, there will be differences. Because of course they will. But emotionally, they've been through so much in that period of time. No one, I mean, if, if you have met someone and thought, oh, I remember that guy. Christ, we were like 19. I'm looking forward to seeing him when we're like 45, whatever it is, you know? Um, and it's like, yeah, I don't think that person who's now got two kids and a bad back and no hair <laughs> is going to be the exact same mm. mad fucking lad who is having Jaeger bombs. It's going to be a very different, I mean, this still be the same connection, the same personality. You get, you still mm. have the same, person, but they've moved up. They change because people change, but the, the audience is in stasis. We have only watched those one things over and over and over and over and mm. over and over. And so you come back to the person's like, oh, he's different now. He's like, yeah. And I appreciate that, you know, Mark Hamill wanted a more, you know, uh, what the fans would want. He comes back and he has this big heroic role and he's cool and he's tossing the lights around and did, did, did backflips and all that bullshit. And it's like, yeah, I mean, but again, as Tim mentioned, every character you've had in your life as a character ran away and hid. That's, and then realized it was a terrible mistake. That, that's, that's, that's they did backflips and were heroes 30 years before yeah. you were born. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I, I think the presentation of him as he is, I think is great. And him being, yep. the, the elements of humor, him, his fear, which again is a big thing with Jedi, his mm. fear has crippled him. And I find that brilliant. Mm. Um, him and Kylo and, and Ray back and forth thing is so cool. Um, but again, I do understand why people didn't want that. Because if you'd come off in, in order where you see, you know, 
fucking Yoda defeating Count Dooku in the second film. Frog flipping all over the place. And there's just an old man going, oh, I'm going to mess your stuff up. And oh, I cannot train him. He's too, he's too reckless, too young. It's like, this is a shit version of Yoda. Yeah. Where's, where's yeah. my jumping frog guy who's like a badass? Jumping frog guy. <laughs> it's just how people get when they get old. Yeah. And I think, like, I feel like Last Jedi gets into a lot of the stuff that, a lot of the discussions that came about because of the, the prequel trilogy, mm. which is like, hey, the Jedi are kind of assholes. Like, the whole, like, oh, you can't, you have to remove yourself from all your emotions and stuff like that is like that's that's just not reasonable to ask like living breathing people to do mm. and so you're always setting yourself up to fail like yeah it makes so much sense that luke would try to embrace their teachings and then because he is because he is the hero mm -hmm. realize yeah. that perhaps hey maybe these guys weren't like they had some good thoughts but they also had some shit thoughts and maybe there should be some kind of balance to the force. Balance uh, to the force. I do love the line where he says, like, at the height of the power of the Jedi, they didn't even sense like the worst element growing up under yeah, them, right yeah. under their fucking yep. nose. How good yeah. could they have been? It's like, I mean, every empire, I mean, in the sense of like our world, real empires, as it were, mm. collapse because of that shit. They all mm -hmm. do. And it's like, yep. how did mm. you fucking. How did you survive as long as you did, you fucking dolts? It's like, well, we just thought yeah. we could just keep having growth. And it's like, you fucking idiots. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's my thoughts mostly on, mm. on Last Jedi is that I think, I think that's, those are the strongest parts of it is basically anywhere where Luke, Ray, and Kylo Ren are. And I agree. I think the other parts are weaker, mm. but I, I still understand what they're trying to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's fair. And also the moment when, when fucking uh, Finn is like, no, I'm a rebel. And his fight with Phasma, that's pretty badass. I actually, yeah, I, I agree. But, but I think Phasma, every time Phasma comes out, I can think they'll do something cool and they don't. I always think, yeah. I think yep. it means something. It doesn't mean anything. I mean, she's thought. kind of in the model of uh, fucking Boba, Boba Fett. Fett. Yeah. In that, in that regard. She'll get her own series in uh, like 30 years. I've now. got an awesome costume. So <laughs> I'm going to fall into this hole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be held hostage to take down the shields. In my, in my review for The Last Jedi. I, again, I should point out, I haven't read these since I wrote them. I don't go back and, and I, I maintain that my opinion might change, but the review doesn't matter. The review is what I wrote the second mm. I come out of the cinema. The next day. That's as fresh as it gets. And for a lot of people, that's the most important impact of a cinema, because that's when you say to other people, nah, don't watch it. Or yeah, it's good. So here we go. As stated at the very start of this review, I'm not going to open the review. <laughs> I will happily defend this film for the forward-looking, bold filmmaking that it is, but I can't escape the fact that it stumbles occasionally, although never to the extent of the prequels. But I would maintain all of this is a positive because the conversation it generates is more interesting. Suddenly, the, the playing field is even, and the coming films are truly unknown. Of course, this puts a lot of pressure on what's to come to meet these newly established possibilities, but for the time being, I would posit this as a good film, if only for the fact that a good film should challenge you and create within you a sense of marvel, a sense of questioning one's own existence, a sense of familiarity, and a sense of conflict. Arguably one of the most divisive Star Wars features which will pit fan against critic, purists against progressives, and what is against what could be. Mm. I stand Deep, by that too. Man. Deep. Yeah, I, I agree with you for the most part. Hmm. But there's, yeah, just but it's enough about of those. Last Jedi, and you're like, yeah, I agree with that statement, but not about Last Jedi. <laughs> Annoying mm. little things, yeah. Like yeah. I said, I, I was 
even though I don't love The Last Jedi. I, like, I'm not saying, oh, it's the worst Star Wars film ever made and all this kind of stuff. Putting it into perspective, I like it less than you guys. I have more problems. Sure, it's sure. not like I'm saying, oh, it's people are saying, like, this is worse than the prequels. You are insane. If you think this is worse <laughs> than any three of the prequels, yeah, fuck off. if you think anything from The Last Jedi is worse than anything in one, two, or three, you are so wrong because those fucking prequels are just full of rubbish and like a little bit, a little bit of good stuff. You were probably and then a full child of when you saw them and still like them because you were a kid. Exactly. Which is also yeah. Happy and this, Star Wars. again, like you said, this purist thing brought back this weird like prequel revival thing where people were like, see, they mm. aren't that bad. The sequel trilogy is bad, but the prequels weren't as bad as people remember them. You people are wrong. The prequels are just as bad as you remember them, if not worse. <laughs> Go and watch them on Disney Plus right now. They're fucking terrible. <laughs> anyway, speaking of fucking terrible... Oh, fuck. Episode 9, the film, and the film we're actually fixing on this episode of Sequelizers. As Matt said earlier, I'll jump in straight away. Basically, everything about this film is broken and wrong. From start to finish, from bell to bell, this film is a big old fucking mess. And as much as I say, like, yeah, there are some elements I really like in Last Jedi, and then there's a negative that balances it out, and I end up overall not being a huge fan of that film. For everything that I think, like, oh, that looked cool, or oh, that could have been a cool moment, it is drilled into the ground and buried in Rise of Skywalker. Mm. Whereas, like, if I'm assigning arbitrary numbers here, I'm saying, like, Force Awakens is like an eight. And I'd say Last Jedi is probably like a six for me. Out of ten. This is out of ten. Sure. And then Rise of Skywalker is like a three or a four. Like, it is a fundamentally bad, bad movie. And it, unlike The Last Jedi, which I think a lot of its redeeming qualities come from its creator and come from, as we said, the way that it's shot, the way that it's constructed, all the ways that it references, as you said, Tim, the influences that influence Star Wars. It's creating that full circle of influence. You've got those classic Westerns, classic war films, the samurai films, all coming back and tying this all together. This is just a big Star Wars fan wank fest that doesn't do anything new, doesn't do anything original, and essentially retread shit it should never have retrodden. And yeah, should we finally get some medal? Fuck off, fuck <laughs> off with that shit, that fan service that. wanking bollocks that I just cannot be dealing with. Babu Frick, love a bit of Babu Frick. Nothing wrong with Babu Frick, <laughs> except that whole planet and that whole sequence completely ruins the canon. By the way, Marvel comics that establish Poe Dameron's history of his parents being resistance pilots and fighters and engineers and stuff, and he is a like child of the resistance, and he has grown up. No, no, no. he's got to be more like Han Solo, so he's got to be a spice smuggler and he's got to have a sordid past. Can't we just have a good person be a good person? You're trying to do this grey area for Star Wars, and it never fucking works. Like you try and do this in the main. In the main trilogy, like, oh, Han Solo's a bad guy, but he's also a good guy. So every other good pilot after that has just got to be a copy of Han Solo. Like, he, he already has an origin story that is canonized by Disney. 
Stop ignoring everything else. You're ignoring the previous fucking movie that happened two years ago, JJ. <laughs> You're also ignoring all the other stuff that's happened around it. And now we were told, and again, this is me going back to being an extended universe nerd, there's a cutoff point. Soon as Disney took over, all the video games, all the comics, all the films, all the TV mm, shows, yes. it is now one new, fresh, start-from-scratch continuity. Take all the films, and then we start from there. All the new stuff, so Fallen Order, as I mentioned uh, in our outtakes, mm. for example, there's a little tease for the outtakes for non-patrons, is a canon video game with the new continuity because it's made and licensed and published by Disney through EA and blah, 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 blah. All the comics I've mentioned, I mentioned in my fucking solo a Star Wars story pitch, those Han Solo comics are canon to Solo, the film, that then forgets a bunch of that stuff. Yeah. And then they just keep ignoring the stuff that is already there and then stealing stuff from the extended universe and making it worse somehow. And this There's whole Planet of Star the Sith Wars thing. story group. There's a group of people who are supposed to keep track of this stuff. There were, There they... is literally like half a dozen people employed by Lucasfilm and Disney to keep track of what is canon and what is not canon. And for whatever reason, J.J. Abrams is like, ah, fuck you guys. <laughs> and I'm not saying canon and continuity is the be all and end all of filmmaking. It's not. Mm. As much as we've kind of been drilled into that from like things like the MCU and these bigger, longer projects in the in the pop culture universe that we live in now in 2021. Star Wars. Star Wars <laughs> is one of them. Yeah, Star Wars is, is probably the, the main culprit there, to be honest. But yeah. like, it's not the be all and end all. Little continuity things don't matter. Mm. But the fact that this flies in the face of so much stuff that has previously been established, whether that's like I said, comics and video games and other stuff, or The Last Fucking Jedi. As I said earlier, I don't particularly like The Last Jedi, but I would be fascinated to see the threads and the ideas and the themes that that film begins to explore continued and concluded in the ninth fucking movie. Unfortunately, Rise of Skywalker does none of that whatsoever, <laughs> forgets a bunch of stuff that it even set up in Force Awakens, and just shit the bed with one of the most anticipated movies in the history of cinema. <laughs> I don't know how they fucked it up this much. I, I think it is very interesting and very frustrating how we came to this point. I'll get to this more later, but I, I, I respect people's frustration with the expanded universe being ditched because that for a long time was the canon truth. The fact that Han Solo and, and Leia Organa had three kids, or like, was it, was it Jaden, mm. no, Jaina, Jason, and fucking Anakin or some shit. Like, oh, they got twins, they got children. And Mara Jade is this huge, cool character that Luke sort of trains and kind of goes with it. Cool, 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 cool. But when you're a company and you acquire this new stuff, you don't want to be owning the shit that you have no mm. control over. You want to say, like, well, let's not worry about the 90 things. Let's just go forward with what we want to do next and not be bound by people already know. Let's give them a story they don't know. I do understand that. That makes complete yeah, fucking yeah. sense. Mm. However. And mm. there's a lot of bad in the expanded universe. Oh, yeah, there's a as lot. As much of, as there is as good. A, yeah. Oh, yeah, entirely. As, like I said, as we talked about in the outtakes, I go on a bit of a rant about the extended universe. <laughs> it's true. There is some fantastic, really interesting stuff that, weirdly enough, they are now retreading in a good way. There is a new Thrawn trilogy of novels, yes, by yes, the way, mm. that is now canon to Rebels and Clone Wars and all this bollocks. That's really fucking good and lives up to the reputation because it's the same fucking author 
to to what James Asino did back in the day with the Thrawn trilogy and why those books were so special and interesting in the Star Wars universe. Mm. He's continued that and redone it and rejigged it for the Disney version of the canon, essentially. Which is the opposite of what Abrams does. He just ignores everything and is like, fuck it, I'm going to do what I want. Mm. And this is what's really frustrating because if you say there's a cutoff, the canon is no more, our new canon is here, fine. But you have to stick to that. And as you mentioned about the whole... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff from Solo, a Star Wars story. It's the lack of commitment from... that's the problem. Entirely. And the idea of like, oh, well, we need Poe to have this history of this, this, this. Like, but you've already told the audience that's not what it is. And then you can have like, you know, Batman can have 90 fucking versions of Batman doing different fucking things. That's fine. It's, you know, what happens in the main Batman comic and the detective comics uh, comics is, is fine. You can have those two things being concurrent and they kind of do and don't work together. That's okay. But if you're actively saying there is only one truth and then tell people two different things, that's just comes off like very bad planning. And not even not even a decade into having this property right from the fucking start. That shows a real not lack of leadership or anything like that. I don't think I don't I know everyone's like, you know, to call like say like, oh, it's Kathleen Kennedy's fault. It's like, no, it just shows a bit of discordance. And I would I feel this comes from George Lucas had single control over the entire universe and created the prequels. Let's get some really talented individuals to bring in different ideas. And the problem is that if you do that, you're going to get very different ideas. You could have like a Feige or somebody else, or even, forgive me, saying this, even like a Snyder, somebody who's going to have a strong arm and a strong vision controlling it. But then you have to stick with that. That's your thing. And unless it derails and you're like, right, get rid of this shit, we're going to pivot entirely. And, and then, you know, make an entire 180 degree turn or something like that. That makes sense. But you still need that, that hand at the wheel. Just to say, let's get Stanley Kubrick and Billy Wilder and Peter Ustinov, and they're all going to direct these movies. And like, that's going to be a fucking mess. That's one, <laughs> that's one story. Those three, that, you don't get a cohesive story. You get three fucking really interesting movies. But what are you talking about? It's, it's just such a really odd... Um, strategy shall we say and that as i say that's before we even come to the facts which we will come to fact of 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 um the the idea that that it wasn't even supposed to be abrams he wasn't originally going to be directing another one of these star wars films he got kind of it like, oh i missed the fun of doing a star wars and then trevorrow's script was apparently dog shit so yeah sorry i've, I've hijacked that one i apologize all of the continuity stuff just speaks to the slapdash way that this film was constructed and that's that to me is the overall feeling of it it just feels it feels rushed it feels poorly thought through it feels like no one has consulted each other in the production of it and like i don't understand how a company as big as disney can have a property as big as star wars and treat it so carelessly as this because you like like whether it should be or not, Star Wars is important to a lot of people. Sure, and to have like we've as we've said so many times, the closing chapter of the fundamental like story that has run through this thing, and to just kind of feel like you have thrown it together at the last minute, and gone, ah, oh, well, okay, right, well, fuck it, like just put Palpatine in it. That some of the fans will like that. He's from the other ones, like it's fine, and like. What can we do as a big twist? Oh, we'll kill off Chewbacca. It's like, oh, no, well, that doesn't really work. Okay, well, let's just bring him back. It's like, well, we've already shot the bit where we kill him off. Oh, it's fine. Hell. It'll just turn out he's fine. It, 
what hang on what was he what was happening he was flying on a ship and then ray blew him up with force lightning we'll just say he was on another ship what other ship at the other ship that there was <laughs> there's I ha- so I hate how right you are tim i hate how there's right you so are. little care put into the storytelling there's so like we said about like jj abrams loves to set stuff up but within this single unit of like film there's so like things just kind of happen out of nowhere and stuff gets over and over and over again by the way <laughs> it yeah and it just feel like it genuinely feels like they were writing it they were making it up as they went along and like you can't do that with a with a production as big as this and a property that so many people care out uh, care about as much as this a flat even from a business point of view like this is a flagship thing that disney like and if 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 it had landed and it had like stuck the landing like that's going to make you more money in the long run because you're going to keep people jazzed about stars and i know so many people who saw this film and were like well fuck it i don't give a fuck anymore there was a plan to have a star wars film every single year off the back of this and then it went to a yeah. plan of like fuck well, we'll do some later let's just hold the tv series for now the, the, the i know people might not think it but rise of skywalker kind of killed star wars again not mm-hmm. not to the yep. degree it did but enough for them to go we need to reevaluate this because again solo was a stumble uh rogue mm-hmm. one was a huge success uh, again you know force awakens bang billion dollars and no, sorry two billion dollars mm. one of the most you know critically coveted and beloved by the fans brilliant fucking out of the gate rogue one there's gonna be a bit of a weird one no one's gonna be like bang a billion dollars critics loved it it's like holy shit last jedi critics loved it billion dollars it's like well oh, i'm gonna boycott it we still got a billion odd 1.5 billion dollars it made a fortune are you fucking kidding me this is a glorious success solo very troubled production lots of things going wrong with this fuck scrap the boba fett movie um mandalorian get off the ground all this stuff starts in the background churning away release it in may just get get some money out of this it's fine it's it's we discussed this in our solo episode it's okay it's functional it could have been better it could have been a lot fucking worse and then literally two months into the pandemic in a contained in one part of the world sort of state rise of skywalker comes out and it's bad it's real fucking bad and suddenly mandalorian is now considered the best star wars property for a lot of people the things that unifies them and disney's like like the eye of sauron goes get me the mandalorian make it (laughs) make nine of these fucking things it's like you did that with the main series do what shut your fucking mouth the mouse is speaking. We, we need we need a separate spin-off thing specifically for the Rangers featuring Gina Carano. She's gonna be a star. Oh fuck. Oh no, she's not a star. She's incredibly problematic. And even though we as a corporation probably agree with a lot of things she's saying, we can't say that publicly. So boycott her and secretly cancel the thing that was sort of announced but never actually officially confirmed everything's fine. Look the other way. Look, it's Boba Fett. Boba Fett's getting a TV series. That's what you wanted for the last 35 years. It's still the guy from the clone. It's fine. It's he's, fine. he's fine now. Tomo Morrison, he's he's fine. He's gonna be it's gonna be a Kiwi Boba Fett. It's Boba Fett, everybody. Don't talk about Gina Carano. Don't talk about Rise of Skywalker. Everything's fine. Look, Mandalorian. I, I Luke, Luke, it's Luke Skywalker, the Mandalorian, everybody. <laughs> it's what you wanted. He's cool. He's pushing the lightsaber around. It's like, yes, he is. It's finally that moment. You get to it's see him be a bad fucking like the corridor. It's, yeah, it's his yeah, moment. yeah, great, great, great. And then Look you the other way, don't talk about Gina Carano. Guys, guys, we had this we put all of our eggs in this basket and we fucked up. 
So now let's put them. Let's put all of our eggs in this much safer basket. <laughs> you don't want to spread those eggs around a bit. No, no, no. baskets. Basket. I this lo- one basket. So you know what basket you should have had, boys. You're Disney, and you're you're underhand bastard when it comes to plushies and toys. And we understand your merchandise is a huge thing. Yeah, we we know that. You 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 have a small baby version of Yoda. Yes, we do. Do you have any merch for Christmas? No, nah, no one's gonna watch. <laughs> no one's gonna watch that. Sorry, no one's gonna need it. It's like. Oh no, what have we done? And I remember them saying, <laughs> Hashtag oh, have you, have baby you given Yoda. A, a, a fun, iconic name to, to you know, so that that, that that really sticks with consumers, you know, because they're going to see it and they're going to think Baby Yoda. Yeah, branding. It's like, ah, we're, we're going to call him the child. <laughs> yeah, you can call him that. Really? I mean, it has a name now, but no, Baby Yoda. Um, And the thing is, is like, then they go, like, they rushed so much stuff into production because it's the same thing with Star Wars, the original Star Wars. It's like, oh, this is a huge hit with the toys. We don't have anything. We'll we'll give you a cardboard box that you can have a pre-order voucher for, and eventually you'll get the playset that will go with the toys. Anyway, the point is, The Rise of Skywalker is abysmal on so many levels. J.J. Abrams and Terrio have this very fizzled conversation where they said, well, the Emperor plays a huge part in the other two ends of the trilogy, so he should play a big part in this one. Thematically? No, 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 he should just be back. And the lightsaber that was got destroyed in the last film, that should be back too. And the mask, that should be back as well. Because I like that mask. I spent a lot of time merchandising that. And as Jack mentioned, the toys we sell. There's slightly variant, slight variant on it. It's like, okay, okay. What about the story going forward? Nah, 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 nah. Shut up, shut up, shut up. And also, it'd be really cool if, you know, you know I've read all the fan theories online about, you know, who Ray's parents could be. So we'll go with one they haven't really guessed because it's too fucking stupid. Um, <laughs> it's like, are you, are you doing a season eight of game of thrones where you're just trying to go with what people can't guess as opposed to what the actual fitting end of the story is yeah are you setting up these story beats wom, wom, wom. yeah <laughs> okay great and that's the thing there's so many sh- there are so many scenes in rise of Sky, and it, it, i cannot understand how the most enjoyable fun experience of this sequel trilogy is The Force Awakens. And the exact same person who made that came back and made the worst one, if not one of the worst Star Wars movies. Because there are so many things that are in there just because it will look and feel cool, but makes no sense. And if I was to list them all, I would go crazy, so I won't. But I will say some of them now because we need to talk about them. Let's talk about the knife. (laughs) (laughs) So the old Death Star, Mark II, blows up. And anyone who's seen those movies special edition or otherwise though the explosion is big there's nothing left there's nothing left and it falls down to a different planet not the one it was orbiting a different planet and it doesn't break up in the atmosphere it doesn't move or get eroded by the sea that's very tempestuous sea that it lands in it sits there perfectly to allow someone to craft a knife they could pull out a little thing to make a little uncharted indiana jones style thing to show exactly where it's kept which is the fucking throne room I don't think you needed a map to the... Where was this important device for the Sith to be kept? Probably the Emperor's throne room. If I was doing a fucking Titanic deep dive, like the fucking, you know, James Cameron's Titanic, like, where's the safe? Probably in the rich people's quarters. Um, It's like, well, well, let's just go there. And then this is given to an assassin called Darth, I don't give a fuck, oobity boo boobity, and he, Uchio, I don't remember. Uh, the Jedi Hunter Ochi, yeah. Fuck yeah. off. And so he is given this thing, which again, if you've ever sharpened a blade before, you're going to ruin that. It's not a ceremony. If it's ceremonial, put it away. But he kills other people, including Ray's parents. And then he gets lost in the desert 
and the, so the, the, the dagger takes you to a point that if you stand an exact thing at the exact same time, at the exact same spot, at the right angle, you'll see exactly where to go to find this little triangle, which takes you to the planet that everyone turns up with anyway. And then Kylo Ren just turns up and crushes it. It's it. Mm, mm, calm down. Um, no, don't calm down. You're it's right. It's really You're frustrating because totally right. it's bad storytelling. It's really fucking bad storytelling. And it's not just, it's not even just like, you know, oh, and then, you know, they fly now. Oh, it's a silly little gimmick. They've been jetpacks in this fucking universe for ages. And I, I, you can literally see the shot where C3PO is on the barge, Jabba's sail barge, looking at the fucking jetpacks of, of Boba Fett. And he's like, I, I thought you were about this. to say you can literally see the shot where John Boyega gave up. And oh, there's, there's <laughs> that too. You can, because John Boyega. And to say that, as you said, it was a troubled production mm. is an understatement. Especially Oscar Isaac and John Boyega yeah. have come out and been like, fuck this. Fuck this production. John Boyega has essentially said, I refuse to work with Disney or Lucasfilm ever again because of how bad... You'll never see me on on Disney Plus. (laughs) Yeah, you'll never see my face on Disney Plus. Like, yeah. And then he went off and did Black Lives Matter protests and I was like, fuck yeah, John Boyega. Um, And also, it's now Moon Knight, which is Disney still, but different Disney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, they both were like, we pitched for Finn and Poe to be gay together and Disney were like, nah, mate. And they were like, I mean, you very, that was definitely what you were hinting at, right? Like, there's a lot of sexual chemistry between the two of you in the, in the other two films. So that's very clearly, no, 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 no sexy times, no romance in this. Like, what do you mean no romance? Well, I mean, there is a romance. I mean, I mean, you know, Ben and Ray will kiss. Like, oh. wait, what <laughs> the fuck are you, what do you mean? The two characters have the least chemistry. Ah. But they're a they're a vertex in the force or a whatever the fuck it is. They're a dyad a in the dyad. force. Which fuck off it's an with abusive, that shit. Abusive, horrible relationship. No, he literally tortures her. He literally tortures her in Force Awakens, not in a metaphorical, psychological way. He physically, actually tortures her, mm. and then she tells Daniel Craig to walk away, and then everything's fine. <laughs> but ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, there are so and, many problems and- with that fucking the progression of those characters and how and finn's got something really important to tell oh, Ray throughout God. the whole film uh, that he's really desperate to tell her at emotional uh, moments and I, then i'm, I'm gritting and grinding oh, my teeth listeners <laughs> i might also be force sensitive great not that i love you which again like i'd i'd have been happy with a finn and poe i'd have been happy with a, a finn and ray um, I think those both work. I think. Sure. I think Raylo is a bad ship. Hundred percent. Should I understand why certain people are attracted to it? Sure, sure. But it's Adam Driver is weird looking, but kind of sexy. I don't know why. Is it because he is wide as he is tall? Who knows? <laughs> Big old yeah. loaf of bread. Uh, oh, it's so loafy torso of his. <laughs> just just like uh... the fact that you also like have his redemption tied up with like a romantic arc is so it's like it, it feels stupid to talk about ways in which this film is like damaging because it, there's so much of it that's just stupid let me it's list the ways deep, kind of moment yeah, yeah we'll just deeply stupid but like to have this this film where it's like ah uh, yes i can this this literal like Supreme Commander of the Nazis, <laughs> the space Nazis, who has tortured me, who has killed many, many people, 
if I'm in a relationship with him, then maybe he can change his ways. And yeah, I mean, it's the classic, like, oh, again. I may go from fix the bad boy. Like, yeah. I mean, he's already been solo at this point. You don't need to do the rest of it. Like, yeah. He's essentially given up the Kylo Ren moniker and, and single handedly killed the Knights of Ren. Do you remember those yeah. guys? Neither do I. It's like, yep, cool. Okay. And I love, again, as we talk about, Adam Driver is such a fucking powerhouse performer. We now know this from other films he's been in. And you realize (laughs) like, oh, that's why he's the best thing in these movies. And that is no knock to it. Like I said, I'm a huge Oscar Isaac, huge John Boyega, Daisy Ridley. They all put fantastic. But I think personally, I think Driver is on another level and he, he blows them out of the water. And he has that moment, and it is the one moment in Rise of Skywalker. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. That's really clever. It's when he becomes Ben Solo again, and he's no longer Kylo Ren, and he jumps down and he hits his chest on the thing, and he goes, oh, like he's about to go, oh shit, like oh he's human again. <laughs> yeah, like he, just, he does that wonderful, like almost like oh, um, kind of like oh, oh I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's like oh, that's that's Ben Solo. That that's acting. That is Ben's. That is it's it's. It's like Superman transforming back I, into Clark Kent. Yeah. You beat me to it, Tim. You beat me to it. <laughs> it's Marvel humor, if you're honest. Yeah, it's the whole, like, exactly. It's that moment of levity, like, huh, nice. Yeah, and it's that moment, yeah, the transformation that you see, uh, anybody who watched the, the the classic Richard Donner Superman films, you see the difference where, like, he goes, oh, I've shriveled up Clark Kent, and then he stands up straight, and he's Superman. And you're like, hmm. oh, there's no way you'd believe the same guy just wearing glasses and stuff is, is Clark Kent. Hmm. And then he physically transforms himself. His shoulders go back. He stands up tall. He's suddenly three or four inches taller. And, you know, the glasses come off. The hair straightens out. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, there's no way you'd recognize the same guy. And you have the reverse moment where he goes from, as you said, leader of the space Nazis to like, <laughs> oh, he's just, he's just some bloke in his 20s called Ben who, <laughs> who doesn't, he's way in over his head and doesn't really know what he's doing. Doesn't really know why he's here on this planet in the first place because none of this makes any fucking sense. I'm just gonna see what I can do to kind of try and redeem myself. I would argue that Kylo Ren should not go on a redeeming arc, but that's a whole other conversation and a whole other thing he could do, but they would need to handle it in a very, very different way. Mm. Yeah, I think there's room for a redemption arc. I don't think it should be tied to a romance, Uh, and I think they should have put in a lot more work. And I think, I think that like. I think Last Jedi and even Force Awakens put in those doubts that you can see. Like, 100%. Oh, like, yeah. He's not he's conflicted. The, 100% comfortable with it. We mentioned the they, throne room then... scene in Last Jedi. Like when he mm. reaches out the hand to Rey, mm. I genuinely thought they were going to swap sides and yes. he was going to turn good and she was going to turn bad. And I was like, A lot yeah, of people that, is, that is the shit that we've not done in Star Wars before. That is interesting. That is a twist on the Vader coming back to the light side and Luke mm. feeling the dark side and the you know, chopping at his his father's yeah. like robotic hand and stuff. But actually have her be like the dark side and go towards and, and become the new leader and like murder mm. Hux and like take over the First Order or something like that would be really interesting. Yeah. But The Last Jedi doesn't do it. And then this one tries to do some weird ham-fisted bullshitty thing. And it's like, <sighs> what you didn't do it in the last film and you don't have enough time to do that in this film. So... You, fact- you're just rushing to the conclusion that you think <laughs> that some fans want. It's like, yeah, Raylo, the, the, we we saw Tumblr. Like, 
Tumblr basically got shut down. You didn't see it on Tumblr. Don't lie to us. No, no, no yeah, <laughs> I, I totally saw it on Tumblr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck's sake. And the fact that, and, and I mean, we could talk so much about the stuff that it wastes from Last Jedi. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it, like, Kylo Ren in particular ends in such an interesting place. Because 100%. You have, you have yep. like, Hux, who clearly hates him, but who is, like, the, the, the his second in command. You have him, he's killed off Snoke. You have him as this supreme leader who is, who fucking, like, hates elements of the rebellion but is also doubting his place as the leader of the first order and like that's such an interesting and to have because he's such a he's such a stroppy teen and it's really interesting as a character to be like mm. this is the scariest motherfucker in the galaxy but he's also just this like moody teenager like and to have that him in that position in the third film and just be like yeah this guy is running this army he's not sure that he wants to be and also he's just completely unpredictable and all of his underlings are these like backstabby vicious fascists who want him out of the way that's such an interesting story to tell mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. rise of skywalker comes along and goes well ah, actually palpatine all along and we're going to start and with with basically kylo ren being like oh okay well i guess i work for you now and also, we're going to basically get rid of Hux and replace him just with Richard E. Grant. <laughs> oh, like the amount of the amount of characters that come out of thin fucking air for Rise of Skywalker. I have no problem with can't even remember his fucking name. Uh, Pride, General Pride, mm. Richard E. Grant's character. He is a survivor from the original Empire, and he goes through mm. the Empire to the First Order to the Final Order. Old school, Having, Nazi. Having, yeah, having him being an old school, no, Palpatine was the truth kind of mm. nutter is, in theory, a really interesting thread you could pull on and then explore. Yeah. If you don't bring back Palpatine and he was right all along, like, oh, the Nazi nutter was correct. Mm. Hitler's back. You're like, wait, what? No, you can't Team make him it. correct. <laughs> yeah, it's Mecha Hitler from Wolfenstein. Yeah. Uh, like, but the fact that, they basically just say like, "I am a back my day. It was a proper empire, and now it's going to be a proper empire again." End of my story. Like, and now I'm dead. Yeah. Like, Wait, what? Who are you? Where have you been? What have <laughs> yeah. you just been hanging out on this barren fucking wasteland with no food, no water, and just you and a bunch of dudes in cloaks? This is City Alpha Five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it would be it would be interesting to to contrast him with Hux yeah. and be like, oh, okay, this guy's this guy's from the original Empire versus this guy who's come along who kind of reveres it but also, like, wants to make it his own. Like, but they don't do any of that. They just they just have them, like, snip and snipe at each other and then mm -hmm. Hux turns out to be a spy. And, oh, my God, it's so frustrating because it just... Even the good ideas that it has, it completely wastes. Yeah. And it just throws yep. them into this poorly thought out blender of a movie. I'm, I'm going to chuck, I'm going I'm to quick fire, just chuck some shit out here. Okay. Because I think that's the best yeah. way to deal with it. Because if I, if I, everything I'm about to say, I could talk about for at least 45 minutes. So I'm just going to rapid fire this shit. I'd like to think these are things that will irk yourselves as well. Feel free yep. to chime in if you think, actually, Matt, you're going too far. This is the best part of the movie. Right. Fan pandering and pandering as always to Cowards and idiots, i.e. the loudest. People saying, like, a, an old meme of, like, hang on. So when, after the Battle of Yavin in Star Wars, 
as I've watched that thing like 90 fucking times since I was seven. So Luke gets a medal and Han gets a medal, but Chewbacca doesn't get a medal. Why doesn't he get a medal? Now, here's the real question. Why doesn't R2-D2? Why doesn't fucking Wedge? He doesn't fuck, who fucking knows? Who cares? It doesn't matter. It's an old 70s movie. But, you know, Chewie needs a medal. He should get a medal. He should wear trousers. He should get a medal. It's, <laughs> it, so what happens in this movie? Chewie gets a weird, here you go. I found this in my granddad's closet. It was an old watch he had. I guess you wanted to watch once. So here it, it is. It was an old watch. He kept it up, up his, his ass. ass. <laughs> yeah. And it has no actual bearing and no actual value. It's not something he's awarded for his service. It's just a, I found this. She's dead. She would have wanted you to have it. Someone's saying, oh, he would have wanted you to have this. It's like, I mean, it's what he would have wanted. I mean, maybe. Rose and Maz Kanata. Now I'm going to bring these both up at the same time because I think they're important to bring up simultaneously. Abrams clearly doesn't know what to do with and doesn't like Rose as a character. Fair enough. A lot of people don't understand or deal with that and that's fine. And him just giving, even just the lines of dialogue that he gave to, I can't remember his name other than Mary. What the fuck is the character's name? Dominic Monaghan. Dominic Monaghan. Thank you so much. Yeah. Even his character. Just give Rose those lines. Just give her that yeah. thing to do. Doesn't be much. Be enough. Um, and it's like, come on, you coming with us on the mission? No, I must stay here because yeah, I have reasons. Um, and it's just like, oh my God, checked out so much. But she's a main character now in this story. You can't just sort of turn. I mean, Lando Calrissian was a huge main character in Empire Strikes Back. He was given a very large, prominent role in the third movie. He wasn't just like, yeah, ha, a black man, <laughs> not bringing him back. It's like, no, he ends up being the one who helms the fucking attack on the second Death Star on, in the, in the yeah. space battle. He is an integral part of this because he's turned his back on his ways. Anyway, the point is that now, if you created another character and you were being bitter, I don't. I understand to a degree that I can. I can wave a hand and say I understand why you did that. Why is Maz Kanata also kind of useless? Why does she do nothing in your movie? Because she was so important in your fucking first one, and then you were like annoyed. Everyone was like, "Oh, she's not even in the second one. She's like some trade issue where she's like on a hollow call once." It's like, and what's she doing in this movie to make up for it? Uh, well, she gives Chewie that medal. It's like great. I th I think that's a real problem with, and uh, again, well, yes, that, but. The problem with Ryan Johnson scrapping stuff from The Force Awakens and then Abrams being like, oh, no, 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 I like Maz Kanata. Like, do you, though? Or are you just doing that to be like, fuck Slightly. you, Ryan Johnson? <laughs> yeah. I don't like what you did with my toys. I got my toy out and it's in the background. That still counts as me playing with it. Like, did you actually play with it, though? Or yeah, do you exactly. just you just have it in the background where you're playing with your other toys that you actually care about? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Precisely. Ke Kelly Marie Tran says words. and like, does she though? Mm. Is she, <laughs> she in though? focus and in I, most of the scenes? Yeah, I absolutely love all the, and I, I love and hate them for for reasons I'll explain in a second. The interviews with the cast oh, afterwards, yeah. they're the same <laughs> interviews with the cast. And you mentioned Game of Thrones season eight earlier, yeah, Matt. Yeah, the similarly yeah. poorly planned thing where it's like, so guys, are uh, you excited for the film's release? You, uh, you, I'm sure you're really excited to see where all your characters go. And Daisy Ridley goes, mm. John Boyega, let's go. Mm. Yeah. Adam Driver's like, oh, yeah, cool. Kelly Marie Tran is just like, I think she, her death, reaction death, is, death, is, 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 is um, are we, are we going to see some more about Rose and where her, where her story yeah, goes? Yeah, yeah. And she went, ha ha, um, yeah, um, because <laughs> it's like, yep. just took caught off guard. Like, what the fuck do I say? Other than I got fucking sidelined. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I like, I don't understand the people who are like, Maz Kanata should be in Last Jedi because she has a very specific role in, 
in Force Awakens. She's not really part of the resistance in a way. She is, but she's peripheral to it. Like, yeah, she it's it's you know, she has a role in that story to te- to be told, but like nothing about like there's not a point where I'm watching The Last Jedi and I'm like, why is this character here? It should have been Maz Kanata. Whereas very clearly in Rise of Skywalker, I'm looking at characters and being like, why does Rose Tico not have these lines? Mm-hmm. Like, like characters can show up in one film and play their part and then be done with. But, but also like, I don't, you know, you could say like the same about Rose Tico, but like she was so clearly integrated into the story in a way that Maz Kanata, Maz Kanata is essentially a mentor role slash shopkeeper in fucking like, you show up to her to buy her wares in Skyrim yeah, kind of thing, yeah. you know, like she's there to play to, she is more of a plot device. You know, she that's is there true, to say, here is the lightsaber. Like I am marking you as a special person because I am clearly special. Cause I like have big eyes and I held on. I am the person who held on to this for a long while and I deem you worthy of receiving it. That's her role done. Like she has played her part, Yeah, you know, in, in the same way that we don't need to go back to fucking, I'm trying to think of like characters from the original Star Wars Empire who Empire? don't show up in, in Jedi and uh. stuff like that. But like, there are plenty of characters who you don't need to go back to mm. and show like, well, what are they up to now? Whereas there are characters who join the story along the way who are clearly meant to be part of it going on. Yeah. And to completely ignore that and bring back characters who have no purpose being back just because you're the one who came up with them and you like the design. Like At and then the to same give time them nothing introducing new characters. Yes, and introducing new characters. But also then give them nothing to do. Yeah, like entirely. I had complete I to be honest, like having not rewatched Rise of Skywalker recently, I'd completely forgotten Maz Kanata was in this. Like if you'd have asked See? me who gives Chewie his medal, I would have gone like, hang on. Is it Leia before she dies? <laughs> is it is it Peter Mayhew's wife, who I know is a nurse in <laughs> The Last Jedi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it, as much as... Yeah, she's fucking... the one who's nursing uh, Chewbacca when he That's gets right, injured yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yes. Very brave, yeah. 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 As much as, like, Chewie getting a medal doesn't matter, equally, the person who gives it to him doesn't really matter. And why would it be fucking Maskinata? Like, yeah. oh my God, there's so many levels and of stupidity and pointlessness mm. in this film. So... To drill down on a few more, because I'm not done. Abrams. Abrams being in this film as a little droid. That's fine. That's 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 ego. I understand that shit. Abrams being a droid who's a Sith droid who can translate things, but then getting C-3PO to translate things doesn't make sense. Let's not worry about that shit. Let's move on from that. Abrams not understanding the force projection that Ryan Johnson used. The force projection and the whole, like, just the, just the hint of, like, we're having a conversation across space and time. How are we how are we doing this? How is how is what's the connection between Kylo Ren and Ray that they can have a conversation on two different systems thematically? And that yeah, but there is something because he can feel the water in his face. Is it symbolic? Is it real? We don't know. No, it's a it, I can reach forward and pull a fucking necklace off you. Pull a fucking necklace off so, you, yeah. And and I like, where are you? I've got to find I've got to fight you to find out where you are. Oh, but my my Darth Vader statue is like, she's got the fucking knife, dude. Um, you had the knife in your bedroom. So basically, wherever the knife is, she is. She has it in her hand the whole time she's fighting you. So maybe just open your fucking eyes. Tons of and it's like you everyone who gives like Johnson grief for like doing something like the force projection is somehow fine with this, even though this is more egregious and doesn't make any sense. It's the whole like teleporting between fucking planets and Star Trek things like so can you can he just blip people around now? Can can he pull her to him? Is it 
is it? I, oh, see, I I will hold up my hand. I was I was racking my brain to think of like, is there anything in the Rise of Skywalker that I like? Mm-hmm. And I don't mind that as an evolution of the Force in general. The 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 Force sure, that they sure. use. I don't mind the idea that they have a, a, a special relationship that is a unique bond between them. Okay, I think calling it something like a Force dyad. <laughs> Dumb, and like and, and turning it into a mythology thing rather than just like these two characters have this emotional connection and like it's very powerful it's not necessarily 100 percent positive but like the you know just like it's an interesting and intense bond between the two because they have a good dynamic like mm. that's interesting i do like the moment where she passes him the lightsaber so that oh, he that, has oh, it it's so yeah, cool that's, that's man that shouldn't be but that's behind a the good head. moment <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like okay, everything else about that, the the the, the setting and, and and everything else, that's stupid. But like that brief moment is like, ah, oh, that's a clever, that's a clever Can use of sure. like the that. way that you've and, and the the way that you've evolved that ability over time of like the hints towards it and stuff like that. That is the thing I will give Rise of Sky. That's fair, man. That's all. That's well, come back to my opinion later. But that's entirely fair. I was gonna say, but also about Abrams. And I had I only just realized this recently. Abrams doesn't really have any Star Wars in his Star Wars. So to clarify, <laughs> Last Jedi is nothing but fucking space battles, and it can be very detrimental because of it. I was rewatching these things and thinking, hang on, everything that he has almost exclusively takes place in orbit of a planet, mostly. Fair enough, that's that space. And then the actual atmosphere. It's like good point. Wait. Is there any just a scene where there's tons of just stars everywhere and there's planes flying around? And just is there is there just a big fucking fight in space? And it's like not really. They go to Starkiller Base and then fight on the ground. It's like right. Can he not direct space battles? And as a Gundam fan, I'm like that's the coolest bit usually. Where is it? And I'm like in Force Awakens, it's like not really. And you're like he has. I mean, he has the, 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 there are the moments, but not really the. Millennium Falcon, like flight, while it's on Jakku, that's still on a planet. It's pretty yeah. well oh, but, directed. No, that, that it's still like, on a planet. Yeah, that's great because it, it goes through caverns and reasons. That's cool. It looks yeah. great, and it's and as I said before, it's very mm. dynamic. We haven't seen that kind of shot before. Mm. It's not a space battle though, and the problem no. is because he can't do a space battle because he's like, well, hang on, it's just open space. It's like, yes, the one of the where best... am I getting my lens flare from? Yeah. If it's one just of... open space, <laughs> you did it in Star Trek. I don't understand why you can't do it now. And it's like. It's one of the best parts of Return of a Jedi is that huge space battle at the end. Mm. Where's that? Well, he has all those star destroyers rise up off of the planet. And that's the next fucking point oh, I want to get to. God. <laughs> you have a you have like a star killer base. What's the threat? It's a fucking big base. It's a Star Wars. What's the and then the same thing on Star Wars original one is a big big old Death Star. What's the thing in Return of a Jedi? Big fucking Death Star. What's it in Empire Strikes Back? Emotions. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's hard to tell what the threat is. It's just the idea of like you know yourself, your inner demons, and that's mm. what Last Jedi does as well as this big space battle. The thing in in again, it's it's a very hard thing to do as 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 you guys will see later with with um our eventual fix for this movie. How do you do things that top a Death Star? And his version is lots of little Death Stars on old ass model Star Destroyers, but they can't get out of this planet. Because it's surrounded by a thing that, if you look at the shot when Kylo Ren arrives, is just like one 
dust cloud or one nebula behind him. So I don't really, it doesn't like engulf and envelop the planet. So I don't really understand how it works. There's so many problems with that, but the threat is just like, I'm going to have another army. It's another thing. It's like, hmm. I kind of would have preferred another Death Star. <laughs> just, I don't, I, I get what you're saying. It's like these little Death Stars on, on, on mm. you know, mini Death Stars on every Star Destroyer. And each of them with planet-killing capability. Fuck off. I mean, hey. let's not get into the whole thing of how, like, planet-killing capability, A, is not that interesting. It's not. Also a really and bad way to also rule. not, it's a very bad way to rule an empire. Yeah. It scares like, people when you do it once. <laughs> yes, it's once as a show of force, terrific. But also, you could have done it a lot cheaper by just strapping a bunch of rockets to an asteroid and driving it towards a planet. Yeah. And, and, it, um, and as a, uh, a sort of metaphor for a nuclear weapon, mm. how many nukes have been set off in wartime? Arguably yeah. just two. By, in inverted commas, the good guys. <laughs> and it's like, if you look at the history mm. of it, it's always really cryptic. Like, wait, 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 hang on, what? And that's the point. People are saying, what happened? Like, oh, well, obviously, we destroyed the Death Star and that was the end of it. No, now everyone has Death Stars. That's the terrifying thing. I'm not saying that's the how you fix it, but it's like, well, you know. And mm. then how do we combat this? Because at the end of Last Jedi, it was very clear that there was going to be the rise of hope. The story's going out about, you know, no one came. They were on the end of the frontier. It was just them and this spaceman from the other side of the world projecting his force and standing up in good and evil and yada, yada, yada. And then Lando turns up and he's like, I brought everybody. It's like, you did what? With, with zero setup. To go, to go from the previous film where it's like nobody came. Yes. Like, I, there's, there's arguably an interesting film there uh, mm. or an interesting plot line where you go like, like previously nobody came but Luke came. And Luke yes. was the, the the thing that we needed, and then the story of that spreads, and and you have the little you have Broom Boy hearing the tale yeah. about how like one Jedi stood down the entire first order, and that story spreads, and you get more and more uprisings, and then at the end of the final film, fuck yeah, people show army up, army of Broom Boys, army <laughs> of Broom Boys, yeah, and they get wiped out, but that's not the point. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but that's what resistance is. They don't. They don't ever fucking show that, do they? They just go from zero to 60 and have fucking Lando show up and be like, I brought everybody. And that reveal looks crap to me because there's yeah, so much detail. Really I can't bad. see anything. It does. It's like, oh, we got every ship from every Star Wars canon thing ever. I'm like, yeah, but even on, I saw it in the big, big, big ass screen in the, the cinema. The ghost from Star Wars Rebels, like the yeah. ship that has mm. the entire crew from Rebels is in that shot. Sure. Somewhere. <laughs> I believe you. Yeah. Great. Apparently. It's fucking... And then, uh, just a bit of a comparison here. I remember the Reavers turning up in Firefly. I was thinking of yes. the exact that's same so, thing. That feels so big because the camera zoomed in and then Panzer goes, oh, fuck. Whereas yep, the camera yeah. in, 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 in uh, Rise of Skywalker is already static and then they just sort of fill the screen and they're already too small to make it look seem really big. And the horses... Um, not horses. <laughs> two, two, two last points to make and then I'll, and then I'll try and... Put oh, God, there are shit. horses in Rise of Skywalker as well. Yeah. <laughs> There are horses what? and they fly now. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the, the, the ships can't go up, even though they were raised up by, you know, Palpatine, unless there's a little signal. No, right. No, stick, Matthew, stay on track. Stay on target. So two last points. Two last points. The Knights of Ren. Now, oh, admittedly, God. They weren't in Last Jedi. And I was disappointed because I wanted to know where it was. Goodbye. Me too. The immediacy of the story, they weren't there. Okay, fine. I, I disappointed, but I get it. Now bring me these boys. Bring me whatever these things are. They could be so much. And the the way the way they do it in the movie is 
They go marching down a corridor once, you know, Kylo Ren's got his helmet back. Dum, ba -dum, ba -dum, ba -dum, ba -dum. Just marching around at high speed. You know, it's like <laughs> a bunch of fucking corporate managers and, you know, running around together. So, like, oh, and one fucking stormtrooper says to another, Knights of Ren. And the other one says, cool. I'm like, this is shit. Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck off. You shit. It might as well be fucking Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> Radical dude, have you Whoa. heard of the Knights of Ren? I can't be waiting uh, to be when I grow up. Um, I appreciate. I heard they can eat a hundred chili dogs. <laughs> the the Jenny Nicholson video that came out before Rise of Skywalker. I, I did after I wrote my pitch. Yes, I'll, I'll make that very um, Where it's where it's uh, <laughs> oh, her actually, theories about theories, who yeah. who or what the Knights of Ren are. Yes, uh, yeah, and I love I do love some of them. Like the idea that there's only two of them. Yes, it's like yeah, they're plural. They're Knights plural technically. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, all it's, ladies. A, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's a star. It's a lightsaber form that that Kylo Ren has mastered. Yes, he is the Knights of Ren because he's mastered the Knight yes. of Ren. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and they do nothing, and they're just killed off, and they stand on a plinth in the middle of the desert, and then they tail someone in the ship which has smoke coming out of it. It's like what the fuck? People who have a problem yeah. with like, oh, bombers in space don't work. Like that. There's no gravity. It's like, well, if you're fine with the sound in space, you're fine with the fucking gravity in space. Mm -hmm. And secondly... Yeah. If you're about to question the physics of Star Wars, yeah, I got some you. real fucking problems <laughs> yeah. for you, ladies and gentlemen. Are you okay with the cool-looking dark ship with the smoke coming out? You know how all the ships bank in space? <laughs> nope. None of that shit Not happens. There's no air for them to bank against. Nope. Ship, spaceships don't work how they would in real life in Star Wars. It's it makes no fights. sense. Yeah. Nope. None of that makes sense. And the last thing They're I want to say like this is Ghost Luke. Um, Ghost Luke is a problem. Now, I hate Force Ghosts, but I know they're kind of important <laughs> to the story. It's, it's, fucking, it's a fucking silly thing to bring back. Yeah, and, and he didn't come back and saying, a Jedi's weapon is... Blah, 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 blah. I, and he, he does kind of say the same thing he said in the previous one. I was wrong. I shouldn't have done this. I made a mistake. I'm dead now. I can catch things with my hands. <laughs> I understand. And you know what? I learned that in death. And it's like... Yeah, we know. We, we saw the end of the last film. We get it. <laughs> Fucking idiot. We know that. Yeah. And uh, everything that uh, I said previously, just don't worry about that too much. I was like, okay, don't get until too far with this one. And here's my ship. Ba -ba -ba -ba, rise out the ground. And then everyone's like, well, you couldn't... Like, wasn't that why you couldn't do that in the first place to go and actually face down mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yep. Kylo specifically because the ship was fucked? No. No, it wasn't. Um... Ghost Luke fucks me off. And also it fucks me off because it's not just... I have a problem with like Ghost Yoda as well. And I have Force Because Force Ghosts make me upset because... You was the Force, Luke. Oh, just a voice. The fuck? I thought you were gone. Oh, he's still here somehow. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Only I can hear him. Great. Second one. Go to Dagobah, Luke. Jesus Christ, Ben. Is this a hallucination? And then he's on the planet. And the third one is the worst one. The most egregious where he sits down on a log. I'm like, how are you sitting, ghost? <laughs> and he says, what I told you is true from a certain point of view. Fuck you, you gaslighting, <laughs> lie, lying ben. piece of shit. A certain point of view? Yeah, fuck off, you absolute <laughs> dog whistle. And so, essentially, you have all this stuff going on, and then Yoda comes out and summons Force Light into say, she's got the books and you don't know. <laughs> the street, the secret Jedi texts. Yeah, she's got them, but I'm not going to tell you that. Donk, I'll hit you on the head with my stick. It's like, wait, so this Force Ghost can interact with things in person? And in the end of it, you can see like the force ghost of uh, whichever version of Anakin you happen to be watching in the in in, in, in <laughs> Jedi and Obi Wan and Yoda. Like, yeah, okay. 
So you can come back? Yes. So what's the point of being alive then? If you have just as many powers as being dead mm -hmm. and you can summon force lightning and, and regular lightning and you can catch lightsabers and you can rise ships out of the ground, what's the fucking point of you? And more importantly, why aren't you helping more? You're like the ghost army in, in Lord of the Rings. You have to be released of your bond. Otherwise, they're really fucking useful in a pinch and you can <laughs> use them all the fucking time. It's a ghost army. I, I hate force ghosts so much. But then equally, it's a fantasy. Wizards and ghosts and maidens mm. and princesses and journeys and quests and dragons and oh my. Cool. But it's never been cleverly done, really. And that unfortunately is canon. That unfortunately is now a thing. And Luke coming back for basically two scenes. One to say, well, you should do this now. And the other one to just stand there with a dead-ass Leia, um, which feels more disrespectful because she was absolutely character was dead at the time. They resurrect her just to do some really ropey scenes that nobody enjoys to have her just try oh. and flop around. And, and they they, fum they fumble the fucking dialogue around the lines mm. that they had. Not from The Last Jedi, hey, Snad. Mm. They, he, Abrams does a Snyder where he does like, I'm not using his footage. So stupid. I refuse to use his footage, which makes way more sense. Abrams goes, I'm going to take some of the edited and deleted scenes from The Force Awakens and Jimmy these fucking sentences. So like, Ray has to go, blah, 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 blah. And then she goes, nothing's impossible. And Ray replies, nothing's impossible. Like, Wes, what? Yeah. Why would you? No, what? Oh, you're writing sentences around answers and like brief snippets that you have from five fucking years ago. Yeah. Ugh. And, and again, Ugh. that is a fucking awful place to be in where you've, got someone you have formed a friendship with and they died. There are so many better ways to handle that. And then on top of all of this bullshit, Leia sacrifices herself so that she can momentarily distract Kylo Ren and gave up her <laughs> Jedi training because she knew eventually at the end of her journey, oh, Kylo such... would die. Oh my God, I hate that part so much. I'd forgotten about it. And then mm -hmm. Kylo's moment like, what have I done? Ray killed me, but then sort of healed me. Oh, I, what have I... Mm, I will now talk to my dad in my head and get him to say, it's okay, son. I know. Look, do you get it? I love you. I know. Yeah, that's my thing. It's like, yeah, but that's, that's a murderer being forgiven by his subconscious. <laughs> that's not a force ghost. That's just his opinion. It's like the she's turning and saying, I get... Uh, that is the prime example of he would want you to have this. You know what? <laughs> My dad would be proud of me. It's like, I'm pretty sure he'd be a grumpy cantankerous shit. <laughs> and uh, again, uh, um, it's very, very problematic as a movie in terms of how bad the storytelling is in how little it actually says and trades yep. all manner of visual spectacle because it might be a cool shot. And that's all that matters. And uh, just like baiting you. Oh shit, C-3PO might lose all of his memories. Oh shit, Chewbacca's dead. Oh, C-3PO, he, he sacrificed himself and then he's like, oh no, wait, everything's fine. <laughs> Fucking everything. And the more I think about the movie, the more problems it has. Same, same. Yeah. So, guess we should probably fix it, right, Jeff? We should fix this. Today's episode is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Funnily enough, just like we've been doing, all of the ads you've heard on this show recently throughout season eight, and even before then, have been through Podgo. They're fantastic to work with, and they give you a flat rate for the ad space 
on your show. So you always get a flat rate for the ad space and you know how much you're going to get if you include an ad from Podgo in your show. You can apply today and become a member and immediately get connected with advertisers that fit your audience, just like we've been doing. That's podgo.co, spelled P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to mention the sequelizers in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application, because that helps us out a lot and that'll help you out a lot. And you can also click the link in the description and head straight there. But Jack, that's not all. We have a new sponsor going forward. Support for sequelizers is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Get 20% off and free delivery with the code SEQUEL, S-E-Q-U-E-L, at manscaped.com. Now, this is a big deal for us. It's a very cool sponsor, and we're not just shilling the product. We actually have been sent a really nice kit um, we'll probably make a video about just unboxing because it was a really nice presentation and the actual shaving tool itself is really, really cool. So time to get personal, ladies and gentlemen. From experience, I've been shaving my area since I basically had hair to shave there, basically. And now as a man who shaves his head <laughs> as well and has a beard he sculpts, it's just like all part of the same sort of thing. It's like, you know, it's yeah, I, I'm used to it. But the and it's going to sound really obvious. The skin around your testicular area and your genitals is a lot, it's just so much more sensitive. And the thing about shaving your head, for example, is that it's just skull, skin, and it's taut, and it's easy to do. And just like, done. It's not as easy with anything down there, basically below the waist, as the company say. It's, it's, it's a bit of a nightmare. And at the same time, I have had a load of incidents where I just haven't been paying the right amount of attention. And just these two thing, uh, oscillating razors like you usually use for shaving your head or, you know, whatever it is. And it just, and those teeth catching that skin is some of the most excruciating pain you can imagine. And the blood just won't stop. And it's terrifying. But the point of me describing this, this horror fest is because this product's actually really, really good. So it's, I call it, it's called the Lawnmower 3.0. It's just launched in the UK. It's available in Europe and Australia and America and lots of other places. But we finally got it over here. And that's fantastic. It's like the third generation of their trimmer. And it's got a ceramic blade. So you've got, you know, less accidents and things. You still have to go slowly. It, it does say in the, in, the, uh, in the copy, you know, this is the way you hold the product. This is the way you use the product and go slowly, be careful. And, and, and they're right. They are entirely correct. It's also a really premium product because the battery charges and lasts for up to 90 minutes. So in theory, you could watch Rashomon, the whole of Rashomon, and this thing wouldn't run out. Now, to be fair, I hope you don't have much, that much hair that you need 90 minutes to shave it all off. I will say this much as well. It is also a waterproof product, which is very cool if you're in the shower. And the second thing, this is probably the, my highlight of this whole thing. It's got an LED light, which literally lights everything up, which is horrifying, um, <laughs> but also really, really helpful. And it goes like 7,000 RPM with this sort of, you know, patented quiet stroke technology, all this sort of stuff. The charging stand comes with, with a USB charger. It's a genuinely really, really good product. And the fact it's 20% off and has free delivery, because let's face it, delivery is brutal in terms of cost sometimes when you're uh, having packages sent to you, is a really, really solid offer from Manscaped. And we're really, really happy to, um, to support them and hopefully support you guys. 
cradle yourselves, if you will. So if you've never had this kind of product before, if you have and you're looking to change something new, this is a really good opportunity. I think you should genuinely consider taking it up. So get 20% off and fleet free delivery with the code SQL at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free delivery at manscaped.com and use code SQL. Your balls will thank you. So, gentlemen, uh, as Tim had the daunting task of synopsizing nine films and skim through them. Matt had the daunting task of actually fixing this monstrosity. Yes, Matt is fixing this one, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, We've dear. teased it a couple of times earlier. Let's... Should, we, should we bring that up for a second? Sure. We've mentioned Star Wars in every single episode of this season to give you guys a sort of Inception-style mm, clue yes. that it's coming. Yeah. We've been dropping hints, so you, know you notice that we've done the whole there are connective tissues between episodes. Most of the time, that was completely done by accident. There's been some weird cast members that carry on that I, I happen to have cast this person in my pitch who was in the original film of the next one or, or whatever. There's been some weird threads that lead through this season, but we have mentioned Star Wars quite a lot. We've been hinting at it, <laughs> and now we're finally mm. here. Speaking of being finally here, we also do a little thing where we talk about Rotten Tomatoes. And for those of you who don't know Rotten Tomatoes, you might be new to the show or anything like that. Rotten Tomatoes is an interesting beast of a movie scoring system. It's known as the Tomatometer. <laughs> and basically, it's a percentage of positive reviews. So any review that is considered a 6 out of 10, or a 3 out of 5, or a 60% or higher, is considered as a positive review. Rotten Tomatoes takes all the reviews, kind of works it out and calculates it all and sees the percentage of the critical reviews and sees how what percentage of that are the positive ones that are higher than 6, 60, 3 out of 5, etc. So, gentlemen, there are nine films for us to talk about. Don't worry, we're not doing all nine. Holy shit. This, this, this just... <laughs> episode is already going to go long. You had me worried. We're not You're doing all nine. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> I've got all nine in front of me because I've got a couple of extra questions, as Tim likes to do his little dark horse moments, a little twist at the end there. Sure, sure. We'll, we'll do a full rundown of the modern trilogy, and then we'll discuss some of the other interesting numbers throughout the main nine films. I'm not talking about Rogue One. I'm not talking about Solo. We touched on Solo before, focusing on the nine films, but now we're going to really focus on the three modern trilogy. Tim, I'm going to come to you first. What do you think 2015's The Force Awakens has scored on Rotten Tomatoes? 91%. Wow. Billy Big Bollocks from Tim. I like it. <laughs> because I, I... Not that I think it's a perfect film, but I can't imagine too many people thinking that it's below a 60%. That's the key. That's the key. This is not 91% out of 100%. This is 91% of people think it's six or better. That yeah. is the key, and that is the twist of the tomatometer. <laughs> Matthew? Um, I think higher. Whoa. I think, I think it was one of those things that... I, I retract like, my Billy Big Bollocks and reassign it to you, <laughs> sir. Behold my bollocks, you piece of shit. Yeah, no, I, I think, um, I genuinely think it was one of those examples of it kind of unified everybody. It made, what, two plus billion dollars. It's exactly, I think, 90, 95. Wow, 95%. Moving on to 
The Last Jedi from 2017. <laughs> Tim, any ideas? I'm torn because, to my mind, I think most critics, when I think of a film critic, Hello. I think of someone who is going to respect the ambition that that Star Wars has, that Last Jedi has. You're looking at one However, right there on this Zoom call right now. <laughs> yeah. However, there, what Rotten Tomatoes calls a critic. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Their bar is a lot lower you than mine. You can just be and a so blogger and apply for it. And sometimes you get in, sometimes yeah. you don't. I can imagine there's going to be a lot of people out there who have a blog that didn't like Last Jedi, which is a perfectly reasonable you know, thing, but that, that are pulling the overall score down. I think if it was just considering, if it was kind of Metacritic and it was just mm. looking at people who were like published in newspapers, I think the number would be even higher than Force Awakens. But I think, mm. I think I'm going to say like 83. Okay. Matthew. As a critic and a man who has reviewed this film yourself, yes. What do you reckon? <clears throat> I, I actually, I, I, I entirely understand where Tim's coming from. I agree with him, but I also think the numbers are going to be too small because even then, the any anyone with a critical mind, I think will out outnumber the others. I think it's still going to be nineties. Wow. I think ninety. What did you say for Force Awakens? Ninety one, ninety two, ninety one. I said ninety one. Let's go with ninety one then, please. And finally. The film Matthew Stockton is about to fix for the season finale of Sequelizers. Episode 9, Rise of Skywalker. Piece of shit. I mean, <laughs> agreed, yeah. I, th I think this is still going to be worryingly oh. high. Because I think there's going to be a lot of people who are the like... Apologists. The purists. Not necessarily even apologists. I think there's just going to be a lot of people the who... If they thought the, f the first two were like four or five stars, are going to drop this down to a three star. And give it a qualified recommendation. Again, pl playing the Rotten Tomatoes game there, Tim. It's not. It's, that's a clever game yeah. to play, sir. Which is technically so Yeah. I'm gonna put this at about. I'm gonna say like a seventy-five percent. Wow. Um, you're you're describing a world majority... where Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker is higher than both of the Good Blade films. I know I bring it up every time. <laughs> I know it's. I know it's old hat at this point, but I'm not over it. All right, I'm not over it. Neither should you. That is, no, yeah, it's to carry that grudge to your I grave, will. Matthew. Mm. Now, as as we said before, uh, I should we mention this off air? I didn't mention thing. My reviews went five out of five, four out of five, and then three out of five. If I was to re if I was to reassess and rewrite my reviews, Skywalker would fall a lot further to a two out of five, um, maybe a one, but probably a two. Um, so I would be part of that qualifying thing that Tim mentioned that, that would have considered a positive review. Yep. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think it's going to be enough numbers wise. I think we're looking at more like fifty-five or sixty. So I'm going to say, let's split the hairs. Fifty-seven, please. Fifty-seven percent. Mm, I think so. Interesting. Interesting. Needless to say, we'll get into audience scores in a moment because, as you can imagine, that paints a very I'll interesting picture. It's going to be depressing as fuck. I'm not going to lie. Tim, for Force Awakens, you said 91. Matt, you said 95. Yeah. No points. It's 93. Bang in the middle. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. God's sake. We need to learn to stop. Like, if one does even, the other person has to do <laughs> I think that's, that's got to be a thing. Next up, we go to 
The Last Jedi. Matt, you said 91. Tim, you said 83. Matt, you are 1% off. It is, in fact, a 90% on the tomato meter. I'm okay. I'm happy with that. That pleases me. I don't want to know the audience reaction. Let's just keep going. (laughs) We'll get to that. Don't you worry. And last of the three, The Rise of Skywalker from 2019. Matt, you've got two Mm. points, sir. You are the winner of this round. Really? It's a 51% on the tomato meter. That is a crash. That must be like one of the lowest scoring mainline. No. Yeah, it must be one of the lowest mainline scoring. Oh, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. We now, will right? talk about that in a moment, Mr. Stogden. Bear with me. Bear with me. Exciting. I've got exciting. all nine in front of me. We'll talk about this. Of course you do. Of course you do. <laughs> Audience scores, ready to get depressed. Force yeah. Awakens, 86%. Cool. Really? No problem there. Okay, whatever. I'm a bit surprised. The Last Jedi, mm. 42%. Oh, get Holy get shit. in the bin. And are you ready that, I mean, to be... a lot of that is... Review bombing shit. That is that 100% re- review bombing shit. And the opposite of that, for The Rise of Skywalker, do you remember what The Force Awakens was? Yeah, it was 86%. So is Rise of Skywalker. What? That's categorically wrong. From more than 50,000 reviews, it's from 86% people. on Rotten Tomatoes That's from an audience shocking. perspective. I just, I, I just want to... like. I hope that our listening audience are not the kind of people who would ever review bomb things. I hope not. But just if you if you are considering doing that, just think about your life and what you're doing with your time and how it could be better spent. The company's made all the money. It doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> you saying, "Oh, it's terrible." That will show them. You're not showing anybody. Uh, the the what's it called? The Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. It's gonna make all the fucking money. Yep. Yeah. You're not making an impact, son. And then you go around saying, oh, Mandalorian, that's my fucking Star Wars. Great. It still goes in the same back pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. So my final question, like I said, we're not going through all nine, but Matt, you, sure, hint, sure, you sure, hinted sure. at it earlier. With 51% Ooh. on the critical tomatometer, the rise of Skywalker, it's a two-part question. With 51%, do you think that is the lowest scoring of the nine mainline films? Oh. And if you think it's not, what do you think is lower? Any ideas, gentlemen? I mean, we were just kind of discussing this off air. I feel like Attack yeah. of the Clones has to be lower. Okay. But I agree. Some people some people view it as an improvement over Phantom Menace. Really? Well, I suppose at the time especially, yeah, it would have been very mixed yeah. messages kind of thing and confusing. So I I, I okay, here's here's my gut reaction. I think episode two is the worst of them. Mm-hmm. Attack of the Clones is the worst movie. But it did end in a big old battle with lots of robots, and it was all CGI in 2002, and that impressed some critics who thought, wow, that's a spectacle. And for some people, that's yeah. all the spectacle is all that matters. And it wasn't just like, after the bitter taste of the, of the Phantom Menace, that slight disappointment, oh, it's not, I'm not 12 again, that kind of thing. Mm. So I, I, I feel like it should be Attack of the Clones is the lowest. And then maybe Rise of Skywalker, and then maybe Phantom Menace. Attack of the Clones is the worst, for the record, from from my yeah, almost, perspective. Yeah, sure. I feel I feel like around the time of Attack of the Clones, there was a lot of discussion of like, oh, well, they're actually for kids, aren't they? That's right. There's which, a space was which for kids, is the Patrick Willems thing, yeah. Yeah, which is true. Partly. Like they they should they should be for children. They should be suitable for children, and children and young people should, should still be, be the the prime audience, mm. and who who they are made for. 
doesn't mean they can be fucking bad. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Saying something's for kids is not an excuse to Make for it, it to be bad. I, I agree one hundred percent. Okay, here's the thing: with fifty one percent, it was fifty one. It is fifty one, correct? It's got to be the lowest. It's it's got to be the lowest. It has to be. If it isn't, it's episode two. But I'm going to say it is the lowest. Tim, what do you reckon? Final answers from you. I I think Attack of the Clones has to be lower. And it, and it will. I think Attack of the Clones kind is worse. Of make me personally. Yeah, Attack of the Clones is worse. As Matt, Matt was saying, saying earlier, <laughs> the production value, at least on Rise of Skywalker, it still looks good because it's sure. a modern Star Wars film, sure. and it's got over. It's there's a bit more stuff that's that camera moves really there. <laughs> the cat, yeah. Um, the direction is competent. Um, I don't know if the dialogue is much better than George Lucas's, but at least it's not trying to. At least it's not trying to have a central love story in the same way that fucking Attack of the Clones does. Mm. Sand. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel like Attack of the Clones has got to be lower. There is one other Star Wars film that is one percent away from Rise of Skywalker. This is the mainline nine, is it? This is mainline nine. The other one mm. that is one percent away from it is Episode One. With fifty-two percent, Rise of Skywalker is the lowest on the tomatometer of all nine wait, mainline wait, wait. films. Wow! Wait, so, what? You heard me. You heard me. Where is Attack of the Rise Clones? of Skywalker yeah. with fifty-one percent is the lowest of all nine, followed by Episode One: The Phantom Menace with fifty-two, followed by. Let mm -hmm. me just double check. Let me just double check. Return of the Jedi. No, thank God. Um, <laughs> Attack of the Clones <laughs> has a sixty-five percent. Oh fuck! On the me. tomatometer, I fuck think Tim right off. Like, it's for kids bullshit. God damn, man! It's for kids bullshit. Yep. Then you have eighty percent for Episode Three. Once again, Ooh, fuck off. I mean, I, I, I understand why they got it there, it's, but I don't agree. More like yeah. a seventy or sixty, but sure. I re I remember yep. at the time there was a lot of people going. It's so much better than the other and, two. Yeah, I was one of them. It yeah, is. It's like it is. Not good though. But yeah. Two percent higher at eighty-two percent is Return of the Jedi. Then we go ninety-two percent with Star Wars Episode Four and You Hope, or just Star Wars from nineteen seventy seven. And lastly, mm -hmm. of course, the highest scoring ninety-four percent for Empire Strikes Back. Isn't that interesting? Makes sense. Yeah, again, you wonder who are the who are the six percent of people who are like, nah, oh, two out of five. I, I yeah, I mean, again, it, it comes down to both at the time saying, oh, this is all just big trashy nonsense, and people who then go, oh, I watched Star Wars for the first time in two thousand and fifteen. You know what? Overrated, and that's fine because some people, and as much as we say, how could you say such a thing? It could also be like I'm saying to you, like, no, Seven Samurai is a fucking masterpiece of a film, and some watch go, it's black and white mm. boring, mate. I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, but that's, these are meant to be film critics. That's, as the, well. that's the problem. That's why everything. <laughs> is, all opinions are valid, but they're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because these are supposedly informed opinions. Mm. There should be yeah. structural arguments as so, to what to back up your evidence of your number. It shouldn't just be like a case of like I just feel like this. So, Rotten Tomatoes out of the way. The intro discussion is out of the way. You have the floor, Mister Stockton. Hi, everybody. I'm going to fix no the Star pressure. War. Yeah, and okay, I'm going to give a caveat. We're not going to come back to it. Just going to tell you, right? Okay. 
If I had pitched to you The Force Awakens and everyone said, uh, hang on a minute, that doesn't track with Mara Jade and all my understanding of the canon, <laughs> fuck off. If I was to say, I'm going to pitch to... The, I mean, I wouldn't. I, would, I like to get myself a little higher as a writer than that. But if I was to pitch Rise of Skywalker, it's like, well, hang on, I read in a comic once that that uh, Poe Dameron had this whole spy If it doesn't happen on screen, I don't care. Now, I might be referencing things from canon. I might not. Who knows? I'm going to try and do something that this film needed to do. And this is why I'm very scared of this pitch. Um... I'm worried about Tim's reaction. I'm worried about Jack's reaction. And listeners, I'm worried about your reaction. So the listeners don't give a shit. About, nah, fuck that. You know, what, what terrifies me is I am terrified I've done a Ryan Johnson by doing the right thing. But I'd like to think I've done the right thing in an entertaining way that isn't a kick, complete kick in the balls. I, I've tried to essentially answer as many of the important questions as possible, keep the narrative moving forward, keep give you answers to things at the same time as setting like revealing truths and journeys and explorations and try and do the biggest space thing I could as the biggest space epic that I could think of effectively with literally ghosts and politics and wizards and all kinds of <laughs> shit literally everything going and a war everything I can go on with I've got Ryan Johnson saying I've got to get that fucking mask off him so I can have Adam's acting because Adam's an amazing actor I've got JJ uh, J. Abrams saying this mask is branding I need to have a synergy with that. I need to have something cohesive. And I've tried to produce that. That's my caveat. That's my opening sentence. That's my opening statement. I'll take questions at the end. <laughs> the release here is 2019. We, Makes sense. We need this out before Fair, the pandemic. Fairly unavoidable, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. My returning cast is the ensemble cast of Star Wars. We'll just go through who they are as when they turn up because that's Star Wars for you. The, the <laughs> ones that come back are Star Wars people. Yeah. Okay. My director is Deborah Chow. And everyone's going to say, Oh. In the same way if I said, My director is Ryan Johnson. Is. Who? Deborah Chow <laughs> is mostly known for TV direction. And if you don't know her in Star Wars, you fucking will soon. Um, she yeah. directed like, episodes of Mr. Robot and Fear the Walking Dead and things like that. She did two of the best episodes of the first season of The Mandalorian. And she's the one helming the entire Obi-Wan Kenobi series because she fucking knocked out of the park. And I'm like, give her a fucking... Give her the movie. It's a woman of colour. It is something this story needs as a different perspective. Something new, something different. If you're like, oh, Colin Trevorrow. No, no, no. Let's do this. Let's, let's you know, not... I've thought about, you know, pulling in people who might be familiar, people who might do things, but I thought, no, no, no. We know retrospectively she can do this with with, you know, the Mandalorian stuff. I know it's a small scale, but then if I'd have said, oh, we're going to bring in Ryan Johnson, the guy behind Brick and Looper to do a big Star Wars, I'm, going, mm, I'm not sure about that. So, yeah, that, that's, my, that's my... She also uh, did some Jessica Jones stuff. Um, she also mm -hmm, did mm -hmm. an episode of Better Call Saul, nice. which is an immaculately directed show and, and really fantastic. Man of the High Castle, Agreed. American Gods, and as you mentioned, uh, episode three and episode seven, so chapter three and chapter seven of The Mandalorian, oh, yeah. which are, as you said, two of the best episodes of that first season. So mm -hmm. I'm down, Matt, is what I'm trying to say. You, you just listed the director of some of my <laughs> favorite episodes of TV of the last five years. So yeah, sign me up. <laughs> well, th this is this is my hope, because the Star Wars, you know, the directors are always interesting ones. Like, 
who are you pulling for this? It's like, it's not the people you think. Um, okay. Next up is my title. Changing it because The Rise of Skywalker is really fucking annoying. Rise of the Skywalker is what I kept saying with the release and thought that makes sense, but isn't the right title. What's The Rise of Skywalker mean? Very irritating. Yeah, it's clunky. I have done the opening crawl thing that was sort of referenced earlier, but not. This was something that fans thought as a title, and I thought, you know what, that actually works quite well. Initially, it was the idea of like, hang on, The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, oh, the next thing's going to be to restore balance, because it's going to be a sentence. And I thought, actually, that's quite cool. I, I don't dislike that, but Star Wars to restore <laughs> balance doesn't sound great on its own, so maybe not. No. So I've no. taken the other thing that people thought it was going to be, and I've called it Star Wars, Episode Nine. Ashes of the Empire. I think it oh, cool. cool. That makes sense. Yep. So eventually cool. the Sounds opening paragraph of the Force Awakens opening title crawl has all of the titles in there. You just didn't realize. Kind of. Nice. Yeah. Uh, for, for a refresher, if anyone wants to, a reminder of it, um, it was Luke Skywalker has vanished in his absence. The Sinister First Order has risen from the ashes of the Empire and will not rest until Skywalker, the last Jedi, has been destroyed. And it's like, oh, that's just, you know, a little bit of cohesion, a bit of things there. Right, new cast. Um, this is going to sound like only a handful for a reason, because I had a lot of fucking people to juggle. I didn't need to be yeah. bringing in tons of new people. Yeah. Yep. Like we said, it, the, the original Rise of Skywalker introduces a bunch of new characters mm -hmm. for no reason, so I think keeping it slim makes sense. Here we go. Lando, <laughs> Billy D. Williams. Oh, thank um, God! Okay. So yeah, Lando's in the movie. Yeah, he's in the, he's in the film. Um, he's from The Empire Strikes Back and Batman and the <laughs> Lego Movie. So he's returning for my film specifically. That makes complete sense. There's no problem with that at all. Okay, Aplek Kuruk Ushar Trugan Vikral and Cardo are the six names of the, the six Knights of Ren. Knights of Ren. Yeah. I have given them actual people. <laughs> there are people in the suits. And you may be very surprised who I've cast because there are lots of theories about the Knights of Ren, about who is what and who plays what and where they're from. And as Tim mentioned, the Jenny Nicholson video of like guessing what they could might be. It's like you can't really mm. tell. You can just about tell they're all male, unfortunately. So I was trying to make them like a bit of a gender bender kind of thing. Um, but you don't get anything in terms of ethnicity or age or race or anything nope um as an alien race species, there was so yeah there's reason i had some recognition there because they are the quote unquote canon names from the visual dictionary and stuff like that that are given to the knights of ren yes. this is not matt giving them names this is them this is you giving them character <laughs> there's that, a difference that is entirely thank you Jake. <laughs> that's perfect yes exactly right i've taken what is apparently their names and i i, I will probably do a thing in the show notes where i'm like we'll have a single image of the different ones that look a different way with their weapons <laughs> and the names underneath because I had to have that on hand when I was writing this fucker to keep track of who the so-and-so shoots on the way that guy doesn't have a gun he has a big axe oh shit yeah it, exactly right yeah that's exactly it yeah Applek Richard E. Grant ah famous oh, action star line. Richard E. Grant yep Corpse Bride can you ever forgive me uh, he goes on to be in, in uh, everybody's talking about Jamie coming out soon and obviously he was in Rise of Skywalker um, you may suddenly say, wait, wait, the old man is, is one of the Knights of Ren? Yes. Yes, he is. Okay. Kuruk. Lance Reddick. Oh, 
Yes, love me some Lance Reddick. If if people think, who's he? You know when you fucking hear his voice. He's in The (laughs) Wire and The Guest. He's in John Wick. He's in One Night in Miami and Godzilla vs. Kong very briefly. He's in Horizon Zero Dawn. He's just just the most amazing voice and the presence of an actor. He's just so fucking cool. Um, Another old man. Interesting, interesting. Usha has been played by Ranveer Singh. Who is our first not Uh-oh. old man? He's only like thirty-five. We're going, we're going Bollywood here, Matthew, aren't we? We're going Bollywood. <laughs> yeah, he's in uh, fucking new Masani and Padmavat and all sorts of things. He's a very cool, fucking guy. He is, he's a very awesome-looking guy. He's hench. Is he in Bahubali? Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> I was worried you were just raiding no. the um, the uh, actors from Bahubali again. The, the old, the old chest of my tried and true no i love everyone in that film i want everyone to be there but no he he's he's specifically really good in padmavad because he plays a basically this evil king and i love that just that just the physicality of his look he again he is a really big hench dude giant beard long hair i think in the star wars universe he would look great and again against these older guys as well him being the only one who is the same age arguably as kylo ren's character is is the thing but we'll come back to why he's that age Trudgen, Hiroyuki Sanada, who I love the fuck out of. Yep. <laughs> I put him as many things as I can. We all love the fuck out of. Yeah. He is in The Last Samurai and Life, and he was in Avengers Endgame. He's in Mortal Kombat as Scorpion. He is in a film called Mortal Message from Kombat. Space, which is, or was known mm. as, the Japanese Star Wars. It's, it's a fucking weird film about... <laughs> orbs and all kinds of nonsense but it's basically he's very 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 young and it was one of his first films but it's the whole like i feel it's fitting to put him in a star wars and i, I he's he's just magnificent so he, he'll fit in here nicely vicarol tony lang uh tony lang uh, sorry lang is um he's just an amazing chinese actor he's in in the mood for love infernal affairs Redcliffe, grandmaster he will be the mandarin in shang chi and the legend of the ten rings yeah. he has such a fucking yes. presence he's so cool and again, this is what I want all these people to be. I want the Knights of Ren to be these really powerhouse actors who can just stand there, give you a look, and be terrifying. In other words, I'm looking for other Adam Drivers. And while he's like, Trader! More! More! And I want these people to be calm and stoic and just literally the, the, the calm force behind the madness, as it were. Mm, you know? Yeah. So, the last on the list as Cardo is Cliff Curtis. The man who's played ah, fucking everybody. I love Cliff Curtis. Yeah. Train Day, Sunshine, The Meg, Doctor Sleep, he's gone to be an Avatar too. So I brought in some people who are going to be like, when they take the helmets off, they're like, oh shit! And even if you don't know who they are, you will fucking know after this movie kind of thing. I want to basically create <laughs> yeah. people's new favourite actors so effectively. So these Knights of Ren aren't just these immense powerhouse like visuals of who they are, but they needed to be people who could perform you know, when they put the helmets on, they're doing all the fucking stunt work. Who, who the fucking cares who's in the suit? It's just, it's the same thing about all acting, you know? Uh, CGI head replacement for Christopher Lee to do his fucking Saruman and, um, and Dooku stuff. But when they're acting, I want them to be there. I want them to be a presence. Mm. So that is literally my new cast. That's it. I've just, Knights of Ren and Lando. Nice. I think that's a very smart decision. <laughs> yeah. And it was hard enough trying to keep everybody on tabs. At one point, I had to go... I was telling Jack about this the other day, about how I had two versions of the script. I was like, this is too long. And uh, spoilers for the next little while, it's too long. But it was a case of just saying, 
I can't not talk about this character because the fans will say, oh, well, why didn't you include this person? That's my thing. Do you have initial questions before we start this marathon pitch? I will say, I briefly thought when you were saying the list of names, I thought that was one character's big long name. <laughs> like, hello, <laughs> yes, this is Aplet Karuk, Ashar, Trudgeon, Vikral, Caro, hmm. better known as Aplek. Yeah. <laughs> Played by... I mean, that would be very Star Wars of me. I, I had the same yeah. reaction, Tim, and then I remembered the names of the Knights of Ren in canon. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Then I have never bothered to learn the names of the Knights of Ren. You have chosen wisely. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, in that case, then, gentlemen, ba -ba -ba -dam, Star Wars and shit. Okay. Here is the title crawl for Ashes of the Empire. It is a time of cruelty. A time of desperation. The Resistance's noble stand against the First Order sent shockwaves through the galaxy, but the end draws near. With the death of their leader, General Leia Organa, we'll come back to that in a second, the Resistance knows the odds are not in their favour, but emissaries are en route to rally an almighty allied armada. Yet all the while, under the Shroud of Darkness, Supreme Leader Kylo Ren and his knights have been overseeing a mass construction effort which threatens to wipe out opposition once and for all. Leia's dead. We start off, she's dead. That's it. I'm not going to try and wrangle it in. I'm not doing flashback stuff. I'm not doing Unfortunately, like Carrie Fish has passed away in real life, yeah. so it, it, it does wanna, make sense. Yeah. And I think it also sets the tone for the start of this movie, where it's a sense of, we got hammered on, on crate, and we just about got out of there. The universe is starting to feel something, and we've lost our leader. What the fuck do we do now? Where do we go? We're adrift. And that's the, that, That's where we start. That's where we pick up, you know. The camera pans down from an empty star field, because it's star, fucking Star Wars, as a small craft speeds toward a nearby planet. As the ship lands on the surface, a young Ben Solo exits the vessel and cautiously steps out into the howling wind and lashing rain. He turns back to the craft and barks an order at the fellow passenger to come out. As Usha, so Ranveer Singh, holds a hand up to shield himself from the inclement weather, a gruff voice echoes through their heads, congratulating Ben on finding his way. Both young men ignite their blue lightsabers as Ben shouts into the storm for the man to show himself. In a flash of lightning, five masked individuals surround the two youths, their weapons at the ready. A sixth individual steps forward. That's sixth, not Sith, necessarily. <laughs> Maybe he is a Sith individual. We haven't got that far yet. Steps forward and asks why he and his knights shouldn't kill the young Jedi apprentices. Ben sneers that he is no Jedi, and he has burned their temple. The leader of the group introduces himself as Ren, and while he admires the strong dark side presence in the boy, he must know for sure. In that moment, one of the knights fires his weapon, but Ben is able to catch the laser blast in the air momentarily before deflecting it. Like he does in the first film, mm. and it's very cool. Another knight moves to Ushar and holds him hostage, but Ben shrugs, clearly oblivious if his companion lives or dies. Ren laughs before clapping his hands, then removing his helmet. Ben is momentarily repulsed by the man's hideous, scarred visage. Ke uh, Ren simply smiles and states that they will bring the galaxy to its knees, dubbing Solo Kylo of Ren. I'm going to point this out right now. Ren is Snoke. Ah. Now that's not canon. That's going to fuck off a lot of people. 
It's not a thing, <laughs> but I needed a thing to make sense, and we'll make more of a sense of it later. But as this helmet comes off, it's like, oh, I'm Ren. I'm the one who controls this group. And it's like, Psh, and it's like, hello, it's me, Andy Circus. And it's like, ugh, your face is all fucked up. He ain't a clone. He's a dude. Presumably a very big dude. A giant. Have dude. you or are you aware of the comics that tell of the origin story of the Knights of Ren and how Ben Solo goes through and all that kind of bullshit? I'm familiar that there is one. I haven't read it. I don't care. <laughs> this Excellent. is my prime example. Okay, of, cool, cool. I know there's a dude called Ren and I know he's like this mass dude mm-hmm. and he's like, I get all that shit and that's cool. But as I said earlier, for the purpose of linking all this up, Snoke has to be someone and Ren was someone. I am the yep. Weaver. <laughs> I'm going to just merge those <laughs> cool. two. Yeah, yeah. So immediately, with that. And, and, and again, that's, that's why I said that in terms of like fixing the scene. In the present, a bearded, oh, yes, please, bearded supreme <laughs> leader, Kylo Ren, and the six knights of Ren are marching through the streets of Coruscant toward a landing platform. Kylo orders the knights to make an example across the galaxy by rounding up and executing anyone they sense the force within. He adds that he wants the construction of his latest project finished by the time he returns. Kurek says it will be done, but inquires where their leader is heading. He simply responds that he must face one last obstacle before taking a seat as ruler of the galaxy. With that, Kylo boards his vessel. We are then treated to a montage of people being rounded up across the galaxy and brought to Coruscant. Several alien races are marched in a line to a gruesome laser guillotine platform. Jesus, Matthew Christ. That has been erected in the centre of the city. Certain captives struggle and fight back, but are killed. A young Togruta... Togruta is the species that Ahsoka Tano is, if uh, listeners out there Mm -hmm. aren't aware. Is led to the plinth, and as the blade falls, we cut away to stars. It needs to be dark. It needs to be awful. Because I think one of the things that I always maintain with regards to Phantom Menace is the whole, like, the death camps is awful. The toll of death is awful. It's like, it doesn't feel like it. It feels like you guys are just in a room. <laughs> Show me that it's bad. Show me that it's actually something that needs to be liberated. Anyway, so it's a very dark time. As the opening crawl says. On a verdant world, delegates from several systems are sat in an ancient amphitheater. In the columns behind the stage, Chewbacca is roaring and searching frantically. C-3PO and R2-D2 were in tow, 3PO bickering with R2 about the importance of the speech, and as a protocol droid, schooled in so many forms of communication, he should have written the speech. Bursting through the door to a small room, Chewbacca wails, but is calmed by an old friend, Lando Calrissian. He explains the man is just nervous, but he's got this, and to go take his place in the audience. Chewie and the droids reluctantly leave, and Lando turns to Poe Dameron and murmurs, You have got this, right? Poe flashes a smile and marches towards the stage. The crowd is far from welcoming, but Poe manages to stir them round with a passionate speech about the loss of Leia, but the strength of the fire of resistance. Poe expounds that they must unite and strike back at the First Order, but this isn't a battle on some distant solitary world. It is the fight for the soul of the galaxy itself. Cries of caution and concern sound out and echo throughout the theatre. Poe assuages them and says he's been a fighter all his life, that he's made some mistakes in the past, but has come to appreciate when to wait and when to strike. He adds it's time for one final pushback and believes it will only succeed if it involves everyone. Poe gestures to the Mon Calamari, who have been working tirelessly on a new class of ship, which should be hopefully be ready uh, soon, and proposes a great meeting to be held in secret to assess what kind of opposition can be mounted. 
While not completely won over, the crowd are open to trying, realizing that the First Order may be the worst incarnation of the Empire, the latest act on Coruscant being the last straw. As he leaves the stage, Lando notes to Poe that it would be much easier if they had their ace in the hole at the centre of all this. But Poe explains they can't always rely on a handful of Jedi, and this fight belongs to every citizen of every planet. But he quietly admits Lando isn't wrong. Above the planet Tython, a small ship drops out of hyperspace and heads to the surface. During the landing, we see BB-8 rolling into a groove in the floor to secure himself. Rose and Finn begin the ship's final descent before calling into the back of the craft, asking if Rey is ready. Rey lowers herself from a floating cross-legged position and quietly says, she is. Stepping out into the mountainous environment, Rose asks if Kylo Ren will be able to track her, but Rey explains that since Snoke was killed, the conduit between them is lost. Interesting, Matthew. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Rose and Finn sense the tone and realise that even if there was a connection, she would do everything she could do to sever it. The group approach the ruins of an old temple, but Rey cautions the others, saying she can sense a presence. Finn asks how long it will take to construct a new lightsaber. <laughs> what? She hasn't got one. But Rey admits she doesn't know, and the Jedi text was very vague. The key information she could gather was that Tython was the origin of the first Jedi before they set up the temple in Akto. Or Achto, how am I pronounced? Akto, yeah. Akto, thank you. The trio and BB-8 undergo a handful of Indiana Jones-esque trials and are eventually <laughs> permitted entry to the temple. This is where it goes very full on order. This is full on order think. style, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and exactly, and exactly. Rebels as well, because um, uh, yeah. uh, Kalen and uh, uh, what the fuck the kid's name? Gary Kid. Busey. Gary Busey. Little, little Gary Busey. <laughs> Fight their way through Jedi temples. I mean, it's the kind of thing where it's like, there's not going to be like some stupid fucking dagger. It's going to be literally like some cool visual like leaps bounds kind of like oh and, and also like you know rose and finn are capable but mm -hmm. ray is just very very skilled as a jedi there's a difference between the two of them yep yep on coruscant atst walkers that's, otherwise that's known chick as chicken walker motherfuckers chicken motherfuckers chicken walkers patrol the streets as the mass executions continue the various bars and shops have been boarded up with steel mesh and metal shutters in effect the entire planet is an inappropriate in effect the entire planet is an extremely oppressive police state. In a high tower, the Knights of Wren are going over the latest dispatches, improving increased production and forced recruitment to a subdued congregation of First Order officials. At that moment, General Hux slams his hands on the table and stands up. Hux, imbued with a sense of confidence and defiance for the first time, lays into the Knights, deeming them unfit to lead. Go on, Tonal. <laughs> He recounts their history of guerrilla acts of destruction over the years under Snoke and Wren, and this does not well, Snoke slash Wren. Yes, yeah. yeah. And this does not make them suitable to head up this new council, no matter what the Supreme Leader believes. Hux's oration gathers momentum and seems to be swaying the other military heads as he screams, This is not order, it's slaughter, and asks how they can hope to rule when there is no one left to serve them. Before his speech can reach its zenith, Ushar uses his mace to sweep the legs out from under Hux and brings the heavy weapon crashing down on his head. The room, understandably, is left stunned. <laughs> Aplek coldly asks if there are any more outbursts, but the room is silent and the briefing continues. It's a very nice callback to the, the Vader choking thing. Yeah. yeah. 
we have it in Rise of Skywalker where that, that guy is like, oh, it's all nonsense to get slammed to the ceiling by 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 Ren. Yeah. But I'm like, no, this has to be a one that means something. Hux has to go like it's like, oh, it was fun, Hux. He's screaming at this like, no, he's dead now. This is like, oh fuck. That's my idea anyway. Kylo Ren's shuttle arrives on the landing platform at the foot of a mighty black tower with a waterfall of lava pouring down one side. Yeah, we're going where we think. I know what this is. Yeah. Where two pillars once stood at the top of the structure, only one remains. The other cracked and lodged into the molten earth at the base of the castle. Kylo stomps down the pathway and forces open the doors. At the end of the monolith is a dark throne with a blue glowing figure slouched his head in his hands. Fuck right off, Matthew. No, I'm doing it. I'm (laughs) doing this. Kylo mocks the ghostly apparition before it raises his head, and we see young Anakin Skywalker played by Hayden Christensen. You've lost me. You've lost me. We're done. It's fine. (laughs) Needed to be done. No, it didn't. Deflated and depressed. Kylo and Anakin discuss their respective failings, with Kylo refusing to take responsibility for any of his actions. Anakin lashes out that Kylo is a boy playing a man, throwing tantrums and lashing out at everyone around him, trying to help him. Kylo hisses that the man he thought was his grandfather was just another weak pawn, and he doesn't know why he ever looked up to him. Just to clarify, is he a forced ghost? He is a forced ghost. I thought you hated forced ghosts. I hate forced ghosts, but they have to be in there. No, they don't. You're right. You make this up. Anakin comes back at the end of Return of the Jedi and just doesn't do anything. He was apparently supposed to be in um, Force Awakens behind, as in like, oh, for just started, grandfather. And he's looking at him going, oh, that's sad. It's like, yeah. no, this has to be a thing. Of all the Force ghosts to have a conversation with Kylo Ren, it has to be the one he thinks he idolizes. All it, right. All narratively. Right. But it has to be Hayden Christensen. I'm sorry. All right. We'll carry on. Anakin, in a moment of humility, admits that Kylo has inherited all the worst elements of his bloodline and fears the entire Palpatine family tree is a curse on the galaxy. Palpatine family tree? Palpatine, nope, read it. That's correct, unfortunately. Keep going. Anakin then reveals to Kylo that in death he learned that Emperor Palpatine, as Darth Sidious, manipulated the Force to create life. His life. Does make sense, heavily implied in the... uh, Mm -hmm. He essentially says it with the story of Darth Plagueis and the whole opera thing, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think that is in one comic where he goes to Tatooine and finds Shmi or something. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a yeah. It's an immaculate birth via evil force stuff. He's manipulated the force to get. So he is in fact yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Does raise the questions of like, how did you then lose track of this pregnant woman? Oh, it's Star Wars. How did you lose track of a fucking character called Skywalker in your own fucking house? Uh, and that while their corrupt blood courses through Kylo's veins, there will be no peace. Kylo immediately <laughs> takes this confirmation that he is the rightful heir to rule the galaxy, but says that where his grandfather and great-grandfather failed, he shall succeed. He adds that he will no longer be dictated to by the echoes from the past. And with a wave of his hand, Anakin's ghost disappears from the throne. Is that a wave of Sorry, Kylo's, Kylo's hand? Sorry, Kylo's just... Poof. I think dismisses him exactly, and 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 this is the kind of point with the with the force ghost stuff, um, at least in this capacity. They tend to be quite useless, and just and literally, and 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 Kylo's mm. whole journey about echoes from the past, and I'll finish what you started, isn't he? He's like now at the point where he's so egotistical, Kill it so if maniacal, you have to, all that yeah. stuff, and he's like, I don't need all you fucking old men. You all failed. I'm the fucking genius. Look around me. I'm killing everybody. And it's like, oh no, we all learned it was a terrible thing to do. 
no, it wasn't a terrible thing to do. You just didn't have the conviction to do it. That kind of mad, yeah. Mm -hmm. Storming through the ruins of the castle, Kylo unlocks a chamber and tears through parts, eventually donning a new outfit and half mask similar to Darth Malgus. As he does so, Darth his Malgus eyes is turn one of the guys yellow. from the Old Republic, by the way. Yes. As he does, his eyes turn a pallid yellow, and he mutters that he can sense Rey will come to him, and killing her will be the last word of the Jedi and the Sith. That there will only be the reign of Darth Wren. So. Oh, interesting. He has given himself the mantle of Darth Wren by. He's still doing what he's always been doing of scouring through his ancestors' stuff, saying, I'm wearing mm -hmm. your shoes, mm -hmm. I am you now. It's like, <laughs> but he's, I wanted to give that thing where he gets a mask back to be scary, but still has the face to perform. And Darth Malgus mm -hmm. is a character, as Jack mentioned, from, from Knights of the Old Republic. And it's just a very cool look. It basically have, it's, it's a bit of a bane, basically. You cover up the bottom half of the face and you have eyes and, and Kylo's hair. I think it'd be a very cool strike look. And he's got those really mm -hmm. yellow piercing eyes like in like the, full the Sith. Sith. Yeah, yeah. Entirely, entirely, and it's like, and again, he's 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 now very much gone off the fucking rails. It's like, oh, maybe he'll be like Ben Solo and kiss Ray. Fuck that! This guy <laughs> is a nutbag. Mm -hmm. Nice. I like. So he's gone from the rule of two, that is the master and apprentice, and he says, "Fuck the mm -hmm. Jedi, fuck the Sith." This is the rule mm -hmm. of one, which is essentially yeah. what Palpatine was doing without telling anybody. But he is kind it's, of fulfilling yeah. the destiny and and solidifying all of the force powers within himself, and he mm -hmm. is the the meeting of the good and the bad in the fact that he's Ben Solo as well. I like yeah, it, Matthew. Entirely, like it. yeah. And 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 the idea as well will hopefully be or what get this gets sort of conveyed to this point mm. that everything he's building been building up to all his sort of fractured, broken heroes and stuff has now been replaced by his own presence as it were his yeah. own his own mythology yeah, yeah. poe is taking a hollow call with engineers from mon calamari but is continually interrupted by c bloody 3po poe exasperated Comedy. eventually apologizes and asks 3po what he wants r2d2 whistles energetically and bashes into poe's leg with c3po adding you're quite right r2 Poe demands to know what's going on, and 3PO explains that droids make up a huge percentage of life. Oh, you're doing that, Matt. Oh, no, you're doing a solo. But I've I'm never had a say in this in. conflict, despite fighting in it. Poe is quick to dismiss their concerns, but R2 blocks his path. C-3PO continues that the clone army was formed, albeit under false pretenses, to fight a droid army, and that they can not only be of better service, but deserve a seat in the Amphitheater meeting. Finishing his argument that BB-8 has done as much as Poe did to help the Resistance cause. He's not wrong. Yeah. Poe pauses momentarily before saying, You're absolutely right. 3PO is about to launch into his next point before he stops in his tracks and says, I am. Poe doubles down and says it again, adding that they need numbers and never thought to us those toiling away side by side from the beginning. Before leaving the room, he vows to put it right, leaving 3PO a little stunned as R2 whistles with a sort of surprised tone. Yeah, exactly, yes. Fuck yeah. yeah. Communist 3PO. <laughs> it's his red arm. It's, it's oh, you beat me to it. It's the red <laughs> arm. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't want to go full on 3PO raises a hammer and a but... sickle in his red arm. <laughs> <laughs> Rose, Finn, and BB-8 are sat in an antechamber marked with a similar mosaic to the one seen on Akto. So this is the... Jedi Temple Pebble sort of thing. floor yeah. thing in the Jedi, yeah, yeah, with this ancient-looking being. 
It's better yin yang looking sort of symbol. Mm. Inside the main rotunda, Ray is meditating. We see brief flashes of her time in the cave with visions of herself spanning forward and backward toward the horizon. A voice softly whispers to her, asking if she now understands. Ray admits she, she doesn't. The multiple rays begin to disappear before an alien figure steps toward her. This will look like the alien as depicted in the, the pebbles, as it were. Mm -hmm. A yep. race we have yet to see. <clears throat> Ray asks if she's a ghost, but the creature explains she's more of a memory linked to this holy place, because fucking Star Wars and blah, 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 wibbly, wibbly. The being finally introduces herself as Jedi, the first Jedi from 25,000 years prior played by Lisa Bonet. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Jedi and Rey discuss the nature of the Force and the importance of balance, that the galaxy has been cloaked in darkness for too long and the natural flow must be restored, giving rise to a mass awakening of Force users and Force-sensitive individuals. She adds that Rey always was and always will be the corrective Force, but that the burden or the honor could have always fallen to anyone. Ah. You are no one. You are everyone. Ray reconciles that it was only down to luck that she was chosen, realizing that greatness can manifest anywhere. And Jedi smiles warmly. On Coruscant, the Knights of Ren are conflicted. Cardo and Vikral look out over the desolation being wrought upon the former capital and discuss concerns that the last time they followed an enigmatic leader who sought power, their master abandoned the mantle of Ren and became solely Snoke before sitting upon a throne, surrounded by guards and growing weak. Trojan also expresses concerns that Kylo is still young, and his short temper makes him a risk, trying to sway Ushar to his argument, as he was beaten and taken from the Jedi Temple by a young Kylo. Ushar ignores the implication and stoically stares out of the window. Kuruk lays their fears to rest by reminding his colleagues that they follow not the man, but the Wren, the wielder of the Red Blade. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Right or wrong is irrelevant. The blade cuts as the user desires. He believes any mounted opposition would be short-lived when Kylo returns at full power. Before Kurok can finish, Aplek leaps up and swings his axe into a wall panel. Pulling the blade away, a body falls out. The momentary calm is broken up when the room is set upon by a band of Bothans. Yeah! Both spies. Nice. <laughs> The knights, the knights fight mercilessly, and it's clear that despite the surprise assault, they're in no real danger. The handful of intruders left alive but beaten look up as Cardo says they will be taken away and tortured for information. Nice. Given Many Bothans die. Many Bothans die for this information. Rey and Jedi train, helping the young Jedi to hone her senses. Through this, Rey learns what true balance means and how it has been distorted over the centuries. Jedi recounts how Force users were originally taught. As she describes this tuition, we see a flashback of various species learning skills. Unlike everything seen across the previous films, there is a sense of harmony and community, rather than a militaristic drilling or overbearing religious lectures. Jedi narrates that originally a Force user only had to visit the Nine Temples of Tython and learn all sides of the Force to obtain balance. She notes that this includes dark abilities which must be understood, rather than demonised or suppressed. Yeah, Jedi, you fools. <laughs> Ray is overwhelmed by the simplicity and tranquility and wonders how it could have become so distorted. Jedi laughs and says that without the right guidance, everything can be lost in time, even a name, referring to the fact that the word Jedi is a bit of a misnomer. 
In the antechamber, BB-8 is trying to peek inside, but is scolded by Finn. In the quiet serenity of the ruin, Rose asks Finn if he loves Ray. Awkward. I'm doing a face here, listen. Finn is taken aback and reluctantly admits he doesn't know, that his feelings are more than that. He feels an overwhelming sense of urgency to protect her, something he's never felt in his life. Rose says she felt the same thing on Crate, and both sit in silence for a while. Finn then admits it's stupid to think he can protect someone as powerful as Rey, and both muse about their place in this whole conflict. Darth Wren returns to Coruscant and demands an update on construction. Vikral informs him that the various sites are ready to be powered up, and the teams are merely awaiting the order. order. Darth Wren tells... <laughs> Yep. Darth Wren tells the knights that someone once said the power to destroy a planet is insignificant next to the power of the force. See, like he just he's dismissed Anakin Invader. He's still quoting Anakin Invader, still yes. dressing yes. like Anakin Invader. Uh, and that he plans to put that theory to the test. Kurok reveals that they thwarted a small attack and have come across information of a galactic meeting of rebellious forces. Darth Wren is initially furious that anyone could get that close to them but notices his men are unscathed and that this defiance is the sort of thing that will be permanently quelled when his operation is complete. Wren then orders half of his fleet to intercept this meeting. Several Resistance cruisers are rendezvousing when a swarm of First Order ships drop out of hyperspace. Fighters scramble and an epic space battle takes place. Classic sequelizers. Cool thing happens. Not describing it here. (laughs) It's cool, trust us. General Maz Kanata, interesting, relays orders and oversees the fleet as best as possible, sending distress signals and warning the others to stay away. On the command deck of a dreadnought, Lando tries to leave the bridge, only to be stopped by his second in command, Nian Nam's back. Yeah. Yay! With his weird little fishy lips. Lando explains there's a fight to be had and the Falcon has to be at the centre of it. Nyam says that the general is too important to be acting like a reckless pilot. Lando says Numb has been hanging around too long with Poe, but agrees and sends the Celustin in his place. Celustin is the species that Nia Numb is, by the way, folks. The battle is intense. Uh, sequelizers. <laughs> with several casualties on both sides. But it's a space battle and everyone's released. There's finally a big old space battle. Um, but it is clear that the First Order getting the drop on the Resistance has paid dividends. Maz and Lando discuss a general retreat or pulling a manoeuvre similar to Admiral Holdo's, but both agree the chance of overshooting and missing the shot would be a waste of life and that would, and that would decimate their own dwindling forces too. Because obviously there's so much chaotic, sprawling stuff, they don't have a clear shot. It's like, well, we might miss anyway. The idea like, we yep. could do this, but there's not going to be a good opportunity. It's been kind of addressing it. As they're debating what to do, a squadron of Thai silencers corral the Millennium Falcon toward the enemy mothership. None but his crew do their best to deflect the attack, but the Millennium Falcon is destroyed. What? Numbers dead. Millennium Falcon is gone. Yeah. It is going to be the moment the audience goes, wait, wait, what? Yeah. It's, it's, it's Loki getting killed at the start of Endgame. It's like, oh, you, no, that doesn't happen in this movie. That doesn't happen. This, <laughs> so this what is you're the saying last is Star Wars film. the Millennium Falcon gets its own series on Disney Plus in a few years. That's then. all I'm asking. <laughs> Also, as much as it's like the most important thing, it's not in the first three films. Anyway, Lando, seeing this, sends out a general order for surrender. The fighters reluctantly power down their weapons, and the imposing First Order ships take prominent prisoners back to Coruscant for trial and execution. So everyone in the audience is going to be like, this movie's too grim. I'm not liking this. I don't want to watch this film anymore. I'm sad. I'm angry. <laughs> and that's fair. Darth Wren stands on a platform in Coruscant, 
and broadcasts a galaxy-wide announcement that the traitor generals will be publicly executed and it will mark the end of the so-called resistance once and He broadcasts via Fortnite, for the record. He does, and he also says, TRAITOR! He then reveals that all major systems have been outfitted with dark pyramids, which will retain peace through order. It's basically the Wayfinder, but really fucking big. <laughs> These pyramids are conduits of the living force, which can use gravity to implode suns and wipe out entire systems. Ren says no longer will disobedient insurgents be able to outrun battle stations and star destroyers. <clears throat> no longer will agitators have places of refuge to hide. The power of the new galactic order will be supreme. Poe Dameron's flagship arrives in orbit of Mon Calamari. As he converses with the admittedly sizable remainder of the rebel fleet, we see a flashback of Poe arriving to see the floating carnage and destruction from the First Order's surprise attack. He doesn't know how they knew, but he knows it doesn't matter. He tells the commanding officers that, if anything, this assault proves the resistance is a genuine threat to the First Order, and the unveiling of these dark pyramids means it's now or never. To rescue their friends, to save the galaxy from repression, and to dethrone a petulant emperor, they must strike now. He then clears his throat and adds the additional point that a major component of this final battle will be droids, but not as they've been utilised before, as fellow soldiers. Murmurs of concern rippled through the crowd, with one general commenting that the last time a droid army was used, it was against the Republic. R2D rolls into view and whistles furiously, with 3PO in tow, translating that old differences must be overcome for the future of all. Commander Lobot. Yeah, he died in my solo pitch, though, Matt. Yeah, you no, can't... it's a different actor. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, it's being played by James Tolkien, who is most people are going to know as the guy at Strickland from uh, Back to the Future. Oh, a shotgun saying slackers. Yeah. <clears throat> he is literally three or four years. Um, is it John? I can't remember the name of the actor now. Um, but yes, Lobot's actor died, but obviously he uh, is John Hollis. That's right. I think yeah. uh, the guy I've got in basically, obviously, he's another bald dude, but he was born like three or four years after. I think after, you're allowed so to say that, Matt. That's, you can say I'm, that as a bald man. Yeah, I, I can say that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, it's the kind of thing I was like, it's not the same actor, but people go, oh, I recognize that guy. He's still got that mounted head unit. <clears throat> it's not the exact same thing, but I know, and people see it as a nice tribute, hopefully. Commander Lobot, as I said, plays by James Tolkien, stands up and says, General Calrissian always believed in and fought for the rights of droids. I don't mention how he tried to fuck one and put it in the Millennium Falcon, which is now gone. <laughs> and cyborgs, which is what he is. And they should support this action wholeheartedly. As the various droids at their stations turn to face the room, the atmosphere changes to one of hope and resolve. Poe is moved by the support and we are treated to a readying montage of all manner of peoples, outer rim creatures, and droids being outfitted with weapons and boarded onto the new Mon Calamari super dropships. The enormous fleet sets a course for Coruscant and disappears into hyperspace. So, cool. Not to ruin Mass Effect for certain people, there's a moment in the story where like, we can't have them, they were the enemy two games ago. It's like, yeah, so it's they should the be guess, the most powerful the way, people. Mass Effect. Yes, the yeah. Guess, yeah. And it's like, you can't trust them. It's like, <laughs> yeah, but this is a world-ending thing we should all be uniting for, and if they gave you so much grief the first time around, they'll be a good fucking ally for mm -hmm. you. Yeah. <laughs> On Tython, Rey finally exits the chamber and explains to Finn and Rose that she's been studying the texts and communing with the first Jedi, and has decided that any new wave of Force users can't be like what came before. Smart. Through Luke's journal, she learns to understand his reasons for taking himself out of the equation, because he believed he'd failed and going into hiding as atonement 
is what he learned through Obi-Wan and Yoda's examples, but his inaction made things worse, and only at the end did he understand. She goes on to outline what comes next cannot be a race of knights for the Senate, a single powerful being or wise recluses. They must be nomadic wanderers serving the living force, with the tenants protected and shepherded by guardians. Finn asks, what guardians? Finn and Rose are brought into a secondary section of the temple. Rose says it's too dark, and in that moment, Ray ignites her new lightsaber for the first time. Cool. In the amber glow, she reveals the embossed murals sculpted into the walls. She explains that the Jedi weren't an order of solitary monks, but a community of guardians to help others find their way, warriors who protected those strong with the Force. Ray states that Finn and Rose are natural guardians of the wills. Ah, the journal of the wills, all that bullshit. Selflessly devoting their lives to the cause. She pulls a staff from the wall and ignites it. The staff possesses similar abilities to that of the First Order riot control batons, which is the uh, trainer Trainer! thing. (laughs) Throwing the staff to her friends, she asks them to kneel. Interesting. Funnily enough, Tim mentioned knighting Tim mentioned people. it, and I was like, damn it, Tim, this is great. <laughs> Both do so and are essentially knighted with her light. She's going to be very careful knighting people with that light. Oh, yeah, <laughs> she's, she's going to be. Rose asks what they do now. Ray says Ben Solo is gone, and Ren needs to be stopped at all costs. Returning to the ship, they see the hollow rallying message from Poe stating the attack is underway at Coruscant. So Guardians of the Will shit is basically what... Chirrut and Bays are in Rogue One. Yes. Uh, for the audience. Person. So it's not me, it's like putting random time out ass. It's like, I am oh. the Force and the Force is with me. I am the Force and the Force exactly. is with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That sort of stuff. I'm bringing that back, basically. I'm bringing all the shit in. It's implied they're Temple Guardians and stuff. And yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm basically saying, yeah, that's what these people are. That's why he's been drawn to, to Ray this entire time to protect her. I was like, oh, oh, that makes more sense than just his dick. Okay. So. <laughs> Across the galaxy, we see the dark pyramid surge with a deep green energy rippling towards the peak. Several races look on in terror as the overbearing structures glow menacingly. So again, a Death Star is only good if you use it once and then keep scaring people that you might use it again. The idea that every single planet has the ability to be destroyed if you look at them the wrong way, in basically like a CCTV with a gun, is more terrifying because it's everywhere and it's constant, but it's driven by the force. That's my idea anyway. In the space above Coruscant, a cocky admiral, played by Nilbo Torres, who is a South American actor. He's only in the embrace of a certain serpent, but he's a very cool dude. I want to get another, you know, uh, another good bit of casting there. Laughs that the universe will soon be a much safer place, and that they have seen the last of the resistance. A klaxon sounds, because of course it fucking does. And an officer, played by Ruth Nager. Hey, um, I like Ruth Nager. Great. I have a very a few amount of cameos. I literally, those two are kind of basically three or four is it. Um, but I was like, yeah, fuck it. Let's put people in. Anyway, so an officer played by Ruth Nager. Poor, poor Dominic Monaghan. Sorry, dude. Out of love. Yeah, you're not in this film at all. I apologize. A Claxon sounds as an officer frantically relays incoming ships. The mighty allied armada arrives and it looks cool. It doesn't look like just everyone's... It looks like in, you know... Um, for lack of a better word, Return of the Jedi. It feels yep. impressive. Uh, and surprisingly, outnumbers the galactic fleet. Mm. Fighters launch and the battlefield is lit up with laser fire. Poe identifies a clear point and signals his coordinates. Five humongous <clears throat> dropships, carol dropship carriers, I should say, maneuver and let out a swarm of tiny vessels. It goes a bit Starship Troopers. 
which hurtled toward the surface of Coruscant. While several are shot out of the sky by mounted cannons, the majority of the dropships make their way to the surface. As they land, soldiers pour out and flood the streets of Coruscant, taking on the First Order troops and their various mechanised weapons and assault vehicles. It is fucking carnage. War here, Matt. Oh, yeah. Star War. Star War. <laughs> Ray's ship enters the arena and Finn is taken aback by the sheer cluttered chaos of it all. Rose says that there's never been a battle like this before. Poe's voice chimes in over the radio and admits that they could use Ray's help. Ray explains she needs a clear path to get to Ren, which ro- to which Poe responds, coming right up. The general coordinates his fleet as Rose pilots her way through the carnage, led by Chewbacca in a huge double X-wing similar to the ARC-170s. So basically, like, X-wing with more wings, basically. Yep. And Chewbacca, nice. I, there was a thing in like Colin Trevorrow's script where there's a huge space battle and Chewbacca's in the next wing. I thought, I want to see Chewbacca in an X-Wing. Sure. Would he fit? <laughs> Who knows? Who cares? It's a special we'll, people. We'll adjust the seat. More yeah. wings and more cockpit. In a darkened cell, Lando, Maz, and several other captive generals wonder what all the noise is. The door explodes open and an infiltration team led by Commander Connix, Billy Lord. Hey! hey. Carrie Fisher's daughter, by says, the way. Yep. Says, Generals, we're here to rescue you. Rhyming. The detainees are stunned but find their energy when the cell doors swing open. So I've got things like, you know, uh, Ray saying things like, only at the end did he understand. Because like that, Again, there are nods to things that are hopefully a bit more subtle than mm-hmm. just the bluntness of, of the old Lucas Rhyming. And like the whole Billy Lord being Carrie Fisher's daughter in the final film, bursting into a thing, captive rebel saying, we're here to rescue you. Like, yep. the yeah. Initial yeah. It just, just like poss- possibly disguised as a stormtrooper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Shit like that just to be hopefully clever, funny, as opposed to two on the nose or whatever. Cool. Mm-hmm. I like it. Ray's ship lands and she explains she can feel Ren's presence. He's ruining his Christmas all over again. <laughs> At the ornate but overbearing lobby of the central citadel, the group are stopped by the knights of Ren. Ray goes for her lightsaber, BB-8 emits a concerned whistle and beep. But Rose and Finn explain they can handle it. Stepping forward, Rose and Finn raise their staffs and ready themselves. Ushar laughs and says this'll be quick. Rose and Finn, in synchronisation, see the words on the staff before closing their eyes and whispering the mantra, I am one with the Force, and the Force is with me. Yes, Rogue One time. <laughs> Vicarel attacks them, but Rose and Finn evade the attacks with ease. Momentarily, sh- yeah. Momentarily shocked by their abilities, they focus themselves, and Ray charges past the knights. BB-8 is doing cute droid shit while evading attacks and zapping one of the knights. <laughs> I, I realized as I was writing, there's some comedy in here somewhere. Yeah. It was like, oh, yeah, I've not mentioned what BB 8's doing, but yeah, yeah. So the idea that, that in this moment they've realized their purpose of these guardians, and it's the whole like being able to walk through that blast of fire, that sort of like force luck, if you will. I'm mm. sort of preying yeah. on that sort of stuff. And it's more about it, almost like martial arts, you're dodging as opposed to attacking. Anyway. Yeah, sure. We are treated to a back and forth as we see raging. Sorry, nope. We are treated to a back and forth as we see the battle raging in the stars. The close quarters fighting in the street, with barricades being formed, and the knights versus the guardians. It's not entirely clear if either side is winning, but it is evident that this will be the final battle. With the sounds of war reverberating through the halls of the citadel, the music begins to swell with familiar leitmotifs <laughs> as Ray ascends the final staircase. Entering the viewing platform, she sees the outline of Darth Wren watching over the con- destruction. Wren says that the galaxy is an unruly and unfair place but with his new iron grip, the days of uncertainty and conflict will be no more. He says he can sense she has grown more powerful since they last met. 
displeases him. Creepy. Ray and Darth Ren fight without restraint, their two styles ensuring neither can best the other. The showdown progresses through different rooms before both are stood battling on the roof of the citadel, the streets filled with fire and explosions, the sky raining broken ship parts and laser blasts. <coughs> In the heat of it all, Ren seemingly gains the upper hand, but as he brings his lightsaber down for the killing stroke, Ray reaches out and grabs the blade. Clearly in pain and burning somewhat, she is able to suppress the effects, much to Ren's mm. shock and horror. Balance, motherfucker. Interesting. I want to I give like, a, like a thing that would be shocking in the same way in the first film, well, the first one, in Force Awakens, when you know Ren holds his hand out and stops that bolt. It's like, holy yeah. shit, that's mm. the most... And he has a, then he has a conversation. I want Ren, Ray to have yeah. something similar. It's like yeah. holding the blade and not being sliced to pieces. Like, holy shit. It's clear that she has to concentrate immensely to do that, but yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, cool. In the lobby, the Guardians fight spectacularly, managing to best the knights at every turn. The space battle is ferocious, with huge ships cracking and breaking at the centre, and in the streets, giant walkers are overwhelmed with fighters ascending and overwhelming them. The presence of the droids fighting alongside the soldiers and the released generals is clearly proving to be the key advantage of sheer numbers that the Resistance needed all along. Pushing Darth Ren back, Rey calms herself before breathing slowly. Ren roars and charges again, but as Rey deflects these attacks, he can see a strange glow around her outline. I hate them, but they gotta come back. The two become locked, pressing their blades toward one another, but gaining little ground. Ren's yellow eyes seething with hate and anger, while Rey's are focused and determined. Darth Ren's face starts to glow in a blue light, and his gaze flicks to Rey's shoulder as, he <laughs> as the hand of Luke Skywalker rests on it. Looking up, he sees an army of Jedi Force ghosts. You're doing the Lord of the Rings. I'm doing a, well, no. Hang on, what's, hang on, hang on. I'll explain myself. Looking up, he sees an army of Jedi Force ghosts at Ray's back, all staring him, staring him down. There's a shit ton of cameos. I'm not going to list them all. It's just like every she, she is all the of. Jedi. That. It's that bit, but you actually mm. see them as opposed to just a bunch of voices. You see like Qui Gon Jinn. Every, every motherfucker is there. Like everybody, but they're all like, nice and back looking. for ten minutes. I'm sure we've probably had a discussion about this. Are you aware of why China? that wasn't in? Yes. Yep. Don't care. China have superstitions about ghosts. I know, but if they have like Luke as a ghost in the film, I feel like that's stupid. I know it's like they could probably mm. cut that scene out, but it still doesn't make sense. So no, yeah. I, I get it, but no. Ren's glance returns to Ray, who retains the same determined expression. Ren slowly looks behind him to see only the battle. No allies, no support. Facing Ray, Ren whispers, This all has to end. It can't keep going on like this. Ray agrees. The two push off one another and separate. A sobering moment, Ren looks around him and at the legion of Jedi who disappear from view. As the yellow tinge leaves Darth Ren's eyes, he nods to Ray before lifting his lightsaber, as Obi-Wan did in Star Wars. A tear falls down Ray's face as she swipes at her adversary, and he disappears, leaving only a crumpled stack of his clothes and lightsaber. Oh, you're rhyming again, Matthew. I am indeed. So the ghost just as a physical presence. So if we want to do a release for China where they don't see the ghosts, we could do that. <laughs> but I don't like it. No. Um. I, and again, I don't want to attack it like the like Lord of the Rings. It's just mm. a present. And it's more important that behind him is nothing. There's not. I am all the Sith. Yeah. It's like who's all the Sith? Nobody, because you keep immolating and betraying each other. Betraying each other, yeah, that makes no sense. Yes. Ray stands victorious atop the citadel, and igniting Darth Ren's lightsaber, stakes it into the ground. With this, the First Order troops realise the battle is over, 
and slowly and reluctantly surrender. Reports come through to the First Order Admirals that Darth Wren is no more, and while one attempts retreat, the helmsman admits they are trapped by the resistance force and they too begrudgingly surrender. Poe makes a grand speech across the airways that in spite of all that has happened, the First Order captains will be treated well, and for this victory to mean something, they have to be better than any preceding leadership or military force. Celebrations start to ring out across the comms before Commander Darcy, played by Amanda Lawrence, ah, nice. back again. Yeah. Yep, says she's getting reports from all over that something is wrong. So this next bit, the, literally the first sentence, happens two seconds before she gets that report. I think it's all... Okay, yeah. Same kind of thing, yeah. Cutting back to moments prior, the Knights of Ren are still fighting the Guardians. Sensing their master has fallen, Kuruk rushes to a terminal while the others are focused on Rose and Finn. Around the galaxy, we see the glowing pyramids hum with energy. Kuruk signals to the others that the Ren shall cut through the entire galaxy and the other five cheer in support. Kuruk is then shocked as BB-8 stuns him into unconsciousness. With all <laughs> life poised to be wiped out, Ray descends from the ceiling and lands in front of the console. The knights rush to stop it. It's all slow motion and cool and shit. But Rose and Finn obstruct the path. Reaching out, in a moment of quiet stillness, Ray's outstretched hands touch the console. Sensing that these pyramids are channeling the force, she closes her eyes and redirects that energy inward. The mighty pyramids rattle and shake before imploding spectacularly. With this accomplished, Ray joins Rose and Finn, and the Knights of Ren are beaten to a standstill, allowing BB-8 to fire a piton at them and roping them up, sort of like reminiscent of the snow speeders taking out the AT-80s just <laughs> round the legs and they fall over. Several months after the aftermath of the final battle, a new normal is established. A galactic parliament is formed with the interests of the inner and outer rim planets being heard, as well as C-3PO and R2-D2 as representatives of droids for the first time. Poe Dameron is unanimously elected as its first head, and orders a grand reconstruction effort to form unity and lasting prosperity. I'd follow Oscar Isaac. Sign me up. We all would. On Tython, Rey oversees the construction of nine new temples. She explains to Rose and Finn that the Force has been dammed up for so long, but she can feel it flowing freely without constriction, like a great weight has been lifted. Finn says he can feel it too. Rose asks if there are to be no more Jedi. What comes next? Ray explains this new philosophy will train arbiters who can roam the galaxy, righting wrongs and protecting the innocent, harnessing the forces of light and dark to root out abusers of both. As the music builds under her words, Ray states this is now the age of the Wanderers, the age of Skywalkers. Iris out to credits. I don't think I kept really anything from Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> I mean, it has the same characters in it. <laughs> and that moment where she it. says, and Skywalker. Skywalker, at the end. yeah. Both slightly yeah. different meaning, yeah. yeah. So it's, and Richard, Richard E. Grant Richard plays e. Grant's a new character. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a very bold, bombastic thing. And I tried to write so many things without leaving things out and blah, 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 and so on and so forth, which was a mighty fucking bastard. And I did, I did take stuff, like Tython is a thing, apparently. I think it it's is, a nice yeah. little public, yeah. yeah. Um, but again, through my own interpretation kind of thing. I'm like, again, in the same way that in The Force Awakens and stuff, things are harvested for the point of story. I think Jack actually really very kindly worded it as taking the names, but giving them characters and backstories. Giving yeah. it the same. So you take the idea yeah. of what this is and make it a thing. So mm -hmm. I'm now ready for a very... Which is, as you know, scrutiny. something I often do. With yes, my, it's true. I, 
took a thing from the comics and made it more interesting or took a thing from a book yeah. and a comic combined them together and turned it into my movie and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and Star Wars with that kind of stuff is kind of unavoidable because like we said mm-hmm. there is so much baggage and crap from the extended universe and the canon stuff and all the other stuff that's going on honestly Matt I really enjoyed it that's good thank you really really fun, enjoyed it but... nothing jumps out as like oh god what the fuck why would you do that I Aiden don't. I still don't particularly. Well, yeah, that. I thought mm. that was a bit. The the obsessive use of force ghosts after you saying how much oh, you hate force, hate force ghosts, ghosts was a bit odd. Like you're doing it just to like, like flagellate yourself, yourself almost, <laughs> sure. like punish yourself. Okay. Like, oh, I'm gonna give myself an army of force ghosts. Oh, I fucking hate those force ghosts. Write another force ghost quick. Um, <laughs> I don't know if the the sheer amount of force ghosts is necessary. <laughs> well, it's only two. It's, it's two instances in my eyes. I, it's the same amount as Rise of Skywalker in theory. It's one old man followed by a group of them. The thing is, yeah. I remember the energy in the cinema when everyone heard all the voices and they could hear like uh, Liam Neeson and shit. I'm like, wow. Mm. And and I and so many people coming out of the cinema saying, oh, I've been really nice to see them all though. And I thought, actually it kind of would. And I know you're a tiny right with the whole like, you know, you know, appeasing a specific market for a specific reason, which I don't make your story figure it out later that, that's why and this is that, that thing why i was like i really want to make finn and poe like a, a couple and then i thought mm. i can't do it in a way that you could again the force ghosts you can kind of cut out and it still works yeah that relationship i can't cut out and i would desperately go no fuck that fuck you but it's disney yeah. i can't disney aren't going to do this if if that's the case and so i tried to make well in terms of the story i think we're going to find the, the classic evolution that why has Finn been chasing Ray this entire Ray this mm. entire time. I wanted to have a good justifiable reason, and Fo- Poe has to become the new layer. Basically, they would be tripping over each other, be too much conflict, and they'd be trying to make these three a, a trinity like yeah. Han, Leia, and Luke didn't really gel well for me personally. But yes, I don't like Force Ghosts. I find them very annoying. But I think a conversation between Anakin and Kylo is important, and I think just this idea that. The Jedi is a support network as a sort of degree. Like this is a thing. You are on the right side, and and again, it's more like if you want to do a, a sort of um, an analogy for political argument, look to your left and your right, see who's on your side. Are you on the right side yeah. of this argument? I mean, that doesn't mean you necessarily you know should change your views or not. It's like just just be mindful of who the fuck is around you, and if it's no one, you're either completely right or completely fucking wrong, kind of thing. I lo- I liked the Force Ghost stuff. Sure. Uh, God damn I thought, it, I thought you deployed it. I thought you deployed it fine. Is the meeting that we see between Kylo Ren and and, and Anakin? Yes. Is that in your mind? Is that their the first time that this he is the first time he's supposed to? Yeah, yeah. I because it has a familiarity. When we first went through it, 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 it felt like he knew that ghost was going to be there and it was coming back to visit it again. I that think was my having, impression. Yeah, that he'd been to yeah. Vader Castle oh, before okay, and that okay. kind of stuff. Yeah. I think I I'm think having it be their first meeting is important because you mm. like to to him to have him going to Mustafar and almost like a pilgrimage mm. and then finding Anakin there as this almost kind of a ghost who's paying like yeah. penance. That's that's precisely is, it, yeah. is yeah is is interesting. He, he, um, uh, uh, Kylo's mission to Mustafar. 
is to basically raid the closet and go get a new outfit. He just happens to right. come across. Again, I've okay. word count, even though it's an excessive word yeah. count. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is the longest um, picture I've ever had, by the way, folks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that I think that's important because if that wasn't the first meeting, then I would want to see the first mm. meeting. Um I agree. I I feel like it may be um jumps too far with how Ren is acting. Too evil? I feel like there's a bit of a disconnect between between where he ends Last Jedi. Again, mm, having not mm. rewatched it recently. Between where he ends Last Jedi and where he starts in your pitch, it feels like he's gone full hog dictator. Yes. Whereas there was a bit more of a um a hesitance. Mm. And a confusion in his in his previous one. Obviously, he was like fucking kill Luke Skywalker, but that that's very much him acting in an emotional sense rather than being like, yes, and now I'm in charge of the galaxy. Good. Um, I so I would have liked a bit more of a bridging from like to kind of get the sense of like, is he comfortable in this new role? Is mm. he not? Um, and. I guess a little bit more sense of conflict in him because it seems like he at certain points he just turns into kind of almost like a mustache twirling villain and then at yeah. the very end kind of realizes the the error of his ways so I mean I appreciate a lot of that will be coming through as performance, Adam performance yeah, of course, because of course, he's of fucking great mm. um but yeah I think I would a, a little bit more conflict in how he's and perhaps a sense that maybe he's still being manipulated by the knights of ren by these other people who have agendas mm. you know um and but otherwise like i like jack said i think it's it's mm. well really good it's a really like like as as much as i don't want to give rise of skywalker any credit because it's a bad film hmm. but like Writing these things when there's so many moving parts, there's so many things involved, is dream. very difficult. And and especially when you know that it's got to be a conclusion to everything. I I really like what you do with the Jedi um, and kind of saying, like, no, there's this older thing that embraces both light and dark. Bringing that very much ties into real world religions as well and how they're manipulated over yeah. the centuries yeah. and how yeah. an original intent or particular scripture or whatever has been mistranslated and misunderstood and now you are the Jedi but there was this person called Jedi that was a thing that has now <laughs> yeah. become this thing yeah, yeah that, I mean they that talk about balance well. so much and yet balance means literally both not one yeah yeah That's I like what balance. you did there that's a thing they don't really touch upon very much they don't yeah. particularly like mm. the whole gray Jedi that's the the, mm. the like colloquialism phrase yeah. that yeah. is like the Qui-Gon Jinn is somewhere in the middle there because he goes against orders. Yes. He he violates uh, the some of the things from the Jedi Order and all their, their kind of rules and stuff like that. And I think you explored the balance of dark and light really interestingly and the fact that this was always the plan to use the quote-unquote good and bad things for, you know, finding the balance and learning people who abuse either mm, side yeah. to any extreme should be mm. stopped, which yeah. I think is an I interesting take. I kind take. of saw it like science. You learn science. You don't learn the bad science, good science. Like, no, no, science is science. Just <laughs> you can use it for evil if you want, but mm. it's just science. Uh, just to address what Tim said, because I, I agree with him. 
with regards to Kylo's transition. And I'll tell you the problem I have with it. Because um, I, I must, I, I, you're right. I think you're right. The performance would sell it, but initially I was going to go with more of a transition. And then I realized I had a problem with that. And again, as much as it, this is, you know, I've been defending Mr. Johnson, but it's kind of Ryan Johnson's fault because we see Kylo Ren in The Force Awakens. Then we see Kylo Ren five minutes later in The Force Awakens. Now, unless I set my film immediately after, we don't have a period of time. Like, for example, Anakin Skywalker in Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, uh, Revenge of the Sith. There's a, mm. there's a, a, not a great one, but there's still a change because mm. you have the time in between. Same thing with Luke Skywalker. I'm a plucky farm boy. Oh, no, Tachi's power station. There's mm. like, I'm a Jedi Knight. I'm really brash. It's like, I am a calm man. I know what I'm doing. That is a nice development because you've had the time in between it. Whereas it's like, I don't have, kind of unless i do a thing where i do a stop start at the beginning which i don't want to do because i've already done the flashback to ben being mm. you know young and brash and having the conflict there and then going oh no he's gone now he's off the fucking rails um but mm. you yeah I, I know exactly what you're saying and i do i do genuinely appreciate that but it's the whole like i i um having having um what you call it force awakens and last jedi literally happening one after the other yeah meant i either have to go straight off the back of that or have a gap which will feel unusual um, because all the characters have moved on a bit, but I think they needed mm. that. But but yeah, I, I I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think as a as a I really like bringing in the droid stuff. I think that's really clever, and as a way to suddenly like even the odds, mm. um, and almost like you could almost have like a an imperial droid rebellion happening suddenly, yes. mm. where it's like that all those that mouse droids and gonk droids finally Alan rising Tudic. up and doing nothing yeah um so yeah i think that's that's very clever i'll give people to try uh, what was it bb9 or where it is the, the 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 black version of bb8 oh yeah the evil yeah, black they'll, the, yeah. they'll want to buy the toys now because he's now a good guy yeah uh i like that you destroy the millennium falcon oh i thought, well, be, I think that's I thought a, that would be painful cutting one but i thought it would be a bit pushback from that i think it. some of the fans will be very unhappy of course, of course. oh yeah some people but that's the point it, it needs to be the end think... of a needs to be a statement I was gonna uh, nine none, but had to go in there because I thought, well, I don't want to bring Lando back for five minutes to kill him. That's awful. I know, yeah. I know. Mm. These films have like right. First one we kill off Han Solo. Second film we kill off Luke Skywalker. Third film we kill off Leia. Oh God, Leia's already dead because that Carrie Fisher's dead. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, yeah. I'm not gonna just kill off Lando randomly. Like, oh, there you go. Bang. How you like that, kids? So I kill yeah. nine none. <laughs> um, but the Falcon is the thing that has to die. That has to be a big statement. Yeah. I think my only other hesitation. Yes is that the you don't really have like the 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 ray stuff is very ray and finn and rose are kind of very separate to everything that's going on until they come back at the end yep. um and they don't really have a moment with poe which i know they're not the same no, you're right. I get as it, yeah. the original trilogy mm. but like uh, as the original kind of uh han and and luke and leia mm. but I think you would need, especially knowing that the actors didn't like Last Jedi because they were all separate. off in separate know, places, doing not not able to kind of hang out with each other. I think it would be nice if there could be a few more moments in there where they are all in the same place. I um, yeah, I tried to to figure out in the script a point where they could converge, and I was like, the stories only converge at the end, unless I do a thing where they all go off on their own mission. I thought no, because I want to see it in Midian's rest. I want to see it like you know, it's already taking place. Yeah, I didn't want to just shoehorn in like, oh, she's tra in the same way that again, in the previous films, they all go off in their separate ways. They come together in the end, this climactic mm. thing. You know, 
uh, Ray is training with Luke. She doesn't get to see the others until the end. And it's a frustration. And I know why it's a frustration, but it's the same thing with like Luke Skywalker has the stuff at heart, um, um, on Hoth to start with. Yeah. And then he doesn't see them until the end. Thing. So I think there's, yeah, I, I, I'm open to suggestions as how to get in there, certainly, but it's just more the idea. Because I, I, yeah. I agree with you. I was like, I, I want them to be together. And the only time we think about it is like the battle takes place because there's so many fronts. There's the space battle, the street battle, mm. the guardians battle, the Jedi and Sith battle sort of thing. And there's these contained... It's a classic multiple layer battle. Precisely, yeah. Star Wars yeah. thing, isn't it? Very Star Wars. Yeah. But I was also like, yeah. how do I get that so they're all in the same place? Like, I just do talk, yeah. like doing the Avengers style talking on the comms to each other doesn't really mm. work in this case. I like you bringing back Coruscant as well, since it's the, the centre yeah. and, and the temple was built on an ancient Sith thing in the extended universe I believe <laughs> sure. and it's a I'm whole that. that makes sense I didn't know that like, that makes it's sense it's like a fulcrum of the force in a way as oh, well and ley lines and shit yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay works well, cool yeah unknowingly did that um, <laughs> exactly yeah yeah no I, I and I also I really like your approach to nostalgia where there's like little moments that are winked towards mm. but it doesn't feel like it's all steep nobody goes back to fucking Tatooine it, it, to, it's, no it's winking planets. it's winking not wanking that's the that's hey the Hey, we found we found um, the line. That's it. Yeah. So I think it's it's there's a few changes that I would have liked, but also given how complex this is to wrangle, I think you've done a fantastic job that would clearly be a lot better than Rise of Skywalker. Agreed, hundred percent. Thank you guys. I appreciate that. That's very kind. It was it was genuinely when we started this pitch of the season and was like, okay, here are the four pitches and things like that. It's like this was terrifying. Um. It possibly the most terrifying pitch I've had to do because mm. it wasn't just a case of like, oh, do another sequel, do a thing. It's like, no, you have to end this trilogy. And not just that, you have to end nine of them. And I feel like, and this is going to be, sound very arrogant and awful, I apologise in advance for, for this, but I feel like I took more care and consideration and thought as to how to do this you than did. those who are actually involved it's not in arrogant, that's a statement of fact. $300 million to do the fucking thing. And also, I'd like to think it was bigger and more bombastic and terrifying and visually, you know, Mm. And I thought, I, I, weird enough that the whole guillotine thing was I kind of nabbed that from the start of um of all things, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Oh wow! <laughs> just because I thought I like that visual of people being round. It's like you want to make a statement, people can round up and being like just mass executions and shit. And I also a, a lightsaber style guillotine is fucking cool, um, and terrifying. Uh, but thank you, I do I do appreciate that. <laughs> well, guys. listeners, if you have any feedback, if you have any suggestions, any ideas, I'm sure we have some diehard Star Wars fans out there in the sequelizer listening world hit us up on social media we are sequelizers on absolutely everything if you have longer feedback you can find our email address which is sequelizers at gmail.com you can also contact us through our website going to the contact page and filling out a form there as well if you want to contact me directly i am jlw chambers once again on all the obvious social media facebook twitter instagram all that good stuff matt if somebody wants to debate star wars with you and delve into the lore of all nine films. No. How can they do that? No, you can't. I'm sorry. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear, like, oh, actually, I found this just contract. Doesn't matter. Uh, if you do want to talk about other stuff, Stogs, S T O G H Z. You can also go to the Red Right Hand at Cody Cameron by Reviews. You can go to cheeseman.com and see the things I make. Tim, I've felt a presence I haven't felt in a long time, but I don't know where it was. How can I find it? Uh, you can go to Twitter and go to trivia underscore lad. Uh, where I waffle on about nonsense or link to anything that I think is important, whether it's stuff I've done or stuff that people should see. That is me. Nice. 
You can go to sequelizers.com, find the links to all the different podcast platforms. Please feel free, if you can, to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. We very much appreciate that. If you'd like to support us, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you can go to patreon.com slash sequelizers and support us there in a variety of different tiers. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is it for season eight of Sequelizers. We'll be back very soon. We'll be back next week with some interseason <laughs> goodness. And uh, we're kicking off with some very interesting stuff. Like I said, I'm very excited about some of the topics we're going to be doing in interseason. Oh, yeah. But be prepared for some new stuff, some interesting stuff, some weird and wonderful discussions outside of just bad sequels for once. <laughs> so if you have joined us for all of season eight, if you're a long time listener, or you're just joining us for the first time here when we're finishing off the Star Wars Skywalker saga. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate it. And we will see you next week for the beginning of the next to season break. 